right, friends, welcome to yet another episode of the Indiana Jones podcast, where we're talking all about the latest adventure, Dial of Destiny, and a comic, The Fate of Atlantis, because all we do now is talk about Indiana Jones. That's all the show is. Uh, we are, of course, the Fake Nerd Podcast. It is episode 334. I am Sparks Witty, and I am joined by Ryan Eliopoulos. Hello, I'm here to uh, uh, whip... Uh, nope, I'm out. Goodbye. <laughs> Lost it. Hey, I'm Randall Apples. Happy to be here. Uh, Brandon T. McClure. Hello, I'm very excited to be a, a guest host on the Indiana Jones official podcast. Yes, absolutely. Uh, the guest. Um, yeah. And, and of course, Ben Magnet is here. I'm yep. just going to say I'm the, I didn't start the fire. Uh, no, you did not. In fact, that was Ben's variant <laughs> sitting over here to my right, paying off a year's old joke. <laughs> I was Loki so happy. <laughs> the Loki fans remember. <laughs> and Ben look, still doesn't get it. I look down and I see Ben's very. I'm like, what? The, uh, I'm not. Nope. Nope. Do not, it's one of those things where I'm like, do not engage. Do not engage. Because Ben, because ben hasn't watched that episode. He was not on. The fact still. The fact you haven't seen it makes it so much better. <laughs> I was thinking about this the moment you texted me that Xander would be on. And I was thinking to myself, oh, man, would he do it? And the answer was yes, and I'm ecstatic for it. Yes, of course. This is friend of the podcast, Xander Hockey, joining us Hi. for today's discussions. I'm a friend. It's true. Uh, yeah, Xander, uh, welcome to the podcast. This is an exciting week. Did you watch the movie? Doesn't matter. You're going to be here anyway. I, yeah, but like I did also watch the movie. If that <laughs> that helps anyway, it doesn't. In oh, fact, I kind of wish you didn't. Oh, it, it was gonna be more. No, it'd be more like, fun. Hey. It'd be funnier. It's like, oh, yeah, hey, yeah, did yeah, you yeah. watch the movie? No, too bad. You're stuck with us. You're still reviewing it like you did. That's fun. That's just a fun throughout one. the whole. It's like I guess this happened. Yeah, that was my favorite part. Hey, how crazy was it when the Sir King Arthur just showed up out of nowhere? Oh, you know, I read that. Okay, so uh, spoilers for Dial of Destiny right off the gate. Sorry, oh. friends. Excalibur. Um, okay, so guys, hi, it's links time. Um, we have uh, quite a few links in the description, so I just want to kind of like get right into it. Um, Sparks was being wonderful, putting in some links in the description. Well, I did the links. Doesn't matter. The WGA strike is there. Um, we're going to be talking about it some more this week. Uh, so the link is still there. As long as they're on strike, uh, that link is going to be there. I have actually made sure that it will never be taken off. So <laughs> yeah, that's fun. Google Docs is fun. Nice. Um, so I'll never forget. So guys, remember a long time ago, we did a Mike's Impossible Movie Trivia Challenge for the film Raiders of the Lost Ark. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I, I remember winning that. that one. I remember you winning that one too. Uh, well, that's that's back, guys. It's back. It's back. It is up in the description. It is up on YouTube. It is back on the audio feeds. You can watch it. Uh, you can you can listen to it. Uh, there's no visual component to it. It's just kind of an image. But you know what? Hey, man, it's there. Uh, that was audio only. We weren't doing video yet. Only. It feels oh, interesting. Yeah, uh, we. I believe we did that in my studio apartment. Uh, oh right, right, right. Yeah, time time's yeah. awake. Man, that was a long time ago. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. But was... not in a galaxy far, far away. No, no, not yet. So yeah, so that's in the description, guys. It's 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 back. It's exciting. It's fun. Um I lose, which is embarrassing now. 
but it wasn't then. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, my CBR work is linked below. There's actually quite a few links that went, there's actually quite a few articles that went up for CBR this week. Um, uh, they finally caught up to my stuff. Uh, specifically, there are Indiana Jones articles. If you're interested in kind of seeing how Indiana Jones was ranked on Rotten Tomatoes or my personal picks for uh, adventure films uh, that are like Indiana Jones, you know, films like Adventures of Tintin or The Mummy. Um, I think I put Prince of, not Prince of Egypt, um, The Road to El Dorado. Um, which is a film I really love. So, you want you want some Rex? I got some Rex. Uh, Ryan and Sparks, you guys did the what's it called? The Steam Next Fest demos. It's true. Yeah, every word. Demos. Yes, Steam uh, Next both, Fest demos. Both parts are up now. Would you like to talk about those? Yeah, I was about, I was about to say no, but yes, I would love to. <laughs> yes, we can talk about them a little. Um, yeah, so it's a uh, uh, Ebenezer in the Invisible World. On guard, viewfinder, um, thirsty suitors. Yes, you got it. I, I <laughs> like age through blood. Yeah, yeah. Um, stray gods. Yes, and little kitty big city. Yep, and the climb and shit. Uh, there's two songs. There you go. Wow. Eight. We played eight demos. Yes, we alternated back and forth, uh, split into two parts. Great time variety of different games all of them indie all quality um, all quality again like uh one's a climbing game one's like a, a like a scott pilgrim dating, dating simulator like one's a, a metroidvania where you're on a motorcycle as a wolf awesome uh brandon have you watched any of this yet i've started watching uh a little bit i've watched the ebenezer one so far okay nice uh when you get to Jusant, it's very funny because the opening of the game defines the word it's a french word and what it means and it completely like you hear ryan and i both go oh that's what this game is <laughs> it's really it's it's a really that, that one is a really cool game it's very meditative you're just like you're just like climbing it's really cool and it's like it's like world building as you climb too it's really it's really cool a lot of really cool cool stuff have you seen any of these games we just listed i really like on guard Yes, yes. on guard is awesome. That it felt is, so good to play. Yes, it is 100% like at the top of that list for me, or near the top. Um, the combat, the, the being able to hit so much like objects around and use the environment. Environmental stuff, yeah. Yeah, yeah. environmental stuff in, in, a, in a kind of like Sekiro type, you know, parry yes. game is an interesting idea. And it just, it works. Yeah. It flows so well. Yeah, it's, it's like... Um... Like every game becomes Dark Souls after a while, I feel like. But like, yeah. it, but it's it's like not as hard, but it's still challenging. But like mm -hmm. it is like I I played it uh, before you did uh, just to try it up, and it feels so good. That yeah. is definitely that's that's a winner right there. And I think you're gonna like On Guard. Oh yeah, you can tell they put in a lot of work. Yeah, uh, uh, and real quick, Thirsty Suitors, right up your alley. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that's a good one. They're all good. Uh, Everyone's a banger. I feel compelled to mention that this is the first week that Ben is not in the description. Oh, um, he, he, no D and he dark. did True. no D and no. dark, no Grayson live, no, no. Uh, baseball arcade pause menu. No slacking. <laughs> years, years. Of course I'm kidding. Of years course of I'm work, kidding. Ben. Look at this. Good job. Bro. Happy. You, had, you got yeah. to have some time. Uh, this week, uh, so our upcoming episode for Dean Dark, the episode that should be coming out this upcoming Wednesday, is when the party is separated because the last time what happened, we all entered the ethereal plane. But did we? 
Dun, yeah, dun, fine. Dun. Yeah, so because what our DM did is that he separated all six of us or all of us so we can have us a, a little mini adventure and then we're gonna be doing some more stuff. But I will say a little bit of inside baseball. Um, as of today, we recorded the mid season finale, and oh. y'all, you ain't ready for it. Holy uh, I heard Grayson had to eat his feelings. <laughs> 30-ish 30 30-ish 30 episodes in and you and you just hit mid-season i love it i'm so yeah. into that i mean yeah. i honestly i didn't know that we were doing the mid-season finale but because uh in our discord it's like yeah we're gonna be doing the mid-season we're because we recorded it yesterday and today and i'm like oh and even during today's session i'm like oh oh man shit's going down i, mean, I know i say that but this one time it is like oh it cranked to 11 but we still got some great episodes coming up at coming up, so I'm really looking forward for you guys to listen to them. Contextually, D and Dark is a yeah. Do um, you know what it's about? Yeah. Oh, great. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Do you Are listen? You a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, um, I'm, I'm like four or five episodes in. Ooh, great. Okay. No spoilers here. No spoilers here. Um. Cool. Well. Then we'll talk about um, Fake Nerds Watch for Star Trek Strange New Worlds Episode 2 uh, at Astra Spera. I forgot the middle word. Paraspera. Paraspera. Um, yeah, that uh, that was the, uh, the so last week's episode. Not the week that just passed. Um, really fun discussion. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I really t- like talking about that, that episode with you guys. And I'm really excited to talk about this week's episode. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed um cool then yeah, let's do fake nerd cinephiles mission impossible three and four is in the description below um we've talked about those films next week the reason why i'm bringing it up mostly is because next week we're going back to the mission impossible films with five and six this is now um uh as we are uh closing our official indiana jones podcast we are opening our official mission impossible podcast <laughs> I'm yeah, just glad I could. Dead Reckoning is, is is around the corner. I am just glad that I could finally say to Brandon that I have finally seen all the Mission Impossible films. And he That's... every time when I mention about not seeing the Mission Impossible films, he will not give me this look of. <gasps> I well, just, I, mean, what? Damn. I just think you'd like them. No, no, I, mean, I do what? like them. Yeah, you hit four, Ben, and you were like, this is some good shit. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then finally, Mythalanius has returned for a second episode of the Indiana Jones series I'm doing with Sparks, where I talk about the uh, mythological artifacts that inspire the films. Uh, the second episode is featuring the Sankara Stones, which kind of operates as more of a um, investigative journalism episode because I'm trying, I'm piecing together like some more of the some some of the kind of where the hell they came from because they're not actually mythological artifacts that exist or quote unquote exist. They butchered um, them up a lot. What did you say? They butchered them up a lot, is what you're yeah. trying to say. So there's a lot of kind of inspirations that could have gone into it, and that's what the episode is about, kind of like uh, uh, looking at some of the dialogue and things and being like, oh, this is where they picked this, this is where they picked that, this is where they... So it was a lot of fun. Uh, coming up, the Holy Grail. If I could never finish that. That's all the links, though. All of them are not all of them, but like, you know, hey, guys, the, the audio and the video versions are linked below for where they are available. So please check them out in your preferred podcast platform of choice. Who wants to go first? I with will. Their week. OK, Ben, 
there's really only one major thing I want to talk about that I was experiencing this week. And no, it's not Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, although I did play a little bit of that. But that's besides the point. I want to talk about a band called Fallout Boy. And I want mm. to talk about a cover of a song that they made. And man, that song has been on repeat in my car ever since that shit dropped earlier this week. They covered Billy Joel's We Didn't Start the Fire, but they, instead of like the original song, which is major news events that happened from, say, 1940-something to 1980-whatever, it was specifically from 1989 to 2023, and holy I want to pause you real quickly. It's the Cold War. It's not the 1940s. It's the Cold War. Oh, Cold War. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, thank you. That's what the original the original song is mm-hmm. about the Cold War. Thank you. It's the Cold yeah, the Cold War. But guys, you all heard the song, right? No. I've heard some of the song. I've, I've not heard the song some, all the way through. I've heard I've seen okay. some discourse. I've heard enough of it. It's fine. I don't know what happened. <laughs> hey, have you heard Billy Joel's We Didn't Start the Fire? Before? Yeah. What yeah. if Cold Cold Now you're just getting aggressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't dislike it that much. I just forgot the name. Uh, imagine that song but Fall Out Boy sang it. There you go. And okay. it updated the event. Yeah. updated the events. Yeah. I mean it's like the same the same yeah. cadence, so it's you know, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. it sounds like it it, it would be hey, good. Yeah. You know what? But yeah. I'm glad that Ben's talking about it yeah. because he's in his F this government phase and I'm I'm supporting it. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Lovely. Yeah. Specifically yeah. this week, you're absolutely oh. right, Ben. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially this week after I found out the news, I was at the gym when that when the Supreme Court decided to come out and strutting their stuff, and I'm like, quoting, yeah, uh, yeah fuck the Supreme quoting, Court. Quoting, quoting a tweet author I don't remember the name of. I've seen Crunchwrap's more supreme than this court. That's, good. <laughs> That's a good one. But yeah, um, the I reason why that. I want to bring up we didn't the Fall Boy version of We Didn't Start the Fire is that obviously the original Billy Joel song is a timeless classic. Um, Brandon, why are you laughing so hard? I I did it. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, Ben. The contrast. We're listening. <laughs> it's because if you when you listen to the original one, especially because I have listened to the original one quite a few times, it's a really good song. And I'm like, man, what if I wonder? Part of me has felt or wondered what it would have been like to be alive and listen to that song and be like, oh yeah, I remember that. I remember, um all the news events that the store that that song talks about and listening to this version, just like, Holy crap. Yeah. Like Kurt, when Kurt Cobain died, I remember learning about when Kurt Cobain passed away. Like when Pokemon first came on scene, I remember that. I remember Michael Jackson. Um, the, when Michael Jordan came out both twice yeah, yeah, when he was 23 and 45, I remember watching, uh, the 96, um, NBA final where they beat the Utah jazz. Just listening to the song is like, Holy shit, we went through ben, a lot of stuff. Do you know stuff. why you love this song? I swear this isn't a knock. It's because you're a nostalgist bitch. And you literally you just said a minute of I remember, I remember, I remember. And there's nothing wrong with that, but that's literally this that's that's what that song was, and that's what this song is. So like I just think it's a it's a pop jam, but like I I listened, I heard it like again, I haven't listened to it all the way through, but I'm like, yeah, that is I do remember all that stuff, but like I don't need to listen to a song of all the current events that I live live through. <laughs> Actually, that's personally kind of, me. That's just me. I, I don't want to hurt wonder, I kind of wonder, like, what is the difference there? Because I know we didn't live through the Cold War, so listening to the original We Didn't Start the Fire doesn't have the same effect as someone who did live through the Cold War. But I wonder what made that song such a uh, cultural hit that the Fallout Boy, Boy one hasn't, as, as of now, from what I've seen, hasn't really hit. And as Ryan said, there are actually a lot of people that I've seen echo Ryan's statement, like, I don't want to listen to this version. I don't think also, this version works. 
it's also because Billy Joel is an incredible artist, and Fall Out Boy is too, but like, Fall Out Boy is not the Fall Out Boy they used to be, in my opinion. And Billy Joel, when he released that song, was at like one of the at like the height of his career. So like, I think they're also just very different things. Uh, and that is a remake of this is a remake reimagining of a song that already exists instead of being a brand new thing as well. So there's just a lot of factors for me. And I'm just like, yeah, it's a cool song. It's cool. I love it. Love that it exists. I like the idea of updating to the events. I do think that there's an amount of, compared to the original, right? Like we are so much more in each other's engagements about what's happening, especially in what's been happening to us as a generation. Yeah. That this is all so much more prescient of mine. So like being, it's not as, uh, oh my God. Yeah. That's a lot of things. Uh, feeling as it would be to that generation as that's much. true um yeah but i still think it's cool to like i do think it's cool to bring it around and be like hey here's an update guys yeah yeah yeah, yeah i think also it's it's kind of like a bit of a reminder of all the the shit we went through right. from yeah. 89 to today because yeah, i mean not what, to not to kn- what sparks was saying yeah not to knock the original because i'm obviously the original one there was a lot of major world-changing events and the same with this one so and not to fill a four-minute song yeah it's true <laughs> enough to, yeah enough to feel for i mean i freaking love it i love the, the new version so yeah. i'm very happy that you do yeah man i'm gonna listen to it probably i'll show up yeah <laughs> ben is that yeah. all That's all. yeah pretty much i mean we had a really cool fun game night last night that was fun i was gonna bring that up i was gonna say we played heroes of arcadia last night yeah uh, that was a lot of, Arc- of fun heroes That's of arcadia yeah yeah uh, sparks ryan you guys want to go next you can go. You yeah, sure. No, game. yeah. I, you know, after. we did a fun game night last night. We played uh, that. We played Bang and uh, I finally, Werewolf. One little thing Airwolf. about Bang, I finally learned why they call it Spaghetti Westerns. Yes, that's Ailey, true. baby. Yeah. Oh, uh, that's funny. That was fun. Um, I'm a Strange New Worlds. Uh, you know, we did it. We talked. You mentioned um, it's there. Conversation. Please go check it out. Uh, Secret Invasion. At some point, we will be talking about it again, so I'm not going to say a lot here, but I watched the episode. I like the second episode far more than the first one. I'll say that. Uh, like, significantly. So, for me. Um, we just watched the first episode of The Bear. These guys have seen it. I haven't. And so I was like, wow, this is cool. I like it. It's a good first episode. Um, I'm not, like, deep in it yet, so it's just, you know, it's a good first episode. They're 30-minute episodes, too, yeah. Uh... And then the only other two things I'll spotlight is I went and saw The Little Mermaid. Um, and I like a lot of things in it. Um, pretty much anything that doesn't have a talking animal, I like. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not trying to be kind of a dickhole with that. I think, like, I it's not just that I don't like the look of them. I don't. Um, it's that... I don't think Aquafina or David Diggs were good choices for these characters. Not, um, not I think even David? He's. I like David Diggs. What he is doing is doing an impression of the actor who voiced Sebastian oh, rather than doing original. a Jamaican accent. So his accent is terrible. And in a film where you are seeing multiple real life humans have Jamaican accents that sound good because they're good at them. Got it. You kind of go, why is David Diggs playing Sebastian? Um, and like some people have pushed back, like, well, just have David Diggs not do an accent. And I'm like, actually that functionally makes less sense now mm-hmm. if you are placing it in those islands, which is what they do. And I think is very smart. Um, 
Melissa, McCart- real quick, it looks like in the video, it looks like you're wearing Indiana Jones. No, it's like a little it tiny. Cute. It's a little tiny thing sitting on my head. It's very cute. Um, Melissa McCarthy kills it, like just absolutely eats it. Um, uh, I it's one of my favorite things I've seen her do because she is just translating Pat Carroll's performance as Ursula to live action um, with a little bit of her own stuff added in, but not a lot. Mostly, it's just like completely capturing one to one Pat Carroll's performance. But the thing is that she's like nailing it. Um, she's she's bringing what they created out of her voice into animation and then bringing it out into live action and like selling it completely selling it um she was such a joy to watch i think they did a great job realizing her uh and Halle bailey is very good like i think she's very good um otherwise though when the talking animals get involved it just sucks all the the good stuff out of it it's like it's actually kind of better if it was just a story about mer people um you gotta lose the kiss the girl sequence but you know whatever you know you know you know sparks i was actually curious how'd you feel about the little mermaid in the movie Uh, i thought that was fine it didn't bother me oh okay uh you know what i'll i'll say this um i really like there's this thing that shrek the musical does um where fiona and shrek have a song it's i i like really don't hit like that stage musical i think it's very bad and it like misses a lot of the because it's regurgitating so much the script is regurgitating the jokes from the movie but the actors are always trying to land it differently it never works except for the farquad song yes there's a lot of awesome here's the thing and like i'm about to say another song that i think is very good about it but the majority of the script is just like word for word they didn't do enough new jokes yes and it's trying to catch the jokes and like the biggest problem is that the actors are that i've seen in the recorded version when i've seen it live it's always them trying to like if i put the inflection somewhere else it'll be more mine and i'm like no you just missed the joke yeah yeah. uh and that happens all the time anyway the point being there's this song where it's about shrek and fiona both kind of learning that they were both emotionally and physically abandoned by their parents because of her being locked in a tower and the way that Shrek's parents with this history they've given him has been treated. And the fact that like, that's the thing that brings them together that starts how they're like, Oh, you're like someone I can connect with is really pretty. And I think a really good choice that makes their relationship foundationally strong Mm -hmm. in the little mermaid. They do a similar thing where while Ariel has been collecting all this stuff about the human world, Eric has been going on adventures across the sea and collecting treasures from around the world and specifically from inside the sea because he's so fascinated with it. And he thinks there's so much to learn from going across the ocean and enjoying the things in the sea. So he has this vast collection. He's a guy who wants to explore all these things and appreciates all of it. And so they immediately start connecting off that. They have common interests. <clears throat> right. They have, they have a common hobby yeah. and, and like it brings <laughs> them closer together. It immediately makes this like stronger foundation that she has things she can teach him that he's interested in and he has things he can teach her that she's interested in and it really really works for me i think it's a really smart idea right on mm-hmm. now i'm gonna talk about a not as good movie called ghosted um i'm glad i'm sorry i'm when you asked me to watch it and i was like i'd rather dude just... that's why i in parentheses was like you do not have to i was really... that was really funny that was really funny i was like i feel like I want you to know you're included. Yeah, no, but like I appreciate it. Could I opt out of this? I probably would have. No, um, I, I appreciate it. Here's the thing. Uh, oh, I really love the Chris that. Evans Anna de Armas movie. Have you, have you seen a trailer for this? No. Okay, it's a, it's a Chris Evans Anna de Armas Apple TV movie, and okay. it's basically the bit is that she is the spy and he is kind of the goofball civilian. 
Got it. Okay. Now that could work. And Chris Evans is trying very hard to make it work. Um, and there's some very funny bits. Like, honestly, in context in the movie, there's this bit where they tumble down a hill and he's like, I swallowed a rock. Um, it plays really, really well. Um, he is funny and Anna Darmus is just not really given a lot of personality. But the problem is that, like, I can't tell you if it's a performance issue or a script issue or both. But these characters don't like each other. And we're supposed to believe that they're falling in love. And they don't like each other at all. Is it a thing where, like, it's supposed to be, like, like they're bickering, but how, like, people in love bicker, he, but, like, it's not done well? He does such a bad job of not reading that she's flirting with him where he actively, like, pisses mm. her off in the beginning. And then someone's like, she was flirting with you, and he tries to go make up for it. And I'm like, she has absolutely zero reason to go get a coffee with you now, my yeah, friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she does it, and it's like, this makes no sense other than you're forcing it then to it's, happen. It's, the movie has to happen, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, like... They just, they didn't do enough with the script to justify it. Um, now, because I've said that, I don't think you're ever going to watch this movie. So I'm going to tell you some things. Um, there is a rather fun scene, just a single scene, where Tim Blake Nelson plays a Russian torturer, um, where he's about to put a bug, like, on Chris Evans, and he's just, like, living in that accent, mm -hmm. and is a ton of fun. Love it. But he's not the main bad guy of the movie. When the main bad guy shows up that he's talking about... I was like, I didn't even know he was in this movie. It's Adrian Brody mm -hmm. oh, um, playing the bad guy. And like, he's fine. But again, script's not really doing anything for him. But there is a sequence, I will tell you guys, that if you want, go ahead and YouTube it or whatever, um, where Adrian Brody's character has like sent out mercenaries to capture, he thinks Chris Evans is the spy because they call him the tax man. But that's what they call this agent, but the tax man is actually Anadarmus and it's whole, they don't, anyway. So they all think that Chris Evans is a spy. I don't think they do a lot with the comedy there either, but there is this sequence where like, they really took what they could get of a Chris Evans pool where, uh, I have to remember this order. Um, they're walking through a street and then Anthony Mackie shows up and murders a man that Chris Evans is standing with and takes him and Anadarmus hostage. I've seen this clip. And then, and then, uh, I forget who drops down after that. Oh, uh, John Cho drops down and kills it uh, and seems to kill Anthony Mackie and then takes them hostage and they get in a car. And then from the backseat, Sebastian Stan kills John Cho and takes them hostage because they're all mercenaries trying to get the bounty off of them. And then ultimately Anthony Mackie comes back around and kills Sebastian Stan. Um, it's like a fun little like weird. one minute. It's a fun little like two minute cameo spree of just like, we're just going through some mercenaries here. Um, but that's not worth the whole movie, friends, unfortunately. Yeah. I watched that clip on Twitter. It looked really fun. Yeah. Cool. It just it could have been a better script. You know what's really what's really funny? This reminded me of, of, a, of a scene that it resembles that it in no way resembles. Um, but the in the trailer for I don't know if you guys saw the trailer for The Outlaws, which is the new Pierce Brosnan action film. Nope. Um, and the guy from the guy from Pitch Perfect, um, Adam Devine? Adam Levine? Divine? I don't know if it's Devine De or Divine, but yes, yeah, I know what you're talking about, yeah. Yeah, he's the he's the lead, and 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 Pierce Brosnan and some other girl play. I forgot the actress's name. Played like the in oh, the I in have, his. I have seen. The I've seen it in theaters. And yeah. it's a Netflix movie, so you wouldn't have seen it in theaters. Just kidding. Um, and and there's a bit where they're they're like talking Adam Devine up, and and he's and uh, they're like, "Hey, you look like James Bond." And Pierce Brosnan goes, "Oh yeah, which one? Five. Uh, that's a good one. And that's his. <laughs> that's who he is. Sure, yeah, that's cute. Isn't that, that was funny? Uh. 
before we move around, Xander, is there anything you engage with this week you want to talk about? Because you're welcome. Um, yeah, uh, watch watch Ghosted. Uh, it's <laughs> you know it's really good. Um, it has uh, our collective seal of approval. Um, fake nerd seal of approval. Yeah, fake nerd seal of this approval. Is, I want to be clear. This is from your very timeline where it is a different movie. Yeah, yes. <laughs> it's, it's a great movie. It's really good. It was done really well. Better. So you really you well. and your podcast, the yep. seal of approval. Yeah, understood. Exactly. All of your variants. Yeah. What's your podcast it. called? The Real Nerd Podcast. True fan podcast, obviously. True fan podcast, True obviously. Fan podcast, obviously, it's not it's not bad there. Um, yeah. Uh, as far as uh, uh, actual content I've engaged with, um, I've been catching up a lot on stuff the last that's come out. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have anything. From that, I want to talk about because it's mostly been bad, uh, which we can't talk about. But I'd rather sure. not. Yeah. Um, I guess uh, I've been with a lot of video game stuff, so a, a, a quick, rapid fire of uh, some video game impressions and news. Um, Destiny Two, the game is imploding um, yeah. with both its fan base and its uh, servers. Uh, through a storm of uh, content drought plus uh, terrible monetization. I heard about the fishing stuff going on right now. The fishing stuff going Where on? Where you actually have to like fish in-game for like a full actual hour. Like like video game fishing for like an hour. And I'm like, okay. in Destiny, that's crazy. So here's the thing. I actually like the fishing. Okay. I love the but fishing. But for an hour a day? But but the uh, to get a, a, a special gun in the game, you have to get a certain fish. And a lot of people that don't like the fishing have to do it for the gun yes so they're very upset yeah, yeah. and they're wrong the <laughs> i fishing, also like fishing so fishing's the best part of the game um, in the shooting game i love it yeah so that's what's been going on uh with that uh league of legends 2v2 v2 mode has not only revitalized the community but might actually bring the game back from the uh the claws of death you've seen arcane it's a great show i just need to make sure great show arcane's arcane's beautiful but uh, the game itself, League of Legends, has been struggling deeply, and the two v two v two v two game mode seems to be finally a resurgence to a company caring about its game, mm-hmm. uh, which is really really nice to see. Um, Monster Hunter fans are sad at Capcom for its fifteen minute uh, "We have nothing to show you" uh, video. Uh, and are uh, awaiting along with me for a Tokyo Game Show. <laughs> um, do you think it's like? Do you think it'll be called World Monster Hunter no, World Two, or it'll no be, way? No, no way. Monster Hunter World was not a numbered game, but all of their like special either spinoff or departure games that are done by other studios. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's just always the one. Yeah, and if they do an addition, it'll be the the master rank version which they already did with iceborne yeah and iceborne wasn't world two yeah it was monster hunter iceborne so i think everybody's kind of awaiting a a next gen current gen updated monster hunter um the one on the switch is great but it just it's not the same because the switch's limitations are it's now on consoles because I it's on Xbox Game Pass. Right. Yeah. No. 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 It is. But it took it took it took a while to get that's there, true. Yeah. But a lot of it is still limited by how it was made for the Switch. Yes. It is still like yeah. It, yeah. it might look better, but it's still like an old uh-huh. type of game. Exactly. Yes. So that's that's been a, a, a stress point because people that like 
the series and have played through it are used to this. Mm -hmm. But the huge amount of fans that came in for World on the PlayStation. Ben and I, I don't know how much previous well. experience, but I know we all, I played yeah. 200 hours into that game. Yeah. 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 They, they're kind of being left out to dry because yeah. the, the <clears throat> team that came out with the other games came out with a new one for the Switch and a lot of people from World were expecting the next game to be like World and not understanding all the context behind it, which um, has created some tension and feeling left out. So, well, because you had like a pun intended monster success, yes, with World, and yeah, so yes. you've got all these fans to pay off on, and it's like, well, when are you going to do that? And yeah. they were like, we weren't prepared to do that. We're yes. waiting. Literally, everybody is waiting for the Tokyo Game Show, yeah. um, for actual announcements. Because Capcom's one was laughable. Mm. Uh, they were still doing their victory lap with um, Street Fighter, Street Fighter, and that's what a lot of that was. And I think they were kind of like resting on their laurels with that because they weren't expecting it to be as successful as it is, mm -hmm. um, and kind of played into that and didn't show a lot of new stuff. Mm -hmm. So it'll be interesting to see what's coming up in that sphere. Into it, um, yeah. That's kind of been my life uh, lately. Um, you know, as far as like streams and stuff, it's a lot of video game related stuff. So, you know, nice, love it. Things are happening. Ryan, um, Ryan. hey, uh, I have just two things to report. I finished season two of The Bear. Uh, Y'all, great uh, hyperbole, hyperbole. It's a great show, lovely stuff. Like, um, it's on. It's like, it's like the most honest show I maybe ever seen in my life. In just the way that the people talk to each other, the way it's written, like it feels like. There's no like I don't I don't know how to describe it because I don't know a lot of other things that I've seen that that operate on its level, but it's just like it feels like reality TV, but it's a TV show. There's no other way to describe it. Like it feels that real with the performances and how like almost like theater. There's a lot of like just like long takes. Um, just a beautiful show. Uh, that the, the the second half of the second season just really amps up all the good stuff and the character arcs. Uh, you've been introduced to these characters and the places that they end up in in season two are like you would not believe like it is it's just it's really awesome character stuff and that's always what i come to anything for is like the people and the characters that i connect to so the bear's great is is his mom who i think it is based on social media posts yes. season last week okay go and on. i don't want to spoil it but like, yeah there are there are like a dozen huge actor cameos throughout this entire season and all of them give like perform like career performance like his mom very very famous actress gives like one of her best performances in in a 10 minute segment of the show it's incredible stuff love it love it um and maddie's in it who maddie matheson maddie matheson yeah he's maddie fast the big guy with all the tattoos yeah, right. yeah. It's, it's, um maddie's so cool which is already just like yeah. <laughs> if you know who he is you're gonna watch the show that show yeah uh uh and it just helps if you have like again i've worked in restaurants like since i was a teenager so like i just it feels like just like man they really got it right like this is like and it's just a good show on top of it so like it's just lovely stuff um if i can if i can put it please i would love to uh, spice it up yeah if, if you have ever worked with or met somebody or talked to somebody that works in the food industry specifically in kitchens and try to ask them hey so what's working in a kitchen like they can't you can't explain it. You can't really like let someone know. And this shows like the closest I've ever seen to act that actual experience, that actual lived experience. The way people like, talk to each other yeah, and interact with each other. It's not others. like other jobs. It's really, it's really personal 
which can also can be really like really destructive because how close you be with these random people. It's it's the restaurant industry is very interesting. It's mm-hmm. a very interesting place. Yeah, and it, it just it's it it sucks you into that world, and it I think it gives you a glimpse into something that like is such a huge part of people's lives. They don't think about it, but you don't think about it. You know, you don't always think about where your food comes from mm-hmm. and you know what that involves outside of maybe like a like a food network kind of like stylized version of weed it's like this is simple anyone can do it and, yeah, yeah, and yeah. you know the six guys that are chain smoking outside the restaurant <laughs> yeah. in like the five minutes they have between a rush yeah it's very it's very real um, very real. on just top of being an incredible show um and then last week i said hey man final fantasy 16 came out so i have to play zelda and I got to play uh, Jedi Survivor. And y'all, I did neither of those things. And I played <laughs> Final Fantasy XVI. Because I just couldn't, I just, I played a little bit of Zelda, but like I already got the Master Sword. So I'm like, all right, I'm near like, I'm near the final arc of it. So like, I want to dedicate like a full day. And I didn't have a full day. So throughout the week uh, uh, after the bear, I've been playing a little bit of Final Fantasy XVI. Uh, I played the demo, which is about three hours. So on top of that, I probably put another six hours or so into it. And it's, it's the real deal, y'all. It's it's really cool. Um, it's it really does feel like the first next gen game where I'm like, I can't believe that this is happening on my screen and I'm I'm experiencing it. This isn't a movie. I'm doing it. Um, the kaiju fights that start as regular human boss fights one v one that transitions to kaiju sized Godzilla fights. Uh, with no loading screens, you just watch it happen and like. It's just really cool, and the drama is really good. And like again, like if you're into dark medieval fantasy, like Game of Thrones type stuff, like it's it's awesome. It's awesome. I really like the characters. It's really great. There's a lot of famous people, like not high profile, but like a lot of like character actors doing voices in this game. You like you'll recognize their voices. Like oh damn, this guy's really good. Um, it's just it's it's a hell of a game. It is a hell of a game. Um, uh, I'm just really. I'll get back to those games. Like when you get further into Survivor, then I'll know because I'm almost, I'm at the end of the game. I just haven't beaten it. Uh, I'll jump back into that. But like until then, uh, I'm just eating it up. Um, it just looks. I can't. I can't believe it. Sometimes, honestly, like just the things I'm doing. I'm like, damn, it just looks so good. Uh, I posted a couple of tips, uh, clips on Twitter just because I couldn't help it. I'm like, guys, look at this. Uh, uh, as a kaiju, you get your arm cut off, and then. Uh, this monster is shooting a blast at you and your arm regrows from like the molecule. So you see like the skeleton reform and as it's regrowing, you shoot a fireball back and it's like giant Dragon Ball Z shit. And I'm like, this is so fucking cool. My God. (laughs) And my new, the headphones are blaring. It is like operatic. It's not like one dude on piano. This is like a full orchestra with like dudes belting. Like it is like movie, like John Williams score in your, in your ears. It's like, it is it is cinematic, man. Um, and again, like if this stays like this, like this, this could be Zelda. But like, I'm still super early. This is like you know, 60, 80 hour game. So like, that's a long game. Like you have to to sustain that. You know, the quality uh, for how good Zelda is, we'll see. But what a good year for video games. That's me. One one of the major reasons why I want a job is to buy Final Fantasy 16. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah! Yeah! yeah. 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 But, but, might honestly, might not have to. <laughs> honestly, what it was is I'm gonna ignore that. Uh, well, honestly, what what it was is like I watched the trailers. I thought the trailers looked cool, but it was Ryan specifically retweeting and talking about it on Twitter. That was like, oh shit, I really want to play this. Yeah, the in-game cutscenes that are in-engine that are just the character models talking to each other feel like rendered cutscenes. Dude, yeah, the specifically like 
the I re I I posted a clip from my gameplay, but this like this evil lady and the wrinkles like the wrinkles here they're like they're like they're like bellowing and like it's like dude we are we have finally we've come this far and that just transitions into gameplay and I'm like shit shit this is why games like games should be like four hundred dollars realistically for how good games look now for how long they are they should be like four hundred dollars but like. I seventy dollars. Thank you for buying this game. Like seventy dollars. <laughs> like I, I would have bought this game. No problem. I don't mind buying games. Like I bought Zelda. No problem. Right. Like when games are this good, like games should be more expensive. And thank God they're we're, they're not there yet. Because like this is like I'm gonna get sixty hours of this. Shut up. No way. I am trying so hard to finish Zelda and then finish Survivor so I can get Final Fantasy 16 with a clean conscience. Because not only just hearing Ryan talk about it, I am just jonesing to play Final Fantasy 16. Even a friend of a friend of mine and Fanny's, um, he's been sending Fanny Snapchats of stuff from Final <laughs> Fantasy 16. And she's been, because he and I were also big Final Fantasy fans. We went to a Final Fantasy concert last year. We might go again this year. And because of those Snapchats, Fanny's talking to me. He's like, hey, so when are you going to get Final Fantasy 16? And I look at him like, well, <laughs> first... I, I need money. Second, yeah. I need to beat these games, and then I'll get Final Fantasy 16. Yeah. Right. Uh, well, real quick, last thing I'll say is because like I didn't, I almost posted this clip too, but like I don't want to spoil. And like, this is still like relatively early for this game. But, like I don't want to spoil all the big clips, but like I'll expl- I'll describe it because like no words can like can like it's too cool for me just to describe it right so like you see odin the monster's name is odin it is a giant knight on a giant horse with six legs what's the horse's name brandon it's it's that is a giant like monster sized version of odin he is one like he's one of the icons right and then you have this other guy this prince of this nation and he's overlooking a hill and underneath both of them just giant armies and they're battling each other and this one prince guy is like it's odin i have to face him and his friend's like all right prince you know may may the, the wind be on your back or whatever right and the dude he just runs and he jumps off a cliff and you see him jump off a cliff and he emerges as a dragon and it's like oh shit dude it's like i'm watching a movie it looks so good and then they're battling battling. it's bahamut yes it's dude and the music kicks in i'm like is this every five minutes of this game because i'm gonna have a heart attack like i had i literally i had to take a break after after the first part i talked about because i'm like this is this is like so much it is like visually like almost overstimulating uh, how cool it not, is. Uh, so Ryan, when I was talking to my friend, the, the, the friend I saw you say who's also been playing Final Fantasy 16 and then talking to, and showing Fanny clips about it, he mentioned the concert that's coming up uh, in August and he wants to go because mm-hmm. they're also adding Final Fantasy 16 music to this new show. Oh shit, dude, this music is like like yeah. I I have not Very played every Final Fantasy game, but I played most of the modern ones. And like the combat in this game is next level good. It is not Final Fantasy combat. It's just Devil May Cry. Like it is you. You're doing hardcore air combos and shit. It's awesome. And the music is like next level operatic good. It's just like man. Like I love Final Fantasy. I love this Final Fantasy. I love it. So I don't want to. I don't want to paint anybody's like perception or opinion for the ending, for you know, because no one's there yet. But when you get there, let me know. <laughs> I'll be the first one. Right? Yeah. Uh, there's definitely some, some opinions I have, uh, but, but the whole thing said it's, it's so worth it. Yeah. It's been such a long time since the game came out that you played it. And the thing is JRPGs are long Mm -hmm. and they're notorious for being long and dragged out and filled with just like menial stuff. Yeah. And there's nothing in this game that made me feel like this isn't worthwhile. I'm wasting my time. 
that's 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 hard to do. Yeah, Ryan's uh, Ryan's reaction to this to to saying it was over, it's overstimulating. Like he had to take a break reminds me of when I saw Promare High. Yeah, hell yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Halfway through that movie, I was like, wait, pause it. I can't. I can't yeah. pause it. Hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. You've seen Promare, yeah. Promare. Yeah. Oh. Imaishi's movie. How long are you in town? They're fighting the fire oh. mutant. Oh yes, yeah. yes I have. Very good. Very 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 good. <laughs> the opening uh, we, of water. We watched it high. Oh, I watched it high at Michael's place. Okay, okay. I I heard premiere high, and I was like, is this no. like a high school no, pro, thing? Promare. Promare. And I was okay. It's so I watched it. Made, I understand. So I watched it high at Michael's place, and about Great halfway choice. through the. Michael's place, and I had and I had, I had to tell him to stop because I because I just I was crying, so bad at how beautiful the movie was. <laughs> I had a visceral experience watching that movie. We need, we need a boys' night, and we need Promare tr- Triple R double feature. Oh my god! Yes, yeah. Yes. I still haven't seen Promare yet. I know, I know, Ben. We gotta get you or, in on the party. I've only or, seen half a Triple R. <laughs> oh god. Ben, you've not seen our Yeah, I've seen either of them. You're gonna love the second. It's so. so This is gonna be a great double feature for me. Yes, yes. I I just uh, because he was like, I haven't seen Promare yet. I was like, or R R R. He's like, oh yeah, that's a double. That's a double. We'll call it our Promare weekend. (laughs) Okay, Uh, my turn. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cool. (laughs) Skull Island. I talked about Skull Island last week. Um, I was two episodes away from finishing. I have finished those two episodes. Um, they are. Actually, it's actually surprisingly different in the final two episodes because they all throughout the season, Kong is very restricted. Like they didn't they didn't put they don't put Kong in a lot of the show. We see him, we get we we get like a glimpse of him, but there's not but Kong is absent in a lot of the show, which actually is to its benefit because it's a, it allows the characters to shine and to see other monsters. Some of them are good, some of them aren't. Um, there's one like rock centipede thing that has like a void into nothing inside of it and i was just like oh that's so cool <laughs> into that um and it needs a dude it's so cool um i uh i ended up really liking the show it's a lot of fun it's a solid kind of thin entry into the monsterverse i do hope it gets a second season to kind of flesh things out uh, it's very straightforward like we're on this island and we got the thing we needed we need to get off this island um and the the kind of the weird thing about it being in the monsterverse is that you know the storm that surrounds skull island in kong skull mm-hmm. island yeah the skull storm it's not there that's not the reason why they can't get off the island there is a kraken that has moved in <laughs> <laughs> like it's protecting like the entire island yes oh cool <sighs> and i guess he's just fast because he's he's kraken but he's kind of small. He can't, he's not island size. Um, he's Kong size at this point. And I thought that was really weird because like, so around in the, in the beaches of Skull Island is a Kraken. And this Kraken is honestly my favorite new character because he's a dick. And like straight mm. up, just a dick. Um, it is not even that he just kills people because he's a monster. It's He throws a whale at Kong just because. Think of the whales. It just throws a whale. And like, it's really funny because, and you see this in the trailer. It's actually the clip that Netflix plays to get you interested in the movie uh, and, the, and the show. And you just see like a whale slowly moving across the sky and everyone's kind of looking at it like, what did, did the thing just throw a whale? 
and then it lands on front of Kong's Kong's door, and he like yells, and like the whole bit after that for like five minutes is just talking about like I think that I think that thing's just a dick. I think it just threw a whale at Kong. That's so weird. Well, Kong did eat a did eat a octopus thing. octopus in in it's Skull revenge. Island, it's, it's revenge. Yeah, um, and they, like. Kong and the Kraken have some have some beef and like that's the crux of the show. Anyway, it's no, it's not good. beef. It's calamari. Oh mm. boy, oh. <laughs> um, it's it's actually it's actually very good. A lot of the problems that like yeah, have like, what's going on? He was just asking a question. Don't worry about it. Oh, um, a lot of the problems are kind of um, a lot of the problems of like the, that we've seen with powerhouse animation with like Castlevania and whatnot um, is like. You know, are they, um, you know, the, the stiff character models or the very quiet voice acting of the very loud voice acting? None of those issues are as present in this season. Almost like they decided to like deliberately smooth out the animation. The character models are very expressive, which was not the case in Castlevania or uh, Blood of Zeus, which is the other one I saw. Um, I think maybe it was like them. I think maybe them working on He-Man because they also did the Master of the Universe show with uh, Kevin Smith. I think that maybe like loosened them up to kind of be like, oh, well, this is a cartoon. We can kind of have some fun with it. Um, and it, because of that, it was actually very enjoyable. Um, I, I recommend it. It's 20 episodes. Nope, it's 20 minutes, eight episodes long. And you I was going to say, it's 20 episodes? We did this job Holy last week, shit. too. <laughs> <laughs> I, did the same, I did the same problem last week. So it's, you know, it's um, eight episodes long, 20 minutes. You get through it in like an afternoon. It's awesome. Um, I also listened to Prehistoric Planet, the podcast, which is a uh, behind the scenes kind of documentary series, podumentary series, sure, um, that uh, discusses kind of how um, Prehistoric Planet came to be. Um, I really like Prehistoric Planet. I, I finished the second season. It was very good. So I listened to this podcast to kind of get their input of the setting they chose, the um, the way they made the dinosaurs, how long it's been in production. Very insightful. Um, I would love just like a feature length documentary about the making of Prehistoric Planet because I, th I think the what went on behind the scenes needs to be known because it's so it's so good how they made that series. And I'd love to, I'd really love to dive into it. And the podcast is the closest thing I'm currently able to do. And because of that, it's very good. I really enjoyed it. Sure. Finally, I'll talk about Nimona. Um, this is the new Netflix animated movie that blue sky was working on before they were bought by, by Disney. Yes. Because they're a Fox owned animation company. Um, they, aban they, Disney abandoned it and Netflix picked it up. Uh, based on the comic book of the same name. Now, I've not read the comic, so I don't know how close it is. I do intend to read the comic soon. But the movie is incredible. Um, the animation is delightful. I love the character models. Um, it's, uh, I mean this in the best way. It's very gay. It's very awesome that it came out on the last day of Pride Month because it's, it's so wonderful, the representation that's present in this movie. Um, but beyond that, it's a fun story. It's a it's a, a Nimona is an instantly lovable character. Um, I really liked it. Uh, I can't sing its praises enough. I mean, look, everyone is online. It's uh, people, people who are watching are loving it. I recommend it. It's, it's very, very good. <clears throat> I'm glad to hear that. I'm excited to watch it and read it. Yeah. I gotta, I gotta read it soon. <clears throat> 
All right. Well, that's, all, that's my week. All right. Shall we move on into our bread and butter? It sounds like it's time. Some sad news up top. Yeah. Julian Sands passed away from, I believe, a motorcycle accident. I forgot to write this one down. Um, 65 years old. Now, it's likely you don't know him by name, but you definitely have seen his face. Um, sparks to kind of, I think you do know who this actor is. I know is. Yeah, I'm sure Ryan does. But, uh, you know, he was, I first was introduced to him as Jarrell, as the young Jarrell in Smallville. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So he, he was kind of like that kind of that character actor, that uh, really incredible voice. Ben, if you want to look him up, I recommend because you've definitely seen him in many, many things. Uh, but yeah, passed away 65. Rest in peace. Yeah, um, he passed away in a hiking accident. Oh, a hiking accident. Thank you. In January. Which we oh, just right. like that was just publicized. Oh wow! Now mm. it's oh, so yeah. late. They kept it. Yeah. I guess his family kept it very private. I mean, like, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, he passed. He passed away in January Dang. in a hiking accident. Oh wow! Um, but we only wow. found out about it this week. Mm. Um, and then Alan Arkin passed away at the age of eighty-nine. Uh, Alan Arkin, wonderful actor. That sucks. Eighty-nine though. Yeah, that was a big blow. Um, Alan Arkin's really cool. Really good filmography. Um, very, I really, very uh, filmography. It's hard It's hard for me uh, not to just kind of go to the comments from the girl from Little Miss Sunshine talking about him. Abigail Breslin. Yes, as uh, how he was on the set of that film and who he was as a person that he was very like kind and, and loving and protective and she thought of him as a grandfather. Um it's also hard to not, you know, just have forever cemented in my brain uh, Alan Arkin learning that Tim Allen is Santa and just selling it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. wow. Uh, <laughs> he needed a new pool. Alan Arkin has done a lot of things. This is definitely not his most famous thing, but there's a movie came out, there's a movie that came out in 1995 called The Jerky Boys of the Movie. I did not see it in 1995 because I was three years old, but I saw it later on uh that is a movie starring the duo uh the comedy duo the jerky boys and they're like prank callers and they got a re- they got a movie made and it's like probably like one of the worst movies ever made now but when i was like seven i loved it but alan arkin is in there as like a crime boss and he is like just like the most like wow this is a paycheck movie but i'm still alan arkin really trying having fun uh and yeah little miss sunshine a bunch of like actual like actual dramas and stuff yeah long uh, long legacy perry white nope that was a different actor that was Terrence stamp i think no, it wasn't him. Lan- Frank Langella. There you go. I got there eventually. Uh, no, Alan Arkin uh, was in a movie that I saw a long time ago. I saw I sought it out called, um, and like Ryan, this is kind of a fond memory of not, pr- probably not his best movie. In fact, I know it's not. Uh, called The Return of Captain Invincible. Mm. Um, which is a movie that he stars in as a superhero named Captain Invincible, who is an alcoholic, a raging alcoholic. It is a musical comedy where Christopher Lee is the main bad guy. Mm, um, it is a terrible movie, and I adored it when I watched it. Uh, I, very bad. You can find very, of course, because they didn't put this on Blu-ray, you can find very bad quality Blu-ray uh, DVDs out there, but it's it's kind of worth a watch, honestly. 
Love it. I, I um, love it. Um, Alan Arkin, I feel like, especially in his later career, but in general, really captured the idea of being wry. Yeah. Uh, and he always has like that that kind of twinkle behind him in all his performances. That's true. Um, That's a good way to describe it. Yeah, I, I think I think Alan Arkin's great. Uh, it's a it's a shame for him to have passed, but I mean, you know, eighty nine's a good age as we as we said before. The, because the more that we keep talking about people younger than that, it's always sad. But like eighty nine, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. All right, moving on to the writer strike. Um. Some of the kind of some of the, the the good stuff up top, real quickly. The community movie has been pushed to next year. It will film next summer rather than it was supposed to film this summer. Uh, but because Dan Harmon didn't finish the script before the writer strike, they're pushing it right. rightfully so. Um, and Donald Glover is confirmed to return. Woo Nice. I wonder maybe maybe this is the special blessing we needed to get Donald Glover involved because the scheduling worked yeah. out. Maybe. Oh yeah. Um, he was kind of rumored to be involved. I know he was interested. There were no contracts or anything signed. Um, but now, but now we have a confirmation that he will be back. I mean, after that script reading that they did, you could really tell that like, okay, there's definitely a, a a strong chance he's going to be in this. Like he, that he feels like he wants to be in it. Yeah. He still likes all those guys. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's all above his own words. How dare Zach Braff, after everything that Scrubs has done for him? (laughs) He was never going to... I don't think he was... I think he always wanted to come back. There was a a sense that during the script reading that he even has talked about that I, you know, it kind of like reminded me, oh, right, I love this. I love Troy Barnes. I love being, playing off of um, Danny Putty and everyone else. And I would love to come back. And that's kind of what kicked off the talks of the of the, the community movie, like re- reviving, like, oh, this is now looking like it's a real possibility. Was that script read? Right. Sexy Dracula. That and Dan uh, Harmon having all the money he needed. Yeah. I love that script read. Pedro Pascal is wonderful as Walter Goggins' character. It's so Wally Goggs, yeah. Um, <laughs> and he could tell he didn't read the script either because he was not prepared. <laughs> right. Um, all right. The Boys. The season, Boys. Season four has finished filming. It is it is done. They've stopped filming. But they are going to withheld all work until after the writer's strike because in Eric Kripke's own words... Uh, editing lines together in the po- in, in post and uh, doing ADR all fall under WGA guidelines. And without those, this the show would not be the best it can be. So there is no point. Yep, yep, yep. Right. Appreciate that. Respect uh, that. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely wonderful. Respect the hell out of it. I bring it up because we're going to be talking about another thing later that probably should have done this. I see. Is it... Does it rhyme with Schmed Fool... Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. SAG AFTRA. Look, we've been staring down the barrel of a general strike. The DGA is going to take a deal. They're cowards. What, what's SAG going to do? Well, SAG, we now know what SAG is going to do. So the um, the contract negotiations were supposed to be done on July first, and then SAG has already SAG members have already voted for a strike call. So on so July first. A deal had not been reached. Zach would go on strike. Well, uh, before what ha- what I'm about to talk about happened happened, uh, over 1,000 actors signed a letter to SAG saying that um, 
they they will strike if not if every if the if the every request isn't met. So like that's the Jamie the Curtis, Brendan Fraser, um, all sorts of clear, all sorts. It's over a thousand big names, yeah, not yeah. like right, you know, like extras. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, and it's a lot of people. No, of course not. It's a, it's a lot of people saying that like if if all of our needs are not met, we we strike. Like mm. that is what you have to do for us. Um, yeah. Talking to the SAG leadership. Well, the AMPTP and SAG have extended their negotiations to July 12th in a move that the WGA is probably wondering if this was possible, why didn't you do this? Um, So that's... Oh, I'll read the quote. I'll read the quote from SAG to its members. No one should mistake this extension for weakness. We see you, we hear you, we are you. Are we the... Are you though? Are you though? Yeah. I don't think I don't know if Fran Drescher and Co. really represent everyone anymore. Man, we like first the directors, like they're obviously they're outspoken directors, but again, that was like 87% approval approval. Right. So that's like a majority still. So like all these people are like, yeah, we're behind you until we get our own deal. And we're almost like, <clears throat> what happened what happened to like unity? And like <laughs> it's the it's the leadership, it's the it's these union leaderships that are using the WGA strike to leverage that, that with the AMT AMPTP. And yeah. the actor mem- members of the Actors Guild are aware of this and have been striking with the with the writers. Like we've seen SAG members on the picket lines. So it's gonna we'll see. The, um, city involved as well, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, LA LA's in full support of the writers. Hell yeah. yeah, which is LA City Council. Yeah, all, exactly. Uh, voted yes, the writers should continue to strike. Yeah, I think it was like twelve votes, and I think three or four people just didn't vote instead mm-hmm. of giving a no. So yeah. right, and like it's it's impressive that still all this time later, AMPTP is still pushing on Insider and other places to release headlines that make it sound like the writers are the ones causing the problem. And yeah. when AMTP AMPTP just has to come back to the table. Yeah. And they keep refusing to. Well, these are just broke artists who want to get paid. That's like, come yeah. On. What was the yeah. thing? It was like, what was like, uh, the today's headline was, um, uh, the writer strike is affecting up and coming upstart writers, or and like the one the janitors, yes. like, oh, the writer strike yeah. is hurting janitors. It's, it's discouraging the next generation, and like the the many writers are like, no, we're doing everything we're doing for the next generation, yeah, <laughs> to secure right. them. Yeah. <clears throat> All right, moving on to Warner Brothers Discovery. Karen Horn has been fired from the company. Karen Horn uh, was an executive who oversaw uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts at Warner Brothers. She was hired by AT&T after the murder of George George, George Floyd when everyone was kind of hiring more diversity um, uh, uh, helpers, I guess. Um, People to help make companies more inclusive and make especially like in the film industry and this is what karen horn was hired for that uh she was a well-respected executive at nbc universal and so warner brothers poached her uh i don't have the list in front of me but like this one also brought up like a lot of people just it's been over a longer span of time not very tight window but like over the past year relatively um a lot of these positions have been fired from major companies and studios yeah uh, yeah. And it's really, really crappy. And a lot of it has been quietly. Don't forget that this was part of um, uh, Victoria Alonso's job mm-hmm. uh, right. for Marvel Studios. That's right. It, it, it definitely gives that feeling of mm. uh, 
corporations sort of like putting a rainbow during Pride and then the, at the end of June being like, take her down. Take her down. It's yeah. all that's right. we're, we're Cor- done. Corporations very much being like, all right, we put up the rainbow at the top of June. Did we need to put up a black square on Juneteenth? We didn't. All right, fire the diversity organizers. Yep. Yeah. And it, it really it really does kind of feel like that sort of, hey, we did our part. We showed that we cared. And okay, we don't need them anymore. Because it's so not rainbow in the capitalism. Yeah. So uh she was she was hired in 2020 and she was fired, quote, due to a rethinking and reorganization of the company's diversity organization. So basically they're just going to hire so she she oversaw all of Warner Brothers, but what the what the people above her is saying, the people who fired her are saying Warner Brothers, is that they're going to hire one person for one person like her for every uh, territory that Warner Brothers is in, which is fine, except you can still keep her. Yeah, right. Just, she could right, just yeah. be like the head honcho of all she those different like departments. The, exactly, the manager of all those people. Not it's to mention not... she knows everything that's going on with that yeah yeah, yeah you're getting rid of years of experience yeah man it is like when corporations i mean obviously what i'm pretty sure ryan and sparks can that can attest to this but management is just so freaking dumb it's true everyone i mean there's also what most likely happened here is that they fired her because her paycheck was too big and they want to dive, they want to take her paycheck in pieces and give it to all, to six other people rather than just one person. Yeah, sure. sure. Yeah. Monstrous. Yeah, monstrous, exactly. Another another week for for Zaslov. Uh, um Zaslov. Some potentially good news, but I want but I'm interested in Sparks's uh words here is Turner Classic Movies. Um Steven Spielberg, Martin Scorsese, and Paul Thomas Anderson, the people who had dinner with Zaslov to be like, hey, don't gut Turner Classic Movies. Um, will now curate the content of Turner Classic Movies. Uh, this isn't bad, but it's not fixing the problem that they were supposedly calling about, right? Because, like, first off, these are incredibly cool gentlemen. They don't actually know what it means to do regular, consistent film programming um, and building a schedule and looking... so. This is fine. This is especially fine if you want to make like uh, a Scorsese month, yeah. you know, like or something like that. Um, whatever, fine. Um, it's not hiring back the people who were very important for keeping like just the day to day running. That's not what these guys. They're 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 legend. You know, they're they're very high profile directors. They're not going to do this on the regular. I can't see them. And they're like, not going yeah. to be able to cur- curate a profile that's going to look pe- forward into beyond at best the rest of this year. Yeah. So like whatever they're doing, uh, the worst case scenario of this is Zaslav taking this list and saying this is now all TCM does and just looping that. Yeah. And maybe with some variation but not a lot and like this becomes the core and that's not what you want because tcm again because they made the push a couple of years ago under um one of the folks who was fired in when we talked about this last time um to move cultural representation deeper into the classic film genre so that we are getting more international films and more uh diverse director visions and diverse writer visions in 
uh, the channel lineup so that it's not just all um, Cary Grant, you know, mm-hmm. like all the time. Um, it's now things that were coming out in China in the 60s and, and Japan in the 60s and 70s and things like that. And that's just like, they they have good intentions. Scorsese has obviously, given his comments recently around his his just his career and his most recent film, has a lot of reflection on like where he lands in being privileged in terms of representation and what that means. So I think that he's going to keep a wide eye on getting other films spotlighted. But sometimes it's good for like the films that aren't necessarily like the highest profile of the internationals, but the ones where it's like, yeah, it's kind of like, you know, it's like an 85% of like, woo, um, that came out in the seventies, but that can still be really cool to see and someone's favorite that they discover on TCM. And that was kind of the magic of what was happening is you discover these older films that are not necessarily the ones you go to a film class and hear about. And I don't know if that's going to happen if we get slavishly tied to three white male directors' visions, even if they are trying to be as progressive and embracing as possible. Yeah, right. That's a good point. And they're just, they're not replacing the jobs that were lost. You know, they can do cool stuff. They can bring a lot of cool insight to the table. Again, this is like a fun bonus thing to have, but they're not replacing what was taken away. Right, because they're not programming. They're telling the programmer, here are the movies that you should play. And then the they're providing a list. Yeah. They're providing a list, and that's nice and everything. Yeah, but that's not that's not who you need in the day to day. I also I don't see those three incredibly probably busy older men right. who you know again like their their job hasn't hasn't been you know do a weekly a monthly yearly curation. Like if hell, if anything, they're just going to get people to do that job for them. Mm-hmm. Like I'm sure they'd be like, oh, here's the movies I like. Again, like, I will say to his credit, I 100% believe that Scorsese is probably going to sit down for a while sure. and go through a catalog of things. So probably watch some things he's never watched before and make a list. I think he's at that point right now in his life where he wants to do that kind mm-hmm. of work because again, he has kind of acknowledged the people who he's been able to stand on without knowing it to get where he is. Yeah. Uh, and so I think he's going to do that work. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Spielberg and Wesley, I don't know. I'm sure that they'll they'll put a lot of nice, good faith things in, but like again, it's not solving and, the issue. And I mean, like, yeah, it's 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 cool to have. I mean, I'll still keep going for great movies, recommendations, and actually like good curated content to Hallmark in December. Oh Jesus! But, okay, moving on. I mean, that's just me. <laughs> All right, you should talk to me. Yeah, we gotta remember that Ghosted was good in his world. <laughs> yeah, this is, yeah, very. You're right. You're right. Hallmark could be that world's A24. Hallmark is teaching you. I just got flashbacks to when I used to work at Hallmark, and we just had a spindle with all the freaking Hallmark movies on it. Oh my gosh! Mm. Christmas for the holidays. Right. Lady folk just don't get it. <laughs> okay, we're gonna talk about guys. Oh my goodness. Oh. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Um, a dog is attacking. Um, we're going to be talking about the casting news of the week, you guys. We're here. Like, it, very exciting casting news. Ready? Yes. Ready. Tron 3. Yep. Tron yeah. Aries. Uh, the, he the, thinks um, he's so slick. <laughs> uh, yeah, I do kind of. Um, the Jared Leto film. Uh, Evan Peters has been cast as the main villain of the movie. Um, Greta Lee from Russian Doll and Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. She's 
uh, Miguel's computer uh, yeah. AI. Um, she has been cast as the lead. That's what the article said. I tried looking around what that meant because I thought I'm sure probably female lead to Jared Leto's male lead. I, maybe Jared Leto is like 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 the master computer, like like the like the 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 Jeff Bridges esque character. Maybe Jared hey, Leto is Tron. Hey, if Jared Leto's not really in this movie, okay. <laughs> yeah, I think he might be like, yeah, like like the mastermind like thing, like less main character, but like overall, yeah. Or he's Tron. Yeah, or he's Tron. Yeah. Um, as long as he's not the Bruce, main character. No, Bruce Broxlinger is still alive. Fox not, this, doesn't matter. not in this universe. All right, you're right. This is could be a reboot, a new Tron. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't want to see Jared Leto as Tron. <laughs> uh, Jody Turner Smith has also been cast. <laughs> In your universe, he's still a good guy. I would love to see him as Tron. <laughs> um, okay, Jody Turner Smith from Murder Mystery Two and The Independent, something called The Independent, having has also been cast in the film. So yeah, it's really happening. happening. It's really happening. I'm really happy for Greta Lee getting the lead. Yeah. If that's the case, that sounds really cool. Greta Lee's really cool in Across the Spider-Verse. So yeah. that's awesome. And that it'll be like a black female in the lead. Yeah. I think is great. I, um, <clears throat> as long as Jared Leto, like, cause like we talked about it when it was initially casted, like this is like the Tron starring Jared Leto. So we assumed he's like the main guy. This might makes it sound like maybe he is not the main guy, but he is like a big component of it. But he won't be the main person we're following. So immediately that makes me happy. And like, I want to see this movie. If he were the main star, I wouldn't want to see this movie. Right. So like, this makes me feel a little bit better about it. I just want to watch the world burn. Yeah. Chaos energy. <laughs> make, him, make, him the, make him the lead. Yeah. Kind of. It's kind of funny in hindsight that one of the few films to hit a billion dollars is Tron legacy director, Joseph Kaczynski. And Disney is moving forward with a, a, almost a complete reboot of the Tron franchise and not just being like, hey, you want to do Tron 3 now that you just did Top Gun Maverick? Especially with Cillian Murphy about to come out in Oppenheimer. Yeah. Uh, Oppenheimer. Oh, oh, oh. And probably like, <laughs> and probably like really blow up the scene. Maybe he has other things to work. Maybe he doesn't want to. You know, that was that's 10 years true. ago. Maybe he likes That's true. He might person. not want to, but like it's insane to not. This is going to be another like, oh man, we missed the boat like with Kihoi Kwan for Indy. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm still on Opo Thank you. I thought it was funny in my brain too. <laughs> okay. Superman Legacy. That's the real one. Superman Legacy, the new Superman has been cast, guys. We're coming up on, on this film. Um, this is the James Gunn written and directed Superman reboot. The first chapter of D the first movie in DC chapter one, the gods and monsters. True. Unless Aquaman yeah. 2 does really well. And then that one also. And Blue Beetle also. No, see, no, James Gunn said it himself. Blue Beetle is the first character in the new DCU. Superman Legacy is the first movie in the DCU. Yeah, he said it himself. Unless the movie makes a lot of money. And that's the same. Flash was good. That's why I don't watch, trust James anymore. <laughs> I watched a lot of that. I watched a lot of his Michael Rosenbaum interview, and it's really good, like for the most part. Um, and he's and he's like at the end of one clip. He's like, oh, I'm so excited for people to see the Flash. It's so good. And I'm like James, I like James. here's the thing. Like, I probably believe him. Like, I think he probably really connects to the emotional part of the story. He but then, just, like, he did like just lose his dad. Yeah, and then is in the throes of that with sure. the loss of the mom I'm, story. And I'm, I'm sure like, he's sure. like, yeah, tunnel vision to like the disgusting Christopher Reeve monster that's on screen. But like right. the emotional story is like good. But like you know, mm -hmm. James, I know you're the lead of the company, but. 
Uh, because, but like, he doesn't need to say it, right? Because he didn't say it about Shazam. He's not set it up Lupita Larkle, man. Right. Yeah. Shazam, he was like, yeah, it's okay. Yeah. It's a good movie. Just, he did they needed... He did the company line for Shazam. Yeah. yeah. They needed The Flash to really be a big hit, and it just didn't work. All right. Well, anyway, yeah. Superman Legacy, which is a movie I'm still excited for, um, will be, will star as Superman, David Corinsweat, um, who was in Pearl and uh, will soon be in Twisters, the sequel to Twister. He's also in like something called Hollywood. That's that really I traumatic. Seen. I mean, in another universe, that's how he loses Jonathan Kent. So. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Don't save me, son. I need to die. I didn't think about that connection. All, all I want out of this movie is a non-gritty, fully saturated Superman. Oversaturated. Give me, give just me, just give me all the colors. Yeah. Give me too many colors. Give me yeah. all the colors. Sure. Make it bright. Make it pop. Make it literally like a. It can be dramatic and it can be like have sad moments, but I want just an actual like fun-loving, happy hero yeah. that we can deal with character stories about, and you know, like choices and the whole like you know, who am I? How can I stand for what I stand for? You know thing and debates and give me give me give me that give me the the, the superman that we've literally lacked for like 20 years or give me the sauce give me the sauce give me the super sauce give me a better superman legacy no superman rebirth re, reborn next to the movie yeah. it just it i know i know you've been like on that same train no yeah, yeah returns yeah. it's superman so returns oh yeah so it just whatever I'm I'm really 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 keeping my fingers crossed for this one. It it's it's hard to hope now. You know the S stands for hope. But <laughs> you know if there's any if there's any movie to to hold that out for. I yeah. Um I man when this when this casting announcement came true and then like cuz James Gunn's on Twitter so it's really fun. He just always like debunking shit left and right and he's like, "Oh, this one's true. Why just I did this to the cast these people." Uh it it felt really really cool. Because like we are, we are w whether you like the Man of Steel or not, like we are getting a new Superman movie that is going to be like the comics. That is going to be by a really good filmmaker who has made nothing but good comic book movies, really good looking comic book movies in a universe that you know can cannot can often not look very good. His movies always look good. The Guardians movies look great. Um, this is really exciting. I'm so excited. Like I've never been so excited to be like, I, I'm excited for Aquaman too. Sure, fine, but like it's really cool that like we are going to get like a new MCU with the DCU. Like, I don't need it to be the exact same thing, but like, it is really cool. We're going to get a cinematic universe with new actors and like really with like love and passion behind it, which it's kind of been lacking in, in, in both fronts in some cases. So like I have full faith, at least in the first beginning of this chapter. I mean, more than anything, it's just kind of, I do trust James Gunn to make a good Superman movie the way he's talked about it, the way he's yeah. used all-star Superman. Like it's not, it's not so much that I'm excited to restart the DCCU. Um, honestly, I'm really not, but it's really exciting that we're staring down the barrel of what could potentially be a really good Superman movie. And that feels mm -hmm. good yeah. more than anything. I, I need a fresh start personally. I need all this shit to stop. <laughs> like the flash what universe is it in is aquaman 2 in it like i don't care like honestly like i want this to be a fresh start just give me just for this clean the slate don't make, don't make the, it confusing you're still gonna keep the peacemaker characters that's fine just yeah. don't make it confusing just, just don't make it confusing i just want a good superman movie 
Yeah. Yeah. That's all I want. That's Super all I want. want. That's all I care about. I just want a really, really good Superman movie because I need it. So we all need it, honestly. So uh, real quick, yeah, because it needs it. Because I didn't, I didn't mention. So Devin Cornsweet, there's clips running around that looks he he looks got a very Clark Kent about him um, uh, that I really like. But he, um, he's going to be paired with Rachel Brosnahan as Lois Lane. Mm-hmm. Now, Rachel Brosnahan is from Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, and I love her. She was who I was rooting for when we heard that she was being screen tested as Lois Lane. I was like, oh, she'd nail it. She'd be, like, great. And I'm really excited that she got the part. I, I, I've i seen her in some other things, not Miss Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, but she's also, like, that's the thing she's most known for. So, like, I might watch an episode or two to catch it because, like, I know I know it's really good. Uh, I'm going to find a picture that I took a picture of on Twitter. I should have had it up, because, but I'm not a professional podcaster, of someone uh, describing what they want this Lois Lane to be, and I 100% agree. Uh, I really hope this Lois Lane is loud, tenacious, and unstoppably feisty, like a frustrated city girl reporter with no filter at all. She's built in these emotional safeguards after all these years, and Superman is a person that breaks them down. And that is like a perfect, like, that's exactly who I want. Because Amy Adams is one of the greatest actors of our generation. She got shit to do with Lois Lane. She got shit to do with that character. And I and she's amazing, and she deserved to do so much more of that character. Uh, so I'm excited for a great actor to actually be given the Lois Lane that we deserve. Because she is like, she is just as, she is not as important as Superman, but she is just as important as a character in that universe. Like, she is his number two. She is a, a journalist just as good as Clark. Like, she gets into the battle just as often as he does. Like, she's she a is better a journalist than Clark. She's a yeah. better journalist. She needs yeah. a, a spell check now and then, which I would appreciate. But like, it's because she's only human. Uh, but like, I'm like this character, this actor, Rachel. I think she's such a good choice. Like, I'm for that spunky uh, Lois Lane. I'm I'm really excited. Yeah. yeah, very excited for her to be Lois. Um, yeah. Uh, also, a lot of people are pointing out their heights. He is six four, and she is five three, and I think that's adorable. Yeah, he's yeah. gonna get bulky. He's gonna have that birthright look. Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, oh my gosh, and everybody, they're so so like, oh my gosh, he's so skinny. He's never gonna like. Are you guys kidding me? We do this with every single big actor, and everyone yeah. gets ripped to shreds. Like, look at Chris Pratt. Look at every, people, every people actor. Like, ended that conversation by pointing like Henry Cavill's audition. Yeah, snapshot, he's and like, he's tiny. <laughs> I never, I forgot that he was in like Hellraiser and like a bunch of like smaller stuff. I'm like, yeah. that was just a regular size dude, and then he became Superman. I'm like, that's yeah. right. He yeah, became Superman. Yeah, this guy's gonna get big and buff, and he's for all seasons. Is more accurately like, yeah, I want um, that big blocky. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, for all seasons, it's a great. He's got a good. He's got a great a like, uh, profile. It's exciting. Yeah, I just I'm I'm so I've been so burnt out on superhero movies lately, mm-hmm. on just across the spectrum, but not across the Spider Verse. Uh, no, because that was legit a, such a good movie. Yeah, you're right. Um, that it's it's really interesting for me to realize that I'm so excited for the Superman movie. Mm-hmm. It's to feel like I've I've I'm like oh I'm done I've done all this and like all of a sudden I'm like oh man this Look, is gonna be I'll, so good I'll I'll go back to like the the Justice League theatrical cut with Joss Whedon like being what it is and however our opinions are about it he still understood what Superman was supposed to be and Henry Cavill got to do it for a moment and like I right. remember that feeling when I came out of the theater where I'm like God I just want to see him get to do that in a whole movie <laughs> um and like it is a bummer that Henry Cavill won't be the one doing it but I'm like that's that's all I, I just give me that guy that superman all the time and i'm gonna be really happy because we haven't had that mm-hmm. uh yeah. and so I'm, I'm i'm excited this guy's basically got corn in his name so yeah, yeah. he's, he's sweating. perfect he's for this sweating boy yeah 
All right. <laughs> well, before we go, uh, Grayson's in the chat. We oh got Grayson scenes Superman, Zuran R. I have no Zuran idea. That's a Batman that. reference. Uh, they're, 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 yeah. I don't know what he's referring to, but yeah, a super, a Superman and Zuran R is a weird, is a, quite a strange thing to think about. Hmm. <laughs> and I am very confused about this one. From- oh, James, I got it. I got it. I figured it out. I figured it out. Okay. So I, I read this, I think, for a, a solid, like, five minutes. <laughs> Wait, let me read it real quick. <laughs> Superman deja vu he overpowers if it takes all the Marvel characters to create time travel, if Superman can do it alone. What does it mean? Okay, the first sentence is almost gibberish. I got nothing. <laughs> okay. But, but okay. I think it's referencing the uh, the... How Superman makes sure. time in travel the first in movie, the first movie. Sure. He goes the one around. And only time he ever does yeah. that. The one time it happens where yeah. he goes all the way. I think maybe Superman deja vu means, hey, think back to when mm. Superman did this. Mm. And that we had a whole two-part Marvel movie about, oh, we got to figure out time travel. Got okay. It. That's fair. Um, uh, Grayson, I just checked his comment, but... Superman of Zoranar, he expect about the colors because Batman of Zoranar is very colorful. Oh, it's purple oh, and yellow. Right. Oh, yeah. okay. oh that's right. We're, We're having a rough day with the comment section today. <laughs> I want right. the color. I want the I, color. I, with James Gunn, I totally, he's able to bring like color to like, you know, space, which is like a, a black void. So, like, if he could do that on Earth, like, I'm not worried at all. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so the Suicide Squad is pretty colorful. It yeah, is. That's true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Star was purple, which was nice, and it wasn't muted purple. It was like, no, oh, that's a purple starfish. You know, we're gonna talk oh. color later in reference to Dial of Destiny and some other stuff. So, like, right? Like, yeah, just no, having, that's a good point. Having the look of something as just like clearly a lot of thought in how the color plays is like what you want in Superman. Yeah. Mortal Kombat Two. Uh, they started filming. They were like, hey guys, we're filming, uh, which also accompanied a cast photo that confirmed Carl Urban is Johnny Cage. Oh, we're yeah. not rewriting the script because, I mean, it's Mortal Kombat 2. We're kind of just working with what we got. I'm going to be honest, y'all. That's fine for this movie. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be honest. Right. That script is not why I'm coming to this movie. And I'm sure if it's as good as that first movie, I'm not even going to be listening to how I just, these characters I just say. I hope the original character, Cole, just like, Got his script and he dies and like he's like, wait, can we change this? And they're like, Ryder Strike, Ryder Strike. <laughs> I really um, hope Johnny Cage like is kind of like the main character, and Cole can be there if he if he wants. I look, so I looked at the cast photo and I forgot what Cole looked like, so I couldn't see him in the cast. I'm like, wait, is that Luke? Is that Luke? No, is that Cole? Who are all these people? Yeah, Cole Young, Cole Yeager, yeah, whatever. No. Cade Yeager. That's yeah, Cade Yeager. Oh. Um, <laughs> Characters that are equally as important. <laughs> oh. um, yeah. So I wonder if uh, I wonder if Carl Urban can do the high kick. He's a little old. with with uh, with uh, wire wire work and special effects. He can do anything. That's true. That's true. All right. Uh, Deadpool three. Um, guys. It stopped filming. It's finished filming. Not stopped. It is finished filming. It's finished big, principal photography. Big difference between stopped and finished. <laughs> now, for reference, it started filming on May 23rd of this year. Is this absolutely definitively true? Yes. Do we know? Okay. Yes. As far as we know, but like this happens all the time. Like, hey, the, movie, the movie's done. We wrapped. So like a two-month shoot on a major blockbuster is insane. 
that is truly like what is what is it, i'm really maybe like they're gonna be come back in like six months or something but like they moved that movie up up like a month or something didn't they then we talk about yeah. that we're like so like they're that movie's done like i think that's like oof. well and they, they can't do anything in the writer stage for it either which is why i brought up the eric kripke thing right because like during the edit there's rewrites happening you edit care you edit things to you edit um dialogue pieces together what yeah. uh jason <laughs> cole sprouse from sweet mortal Co- life combat on deck oh <laughs> i'd watch that i'd watch that yes. same um and then ADR to cover up edits and breaks and things like that. Like yeah. you can't do this mm-hmm. on Deadpool three. You can't do this on Deadpool three. Like on it's, Deadpool three, where you need it, honestly. That's the thing. You know, like this isn't like I'm not worried about a movie like Mortal Kombat two, where like mostly that's about like great fights. Deadpool is about comedy and, and specifically with Ryan Reynolds improv comedy and like unless they just shot all the action scenes and then in like again like in six months when they can they'll just ADR a bunch of shit like. This just feels like, yo, we need to shit this movie out. And that's a bummer. Cause like this is like the Hugh Jackman return, even, you know, and like they, this could this There's is just no part used... of me. There's no part of me that bought that believes that Bob Iger is like letting his hand off the wheel that hard when like he's been championing letting Deadpool be Deadpool ever mm-hmm. since they got it. Mm-hmm. So there's just no part of me that believes that they're just like pumping it out. So there might be like bullshit behind the scenes because of the strike and honestly in a way where we probably wouldn't be very happy about it yeah that is the reason that this is happening in this way and that there is going to be something that comes around like i just don't buy that they're going to just like let a bad product come out just because especially on one that they've cared about they're just really good at filming yeah (laughs) they're just really good one take one take everything was one take so the script is written by rhett reese paul wernick zeb wells ryan reynolds and sean levy uh, with Levy being the director. So, like, it's entirely possible that they just think they have a foolproof script. There's no revisions needed. Let's just put this thing together and put it out. Even still, like, two months is but not the thing is is like, a short But the thing shoot. is, like, they can say that now, and then they, it, when the strike is over, come back for reshoots. It's, that's and what they think. Yeah. They might have done this to finish filming. Might just be the people who they know they're going to run out of time with because of when they're scheduled for their next thing or something. Yeah. Right. And so they're wrapping them now and they're like, we will reshoot with the people we know we can get back mm-hmm. later. We've, they've already thought of like what the next window is and decide like, we're going to lose this fight if we just hold off here yeah. because otherwise we're going to lose our window to film with them at all. This, I absolutely. Yeah. I do think like in six months, we're going to see like a bunch of reshoots, like, which is, which was going to be normal anyway. Yeah, yeah. I'm optimistic. Yeah. I am actually optimistic. I want to be. Because my Deadpool three was shot in a week, one week, what? And it was it was terrible. Damn. So I'm sure this one. We got two months. Yeah. All right. I forgot the bit. (laughs) 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 What are you talking about? I am not confident in any film that films during the during the writer strike. Um, I don't remember any gems coming out of the last one. Um, there could have been, maybe I don't remember. Not the um, big ones, though. the ones that need it. Need yeah, and so I'm kind of looking at this like, well, okay, well, Deadpool three is not going to be very good, um, unless they're doing the reshoot thing when everything settled down, whenever that's going to be. And Again, then there's no, sorry, finish your thought. Well, and, and then I was, you know, Thunderbolts finished filming, also this week, and I'm like, ha. Huh? Thunderbolts had a head start before the pandemic, but there's still the back half. To, this thing could really suck in the edit. Like, yeah, I don't know. Uh, 
again, like I, you know, we've kind of talked about this that you're you're really stuck when you're a movie that's in production. Yeah. When uh, a strike like this happens, because everybody has schedules and everybody has contracts and things that they have to follow up on. And when you're running through a window, you know, you've got your locations set up, your dates that you're there and they're paid for. You've got your actors who have to move on to other things and they're set up and their times are locked and they're paid for. You kind of just have to move. Um, and so I, I fully can buy that they just moved on everything they knew they had to. And we're probably going to see reshoots. Yeah. Um, and like it happened for Multiverse of Madness around the pandemic. It wouldn't be shocking for it to happen here. Yep. Yeah. That's fair. We'll see. I, we'll I see. hope I hope we get some good movies. <clears throat> That'd be nice. But I also want the writers to get paid. That's more important. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But no, and like everyone, everyone in the industry should be getting what they're owed. Everybody. Yeah. Everybody. You know, it's entirely possible that because the uh, the the because they probably would have known that the SAG after deal was coming to an end around the time they f- they finished filming that they just finished filming in case SAG went on strike. Yeah, it, that's what I mean. It's like there there's probably like been discussions. I would guess, uh, especially on a lot of these big ones, not just Deadpool three, but a lot of these big budget productions where they were in production and the strike happened and they have to talk about like, hey, we might not hit our window on everything. So you start prioritizing. You start saying like, who who are we not going to be able to get back at a later date? Yeah. They are, their schedule is too full for the next two years. Who are we not going to get back? We need to get their shit now. Yeah. Um, and then you kind of work your way down from there. Right. You guys want to talk about Spider-Boy? I guess. Sure. I mean, because you don't have to. I can skip it. No, you already brought it up, so I need to know. What's Spider-Boy? All right. Well, Dan Slott is returning to write an ongoing in the Spider Line uh, with Paco Medina uh, on art. This is going to be about Spider Boy, who was introduced in Spider Man number seven last year. Showed up in an Edge of Spider Verse comic. Apparently, both of them sold out crazy because of Spider Boy. Here's what it's about. Um, the new series will dive headfirst into Spider Boy Spider Boy's untold past by introducing his arch nemesis and further exploring his connections to the spider-man mythos join spider-boy as he battles to restore his destiny and retake his place amongst the great heroes of the marvel universe yeah so he like showed up and was like hey remember me i'm your sidekick and spider-man's like no yeah don't so uh uh this is totally fine uh i only have one issue with it but it's not the fact that it exists like it is this it was a brand new character that people seem to like it did sell out um I have no problem with this character getting booked. The problem is there's so many other characters that get mini that get mini series and one shots and like don't even get series and they're giving like Spider Boy another random Spider Man character like a full a full ass like ongoing. And again, this is Dan Slott in his own little mini series. Like he writes a Spider Man book and he also gets this one, so that's fine. I have no big deal with that. But like what they're doing with like that's Ben why. Riley, but that's yeah. why this is getting uh, ongoing, right? Because it's Dan Slott. Yeah, because it's Dan Slott. Yeah, so like it is. Well, it's not. It is continuity. It's not Amazing Spider-Man with by Zeb Wells, right? It's not the main book, so like he can have his own little corner. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. that's fine. Again, I don't. Why this is an ongoing? Like, are we gonna get fifty issues of, of Spider-Boy? Probably not. Um, but like, whatever. That's fine. Good, good for the Spider-Boy fans. To be perfectly honest, when I saw Spider-Boy, I was like, "Is this like Spider-Man, but as a ten-year-old? Is this yeah, like an no. alternate universe thing?" I thought it was kind of like those... went by Spider-Man. Yeah. I thought I thought it was um, uh, based off the ad that they did a while ago, where Spider Man's looking at the reflection as like a little baby Spider Man. Oh yeah, he's just like dancing in the little thing. And I was oh. like, "That's Spider Boy." 
That is really cute. That is cute. I thought it was kind of like That's those really old Superboy comics where it was still Superman, but it was Superman, but his adventures as a boy. Yep. Yeah. No, yeah. Paco Medina is, a, is, a, is an awesome artist. Uh, so, like, I'm sure this book will be, you know, charming and whatever. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Spider-Man. Spider-Boy. Yeah. You can't become a man without being the boy first. That's yeah. just the, that's Although the Spider-Man was not like Superman because Spider-Man just went by Spider-Man when he was the moment he became a superhero. Superman, yeah, he, didn't, he didn't meet up with like the Legion in the future and have adventures that right. we know of. Superman showed up and We're was like, up. "I'm Superboy," and yeah. then I'll grow up to be Superman. But Kara doesn't get to become Superwoman; she has to be Supergirl. Yeah. Them well, Superwoman is Lois Lane. That's Lana Lang, isn't it? Oh, it's Lana Lang. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, it's one of the LLs. <laughs> it also um, depends on what universe they're from, because oh, the... I'm pretty sure she's dead. Yeah, I know. Oh yeah, she well anyway, up. like isn't yeah. her three Superwoman like evil? Yeah, she's an Amazonian. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Now we learned so much today, aren't you? It's the crisis. That's the crime syndicate Superwoman. Yeah. Yep. In the, when they did when they did one of their crisis things coming uh-huh. out of the new Fifty Two, Lana Lang gets these powers, and so she's Superwoman, but also the powers of the sun are like eating through her body, so she like blows up in the end. Of it's her, in like, the first series. issue, yeah, or whatever. No, the right. first issue. Like... Lois dies. Oh, yeah, Lois dies. That's right. Yeah, that's okay. Because because they're not keeping old Lois. Yeah. Because like Lois came from the previous universe with the new Fifty Two, and they're like, no, we brought back. Clark and Lois classic into this universe. Yeah. So there's no room for this Lois Lane anymore. New Lois. New 52 Lois. Superman. Yeah. New 52 Superman also blew up. Right, yeah. She got her abilities from him blowing up. Oh, that's and right. He blows up. Right. Okay. Oh, that's Lois, right. And that, right. They both New 52 Lois Lane and New 52 Lana Lane both got powers. In the first episode, in the first issue, New 52 Lois Lane exploded. And New Fifty Two Lana Lang was meant to, was the only super was the only superhero uh, the Superwoman. Right, right. Okay. Every I was a little confused, but it all makes sense now. I'm melting, <laughs> and I'm 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 on it. Okay. Anyway, Stranger Things season five. <laughs> we'll Stranger see season five. Season five, the upcoming season. Uh, Dan Trachtenberg uh, of Prey and Ten Cloverfield Lane is going to direct an episode. That's cool. Neat. Cool. Might make me watch season four. It's a good season, oh. I think. Oh, oh, uh, not it's overall. Half a good season. It's half a good season. Oh, well, that's a good But it has the best scene in the whole season. Unfortunately, show. Um, like, you know, it's cut up throughout the whole season. Right. So, like, you can't just, like, watch one half yeah. of the season. It's just oh. half of what you're watching is really is good. Great. And half of it is like, oh, why are we here? <laughs> but I still think it's like, it is. If you like Stranger Things, I think it is worth it. There's some real good, right. like, anime level yeah. kind of shit. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, Master of Puppets. That's not that's not the anime we're talking about, but that's also no. um, Among Us. Among Us. Among Us. Among Us. Among Us. Oh boy, it's getting an animated series uh, from the creator of Infinity Train, Owen Dennis. <gasps> I mean, that's cool. Yeah, that it's the cool. creator of Infinity Train makes it immediately more interesting because otherwise, I go. Why do we need an Among Us animated series? Well, the thing is, exactly, it depends on who the creator is because exactly. you could do literally any mm-hmm. idea. This is it's the thing. It's yeah. just the thing with with cartoon characters. So, it, like, if it is the paranoia aspect, then just as long as the creator is good, it's going to be great. Probably. No matter what happens, it, it will be a meme. It, it <laughs> oh will, yeah. It will be a. It, it's going to be treated as a joke. It's going to have its phase of being like, mm-hmm. oh hey look, uh, ha ha, funny Among Us, Among uh, us. Uh, in a cartoon. Cut to three weeks later, and it's like. 
It's prestige TV. Why am I crying about yeah, the yeah. Among Us show? Yeah. <laughs> like, so, so I think it's going to be hard to kind of get past that first injection because I, I know for a fact that first episode is going to hit big numbers. Yeah. Just yeah. because oh, yeah. it's so popular. But, I, mm-hmm. you know, I knew about it. I didn't know who was making it. So this this news is great. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, yeah, I mean, that's what we're saying. Sure. I um, haven't seen. Oh. Sorry, were you done? <laughs> can no. can the fence talk at the same time? Was that allowed? <laughs> um, I'm sorry. My apologies, Andrew. Right. I thought you were done. Wrapping up real quick. Um, yeah, so it will be, you know, it'll have these big numbers. It'll be kind of a joke. Uh, but I'm excited for it to actually maybe be good. Mm-hmm. Mostly just because I really like Infinity Train and I think it's a really well done series. So I think, you know, I've got a little bit more confidence in it being actually something and not just a cash grab, Yeah, which is what it initially felt like. It could be like a fun cartoon whodunit. Yeah, which would be awesome. Yeah, a space mm-hmm. whodunit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, what I was going to say, I have not seen Infinity Train, but listen, but the very few times I have heard Sparks talk about it, I have, from what I can gather, it's a very quality show. So this gives me hope that the director or that the creator of Infinity Train making this kind of like just kind of echoing Xander. Um, this does, it might be, I mean, once again, we won't know until we see it, but it might be pretty damn good. And honestly, I'm kind of I'm for it. And for the fact that Among Us is as a cartoon, it fits, to be perfectly it's, honest. It's definitely one of those things that like, you know, Xander said it very well of like, you know, you first hear about this and you're like, Why? I mean, it's a popular game, but like, why would you do this? I don't really see the point here. Mm-hmm. And then you hear who's create who's creating. And you're like, oh, actually, that arcane cool. Yeah. Arcane Everyone with really cool. League of Legends cartoon. Who needs it? Well, see, like, yeah. if I hear that they're making a live action Among Us movie, I'm less interested as yeah. opposed to a cartoon right. made by the yeah. Infinity Train. Right, like, right, right. It, it right. all depends on like, you know, right. But that's content. what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Like, when you find out who's who's creating it, you're like, oh, that's very interesting. I'm I'm actually really yeah. into that. Yeah, and I mean, also just to go back in time for a hot second and be like, because when they're back in the like the eighties and nineties when video games were turning into were crank when cartoon video games were cranking out like every other thing, we had at one point three Sonic the Hedgehog shows out at the exact same time. One of them was really good, one of them was pretty decent, and the other was absolute dog shit. So there is so what a, I'm a hearing chance. is. So what I'm hearing is you want two Among Us animated shows. Dueling Among Us. Let's get this done. We can do it. Let's do it. Us. We'll make the second one. We'll see who's better. <laughs> it will be Among Us. <laughs> We're doing Among Us too. Who Among Us will make Among Us? I will watch it. I'm not going to participate. But I am saying there's always a really good, there's a decent chance for something like this to be really, really good. And that's what I'm mm-hmm. hoping for. Subscribe to our uh, Patreon to make Among Us happen. Among Us. <laughs> and also, Xander, apparently you and I can... No actual promises. This is not an actual <laughs> promise. This is not legally binding. If you go to the Patreon... I'm not learning code. <laughs> and I was just going to say, Xander, next time you and I see each other, I guess we can't hug because the, the core yeah. of grace in the universe is going to implode. No, I've seen the one when you're going to have to fight each other for your power. <laughs> uh, I don't want to fight my friend. Oh my god, let's do the one. Subscribe to our Patreon and we'll do the one. <laughs> no, no, no get that's infinitely promise, more expensive. No. We can't legally do this. <laughs> oh man. So go to trailer. Parody law. Yeah. <laughs> let's go to trailers. All right. Uh, Blade Runner 2033 colon labyrinth. 
video games. This was just a cute little teaser. Um, this is from a developer who makes lots of fun, like walking simulator story driven games. So I'm sure this is going to be a very cool, uh, you know, story driven, not so like action heavy type of game um, set between the first movie and the second movie of the Blade Runner franchise. Uh, this one's really cool because it's at a time period where um, replicants, there are no replicants. Uh, so it is a Blade Runner who doesn't have a job anymore. So what does he do when there's no Blade Runners to Blade Run? Uh, and that's fascinating. Um, I'm curious about that. I just love the world. Um, uh, uh, there have been a couple Blade Runner games. So like, it's cool that we're getting another one. I'm excited. I really like the aesthetic of the Blade Runner world. Mm -hmm. So this looks like a really nice way to engage with it in a game medium. Yeah. There's uh, like the enhancing yeah. stuff mm -hmm. you do. Like I'm into that. Yeah. I can't wait for a strand like uh, Blade Runner. Death Stranding? Did you just mention the Stranding in my house? <laughs> in <yeah>. my house? <laughs> Where are you? In this home? There you are! Kojima's <laughs> in my thoughts all the time! Um, Pluto. Pluto. Astro Boy. Right. Ducks. Oh, this looks dope yeah. as hell. Yeah, this is very cool. I'm not one for greedy reboots, usually. Same, no, same. I think that they're, at this point, a little overdone and not really married to the essence of the character. Yeah, yeah. Um, but this feels like it still is able to keep the essence of the big questions that Astro Boy was saying underneath. Yes. And bringing them to the forefront. Yeah, right. So it, it keeps that same core, and it just shifts the perspective of what the story was trying to say. So it it feels like it's gonna work, yeah. and it it looks so good. Robots absolutely cannot become more human. Yes, what a statement! Yeah, <laughs> that was a pretty damn good statement. Um, I know it's Astro Boy, but every, every time I was seeing that main pro, or that main robot protagonist, like when he's put the little thingy behind his ear and he has arm, the whole time thinking this is just Cyborg Zero Zero Nine, but not. And mm. oh god, I miss Cyborg Zero Zero Nine. Anyways, this does look fantastic. This does look awesome. Um, my my interactions with Astro Boy was from the anime that aired on Toonami and like the new one of the newer animes, yeah. and I liked it. I know who Astro Boy is because I mean, you see Astro Boy. This is one of the most famous anime characters ever made. But man, does this look awesome! Like yeah. it, like Xander said, it looks gritty, but it's good gritty. As in, there's truly a important story behind it. It's not like hey, let's just do gritty just to do gritty. It's like, no, there is a reason behind this. There is a reason that we have that tagline of robots cannot become more human at the end. And I'm like, that, yeah. we're going to get some, some really good um, what it means to be human sort of sort of bit. I am all for this. Yeah, Xander, you you, you nailed it on the head. Like, this is like the same core of what Ash, the story of Astro Boy, but just like through a different like, lens or perspective. Because it's about like a, a robot becoming human. Where with Astro Boy, it's very bright and colorful and it's 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 optimistic about like you can be anything you want to be, like the Pinocchio story. But this is mm -hmm. the dark inverse of that of like, oh, you cannot be who you want to be. Like you no, cannot. you cannot advance. <laughs> you cannot advance. Exactly. Uh so like it is the same story, just like taking it at like a more mature level of like, oh, like if this were, you know, it, through like the meaner scope instead of that nicer scope of like, oh, it's the same story, just like a little more blood. And I'm like, I'm totally into that. With, with this world, it makes sense. Also, the animation looks absolutely stunning. Yeah, it does. It looks so yeah, good. I love his feet. They just look like just their flaming feet. I'm like, yeah, flame on. Flame <laughs> <laughs> on. Hell yeah. We're just going to clip. I love his feet. Vicky <laughs> <laughs> feet, flaming feet, 10 out of 10. Oh. Ryan, no. <laughs> Ryan, what have you done? That's so good. Futurama. 
Sparks. We had a conversation when this was announced. Yeah. And and I still believe everything you said, but like the last couple seasons, the 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 because this is not the first reboot Futurama's had that they've been good. Right. This trailer did not sell me whatsoever, besides that the voice cast is back, because a lot of the jokes felt like like 65-year-old men are like, ooh, you know what? We need COVID jokes. And like all joke and like just old jokes from like three years ago. And I'm like, I know animation yeah. takes a while, but also like maybe if i were 18 i'd find this funny but i'm in my 30s now and it's like this this isn't Uh, working for me the way i think it might have what what i will say is that um i uh when futurama came back last time while they were doing like jokes in the moment the jokes were like jokes that were responding to things within the last like year and a half to two at most um this feels like with the like the crypto country the crypto thing man um it feels like futurama's trying to catch up on all the years it wasn't on the air yes in in cultural references and i'm like you don't have to do that and i understand like that futurama like that's that's what futurama was it was like making fun of things like in our modern time in our future it's like i understand like you do have to catch up parallel but yes but it just, I think it just like, I, I just don't want to like the, the, the nose joke. I'm like, that's, I, I don't know. I don't think, I don't find that funny. I'm really honest. I, I am so glad I'm not the only one. Cause when I was watching this trailer, once again, I'm glad to hear the, the voice cast back, but yeah, mm-hmm. the second they, the whole time I'm watching this, it just feels like they're doing like, Hey, we're back. Let's make fun of all the things that we missed out on. And yeah. I, I was like, I didn't, it doesn't feel fresh to me. It's like, okay, they're going to a, a, I feel like they're going to a trope that has been done billion times before. And some of the times has done better. I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but even like the, what, the one thing that really just got me was the very end, like the Alexa joke where Fry and Leela are making out. And like, you know, the mom Alexa bot thing is just spying on them and recommends something. I was like, to me, that just felt way too on the nose. And I just wasn't mm-hmm. laughing. I was like, uh, that okay. also felt like even older than like yeah. three years ago. Yeah. That's what <laughs> like like the last the last revival really felt of the moment still, yeah. and this feels like it's playing catch up, which I don't feel like the revi- last revival felt like it had to do. Yeah. It didn't feel like it had to catch up on all the years it wasn't on the air. Yeah. See, when when it was announced with the new season, uh, even before <laughs> I saw this trailer, I think this trailer just paints what I'm going to say even like it, it informs it even more. Mm-hmm. Is that the the show when it first started was really really good oh yeah and i feel like every time it came back it lost a little bit of what it was sure and now that it's been off the air for a while people look back and see it as an entirety and they paint their opinion of it from the beginning to the end so it's like so there's it's not it doesn't have that stagger. They don't show the progression. They're like, oh, yeah, in general, it was good. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I'm excited to see this come back. When the reality for me was this section was really great television. And it it had a hard time returning to that form yeah. with all the changes that happened in between cancellations. So seeing this come back again, I wasn't optimistic of it really recapturing what my favorite part was which was the beginning of futurama yes i was optimistic or i was expecting it to recapture the ending the last like one or two seasons of futurama instead but a little worse Hmm. and that's what this feels like yeah it's still futurama 
it's still cool. There's still like a lot of stuff that I'm probably going to be like, oh, you know, it's like, it's, I like the characters and I'm going to watch it because I like the characters and their interactions, but it's going to be tough because I don't know if I'm going to actually watch all of it. Yeah. Because it, it feels like that progression has gotten to the point where I'm like, I don't know if I can keep caring. And in this trailer, it feels like a lot of greatest hits coming back, like, you know, Robot Santa and like that, I forget like the, the evil lady who, who was up a Farnsworth and like, it's a lot of returning characters and I'm like, if I, if I were to come back to Futurama, however, 10 years later, I would want it to be, yes, the returning cast, but a bunch of new people. I want yeah. it to be, this is, what, 25 years since that first like thing? Like, I don't want this to be The Simpsons where nothing ever changes. Mm-hmm. Like, I would love where, like, what if Fry, like, what if this were, like, Fry and Lita had a kid and it's like, it is 10 years later. Like, I would love that show. It feels like we're, we're, we're stuck in, like, 2008. I was, honestly, show in 2023. I was kind of hoping for a little bit something like that to be perfectly honest because i thought that the the second ending when like when future art came back on cart on cartoon or comedy central i thought that ending was a very good ending i mm. thought that it, i mean while it wasn't like the definitive it was still a happy ending you still got to see fry and leela live their life and it was like this is like it pulled at my heartstrings i was like good this is because this is a relationship that has been growing and building up for years mm-hmm. and now to see that they're I mean, I I know they're still together, obviously, but I don't know. I just want to, now that they're back, it's like, can we get like a little bit forward progression? It feels like please? no time has passed in yeah. however long, if, however, if it's been a decade less or more, I don't know, but it feels like a decade, but like yeah. it, no time has passed since then. Yeah. Also, I want to pull up uh, Chaos Gaming Theory's comment real quick. Um, they, Chaos Gaming Theory says they should have continued the Netflix show. Um, apparently, it was, to them, it was a turd being polished, but it was starting to shine. No, it was Comedy Central. Central was so there's no. no, I think I think they're talking about Disenchantment, which was Matt Groening's show. Oh, the other show. Sure, I never, I never even gave it. Sure, okay, got you. That makes sense. Um, same team and stuff. Yeah. Um, the trajectory of Futurama is you've got the original stuff. Fox cancels. You get four straight to DVD films that I think are very good and honestly still of original Futurama caliber. I have those. They're great. Uh, and then from that. Uh, Grenning wanted to bring back the show and that ultimately leads into the Comedy Central revival. That's where we left it. So there's just one show revival between here and the original. There's those four films as well, but there's just one Comedy Central revival that happened. It just feels like so much more like time. It's crazy. Well, it's been a lot of time, but there's only been these one revival pre now. This is the second revival of the show. It wasn't Not on, was it on what is this on Hulu? Now it's moved around okay. on its networks okay. for syndication purposes yeah, yeah, and yeah. who had the rights and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But only Comedy Central made a new version of the show. Gotcha. Okay. Now. okay, okay, okay. Gotcha. I don't know. No, I still count those movies. Now it's Hulu. No, I mean you can count those movies. They are like a they are a separate beat, but they are essentially the beat in between the beast with a billion backs. The revivals and stuff. Yeah. Um uh I just wish I was more excited about this. It just, it just looks yes. like we're returning to a thing instead of like, not that they're obviously not, they're not like passionate about it, but like we're not doing anything new with it. We're like, we're coming back to it. We're doing the thing you like. And I'm like, eh, that's cool, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Five Nights at Freddy's. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, God. They're all I heard, I heard, I heard someone scream, someone screams, yell, oh shit. <laughs> That's my roommate. He's he's playing uh, either Overwatch or Diablo right now. Um, okay. <laughs> um, so I wouldn't say this trailer is the best, but I'm still looking yeah. forward to the movie. Yeah. Um, it didn't really, I mean, it didn't really like scare me or, or 
terrify me or anything or it's like oh man this movie's gonna be so terrifying it looks like yep this is a five nights at freddy's movie those animatronic wrote the jim henson company just blew it out of the park in my personal opinion just judging by these trailers oh those um, animatronics look incredible they do um i'm obviously we're gonna go see it i'm excited i'm i'm not saying it's like oh this is gonna be the best thing i'm like you know i might really enjoy this movie at least for the animatronics i mean i do kind of like how freddy fazbear's is like De- decrepit and the owner just doesn't want to get rid of it so that's why he's still hiring a security guard mm-hmm. um i'm looking forward to matthew lillard being a creepy guy just because after watching scream this past year i was like oh yeah he could be a really good villain mm-hmm. but um i'm just gonna say that i don't think the trailer was really the best but i'm still looking forward to it yeah i do agree i think the trailer was fine like um i think like like I think this is also rated R, so they can't really show a lot of the a lot of the, the violence mm-hmm. that it's actually gonna have. Um, but it is kind of like they showed a lot. Like I kind of wish they didn't show so many of like the side characters getting killed, because like now I know like three of those people are gonna die that we meet. I'm like, oh yeah. Uh, even though again we will probably see more like gruesome ways to go up, but I'm like, there was a lot of story, and I was kind of just hoping it'd be just like, no, it's like you know it's a creepy thing with vibes. Like you you explained a lot here. Um, not necessarily a bad thing, but this wasn't the strongest trailer. Uh, is this the lore? Is this the lore from the games that it was kids yes. being the, the yeah. kid the kids are possessing the animatronics? Yeah. There's like there's I don't know if it's Matthew Lillard's character, but like murders happen there and then like their bodies are possessing the animatronics. I see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, I think it looks pretty cool. I think they're going I think I was a little surprised that they're going for a, a more camp tone rather than just trying to go for a more horror tone. Um but I think it looks okay. Yeah. 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 I, I feel like the camp to me makes sense yeah. because the first game I think was the only game that really tried to play up the like real horror aspect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even that only functioned for the first, you know, like few hours of playing the game because once you know how everything works, that element's kind of gone, you know, it, it plays. Would you agree, with- Ben? I will not lie. I still every time I see freaking Foxy run across this run across that goddamn CRT, I freak out and I push the wrong button. Even when I was playing Five Nights at Freddy's Help Wanted, the VR game, that uh-huh. legitimately terrified me. I, I mean, hated that. I only did I only did one night. I didn't even try to go into nights two or three when stuff starts ramping up. I was like, hell no, I'm out. I, I, I understand I put the quarter in the jukebox, but I kind of want to take it out now. Um <laughs> Uh, Xander, <laughs> do you want to continue your thought? Because I, right. really, oh, sure. I didn't mean for that to become such a it's, thing. Don't worry, all good. Um, yeah, I just feel like the suspense of it was, you know, jump scares aside and all that. Mm. You know, the whole like you have to be on top of it. It's first person. You're checking everything at the same time. You know, it builds up that. Mm-hmm. After that, when you're talking about. The other games where you're talking about the the newest one that came out, you know, that takes a little bit more of an adventure mm-hmm. aspect to it. I feel like they can only do so much with the horror aspect of this without it, without overdoing it. So doing something a little more campy to me feels like it lets them live in that space and stretch it out a little bit yeah. without it getting old very quickly. I'll put it this way. Why I think the camp is so important is because Five Nights at Freddy's works because it's such a simple concept as a horror game. Mm-hmm. Because 
it's you like you're in control you're the person deciding what happens but for a movie the suspense is not inherently going to be there you have to create it yeah, yeah. and we're not going to be spending most of the movie watching just Josh, Josh Hutcherson go where are they yeah hitting where one, are they? three <laughs> four like, one because three. that's not that's yeah. not engaging it'll probably be a good scene where he's just trying to plan it you're like one, oh the yeah, tension yeah. I know they're getting close but yeah. like it can't be the whole movie yeah so the advantage is that like you can't rely on that the same way it kind of has to be campy just because of how they look honestly yeah, and, yeah. Like, the setting yeah but what that gives you is campiness can make you lower your guard yes mm -hmm. and so it can surprise you it can make things tense again because you're going to get comfortable mm -hmm. um and i think that is the way that you can do like the up and down sense of giving it real horror and more specifically suspense yeah. and tension because i think that's what's going to be really important for the movie is to make you feel like i feel okay i actually feel like things are pretty fun and goofy and and i'm having a good time why do i feel particularly tense right now yeah. don't forget that every night that you start your job at uh, in fairness freddy it's like hey guy good job on the job let me tell you about this place and i'm like that's pretty silly if you ask me so like uh, uh, i'm ready for some spooky bears yeah because because i'll be thinking about it all night i just want to real quickly uh try to clarify that i was not saying that i think the campiness was a bad choice i was just more surprised that they went that direction right. rather than a more yeah, yeah, yeah. You're good, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fine. I think we just we kind of held on to that because it it helped sort of describe a lot of what we're yeah. we're feeling and seeing. I, um, I I was gonna bring it up that uh, this trailer in comparison to the other one felt a little goofier. Yeah, and I don't mm -hmm. think that's a bad thing. I think it makes it a a more approachable property because it is goofy, but that doesn't mean it can't surprise you or scare you. Yeah. No, I I need this movie to be like an hour and a half. It has it has to be ninety minutes, oh, dude. Yeah. It cannot it, be two hours. It can't. If they start stretching this out even further, we get a, a, a Willy's Wonderland. We get a Willy's that Wonderland is, situation. That movie's like eighty minutes, and it's too long. Yes. Like, yeah. The, if you condense just what happens inside of the like fun house, you know, Chuck E. Cheese kind of place, uh, and just what happens in there, I think it's like a half hour movie. Yeah, and we need, we we see some outside wood stuff, so we'll get some yeah, lower exploration. Right. Exploration, but stuff, it's yeah. so good, it's so good, I, and it makes me want to watch this movie because the best parts of Willy's Wonderland, if that can show up in with this a bigger movie, budget, yeah. with a bigger budget, I'll be content. Yeah. I, what I what I really want the film to be able to pull off is switching the tones so well that it's like I'm kind of in the Army of Darkness, Evil Dead Two space. I'm yes. kind of like having a goofy good old time. Oh shit, is this Alien? Yeah. Am I in the middle of Alien where she's not sure where the Xenomorph is? Yes. Um, and like that's the vibe, right? You want yeah. to pivot between those two things. Yeah. I haven't played the games, but. Uh, I did see a, a seven-hour, three-part YouTube retrospective. <laughs> so you're basically I, an expert. You're I, an expert. Feel, I feel pretty informed. We have a basement arcade episode where Ben plays it twice. Two, in fact. Oh, we have and then, one and then VR. the uh, help wanted VR one. Oh, mm. and I can only assume this October I'm going to be playing Five Nights at Freddy's two. Oh, now, who who could possibly have guessed? Maybe, maybe they were all. <laughs> see, we'll see if. I have choo-choo Charles first. <laughs> <laughs> that train's coming for you. Dune. Dune part two. <laughs> yeah.
<laughs> I I got no words for this one, y'all. For real, no words. Um, I'm I'm I can't wait. That this movie looks like it's gonna freaking rule. It looks it's like the it's the only thing I've rock. watched since Dune One. Yeah. And there was a time period where like things were getting shaky. Warner Brothers were like, "Is Dune Two going to happen?" And I was like, "I guess they're I'm still in, making guess. that show too." And they're still making that Apple sh- uh, Max. HBO. I, I always say Apple, and when it's Warner Brothers, uh, anyway, y'all, this just looks like a big, uh, incredibly made blockbuster. We don't get the we we get lots of big budget movies. We're talking about one today, but ones that have this level of creative control. And and with a director who has never made a bad movie, Denny Villeneuve has made nothing but bangers for the last fifteen years. Um, people, I understand, have problems with that ending of Dune Part One. I will say, look at Across the Spider Verse, and if you have the same problem, judge that movie the exact same way, please, because they both end on the exact same way where people well, are meeting. Or Lord of the Rings Two, but to a lesser extent. But yes, <laughs> Dune at least said Dune Part One. <laughs> yes, it came out. absolutely, a hundred percent. People went in knowing what was up. A hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, but like. The, if the only problem people had with Dune Part One is that it like oh I wanted more of it and like I wanted like the good stuff to happen, this is an entire movie of the good stuff. We all read the book club. We, I mean, we read the four A book club. So like, yeah. hey, the the second half of this book is gnarly, dude. Look, it's awesome. if, if you've all had your your good healthy multigrain parts of your cereal with a little bit of marshmallows mixed in. It's all marshmallows now, baby. And Christopher Walken is dunking it out. It, oh, it is. It is all the spice, all the sugar, no, more I wanna, spice. I want to real quickly ask uh, Xander: Did you did the did the True Fan podcast not read Dune when you were? In the uh, I mean, I'm sh- uh, no, he, no, he was on vacation for that week. No, um, uh, yeah, I kind of had to like step aside. We had we had sort of a fight, and. Uh, no. Yeah, so we split for a little bit, and they tried doing their own thing, and I tried doing my own thing, oh, got it. and then we kind of came back okay. and kind of like an adventure style kind of thing. Gotcha. Um, and unfortunately, Dune was part of the the fight. The yeah, mm-hmm. so it just it didn't really work out. Um, so I'm excited for this universe to really sink their teeth into it. Yum. Because I'm going to be doing it as well, <laughs> and I I can't wait for spice. I can't wait for for worms. I can't wait for sand. Hell yeah! So much sand. It gets everywhere. The scene where uh, Paul meets uh, Josh Brolin's character is in this trailer, and I was like, "Oh, I'm so excited for that scene!" Um, yeah, I'm, I love I love this trailer so much. I'm uh, reading it really prepared me for what Dune in Part One, Part Two would be like. the The coolest the coolest stuff from Dune is in this part of the movie, and I'm just so here for it. I cannot wait. One yeah, of the, the scenes. Uh, no, sorry, go ahead. No, no. One of the scenes I actually cannot wait for is the scene on the Harkonnen's home planet because the whole thing looks just like it's in black and white, and I love I'm it. I think, think that here. looks so rad. I forgot whole... Christopher Walken was the emperor, and then I saw yeah. this. I was like, oh right. Austin Butler, Walken. Elvis himself is is um, uh, Rabon. No, Rabon is 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 uh, Batista, but he's the bald guy who who's like he's basically the anti Paul Atreides. Right. Yeah. Uh, I'm so excited for that. The fight. He also like, walked just out of Prometheus. He did just. He does look like an engineer. That's so true. Um. Yeah, man. Like, more more so than other Harkonnen. Yeah. He looks like. Yeah. He was, uh, yeah. And the thing that 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 most surprised me about this movie is that this movie looks incredible. There are so many beautiful shots, and it is a big budget movie. But this movie costs 122 million dollars. Well, who knew Nerdy Podcast has so much tea? <laughs> Forget reality TV. Um, <laughs> not to disparage the movie we're talking about today, but like the Indiana Jones costs $300 million. 
Doom 2 cost 122. Almost a third of the cost of Indiana Jones. And let me ask you, I'm saying this trailer looks pretty good if you ask me. So, like, Denny Villeneuve just got it. This is a dude who's got it. Like, Warner Brothers is going through so much shit right now. But the fact that they're just like, bro, make your make your warm movie. I don't give a shit. Make your warm movie. And he's and there's like, thank you. Thank you. Because, like, this looks incredible. And also, real quick, there was an announcement that says, Denny Villeneuve's second chapter of three-part epic. Here's the trailer. And I'm like, did you guys just silently confirm that he's doing Dune Messiah? Shut your mouth. Shut your mouth. That's where the big worm yeah. boys come in, baby. Three, three film saga. I saw three film too. saga. And I'm like, oh my God. Worm he boy. has said he has said that he wants to do Dune Messiah as one movie. And and if this movie, look, it's all contingent on this movie doing well. And I think one of the things that we have seen with Spider-Verse that is also true with Dune is that people have found this movie on uh, streaming and have watched it, it on streaming. It did really well when it came out. Don't forget. Mm-hmm. Right. And so like this yeah. movie, this movie this second movie, I think, is going to do even better. Uh, I thank goodness it has a small budget because it has it has a shot to do really well. Yeah. Um, and because of that, we have a far easier chance to get Dune Messiah, which would be incredible. Yeah. I'm just so excited. For, for as much setup as Dune was, it's still, still a beautiful movie. I love it. Yeah. Still really, really good, enthralling, uh, great movie. But it was a lot of setup. Oh, yeah. And for that movie to be the movie where not a lot happens. And that's still a good ass movie. That's still a good movie. Yeah. The fact that this comes out, I think, really is going to cement in a lot of people what everyone else loves about Dune. They'll see the full picture. They'll see the full picture and be like, oh, this is what you kept going on about. Yeah. So I think that's going to really show what what's going to be the the opinion for more dune more stuff and i i really think it's going to go in that direction yeah. i really think that once people are introduced to the rest of the story it'll be like wow i can't i can't wait for more of this 100 yeah they'll uh god it, it just looks it looks so real it looks like a real ass big blockbuster movie like it like it will it be as good as like a lord of Lear- like like i personally i love dune part one a lot right like is it as good as lord of the rings that's for your opinion but like this kind of summer blockbuster ip doesn't really exist anymore with this level of quality. So this isn't summer. It's ninety-five degrees out. I don't know, man. No, no, no. When it comes out. No. no oh, out. you're right. Sorry, you're like right. You're right. No, you're right. You're right. You're right. That's true. Um. So it's like these movies don't even come out in the summer. This level of quality that has to come out at the end of the year. Like it's just like I'm so glad it gets to exist. Like it's it's the reason I love doing this podcast as much as I love the MCU and all all the stuff we talk about. But like, man, Dune is a like real ass movie, man. And I'm just like I'm so I'm so excited that it is a also a big science fiction movie where the main characters are riding big worms. Like, that's so awesome. We live in that world. I'm just so thrilled to be here. I just want more worms. We're getting it! Dude, love... we're getting an entire battle of worms against a giant set of villains. Yeah, movie. see, I love I love kaiju. I love kaiju movies. Hell yeah. The fact that the worms are pretty much kaiju is... Perfect. That one shot of Jessica, real sorry, that the one shot of Jessica where it's like it's like kind of like uh, like out of focus, but like it's erupting behind her as she's walking. I'm like, bro, this movie looks so good. Oh my god, that's a good shot. It's a good looking film. Okay, shall I move into our main topic then? Yeah, I think we can move from the saturated yellow greens of Dune into the saturated yellow green of Dial of Destiny. Okay, okay. We're talking about Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, directed by James Mangold, written by Jez Butterworth, 
and his brother John Henry Butterworth. I just really like those names. They direct the Butterworth they, brothers. Mm-hmm. The, the Butterworth brothers. They they wrote Ford v Ferrari with James Mangold and Edge nice. of Tomorrow with Christopher Quarry. Oh, um, and also written by J- by David Kep, who Coep Kep, uh, who wrote Indiana Jones: The Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, and James Mangold wrote this one also. Mm-hmm. What do we think about this, Ben? Oh, full spoilers. I... Full spoilers. Oh, Sorry, full spoilers. <laughs> I forgot to do the spiel. Full spoilers. You know, if you haven't seen this, do the thing, whatever, the whole spiel I do. Just whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, your choice. Spoilers. We're talking about the movie. Spoilers. Um, I had a blast. That's bad. Mm. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, Chaos Gaming Theory's comment that just came up. Doom oh. gives me Tremors vibes. <laughs> That's so cute. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. <laughs> not wrong. Uh, yeah, I had a blast with this movie. I felt like I was watching, to me, like, and obviously I was watching an Indiana Jones movie, but this was like, this, to me, this is what Indiana Jones is, just going on an adventure, having a blast, and I was, I was there for it. I had so much fun, and I loved it. I truly had a great time with this movie. Oh, yeah. Ryan? I liked it. I think it's, I think it is a good time at the movies. I am... Probably the the, the 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 non-biggest Indiana Jones fan here. I think they're good movies. I look I think they're great movies, but like I don't have a reference for them. So like I didn't have as much going into this one. So like uh I think it's good. I think there's a lot of good stuff. I think this is a better send-off movie than Kidding with the Crystal Skull. But like I got a lot of problems with it. Like I don't like I think I think it's good. I think it's good. Sparks. I really, really like it. Um, I had a very good time watching it. Uh, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. Have a couple of really strong highlightable problems, but um, still think I had a really great time. Nice. Xander? Uh, it's a mixed bag for me. It it the, the bar for it to be a good Indiana Jones movie for me was better than The Crystal Skull. Mm-hmm which was not difficult to pass, and I'm really happy they did. Um, that said, it's a very low bar. So, you know, on one hand, I'm like, cool, this feels like the movie they wanted to make yeah. when they made Crystal Skull. It feels like the movie that they were like, oh, it's this resurgence, he's back, it's, you know, this whole thing. And in that aspect, I think it really succeeded. And... And the other aspects of like it feeling like an Indiana Jones movie, um, you know, and some of the characters, I'm, I'm sure some of the issues we're probably all going to share and on some level. Um, it's hard to look over them because, you know, I really like Indiana Jones. So it's one of those things where it's like, I'm having trouble getting over certain hangups. I want you to give your reactions first, Brandon, but then I do want to respond to something he was saying there. If you want to respond, you can. No, 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 because it's really starting the conversation. So I want you to just give your reactions. Well, look, my love of Indiana Jones is known. Um, uh, I've been doing so many Indiana Jones stuff on this podcast because I love them so much. It's fine. I it's it's an okay movie. Um, he, Xander mentioned a lot about how it for him surpasses Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, and for me, it doesn't. For one of my very specific hangups of this film, um, I like Crystal mm. Skull more. And as of now, this is my least favorite Indiana Jones film. Oh wow! Wow! Dang. Wow! 
that is that is a spicy take. So where I want to start with in relation to this is what Xander was saying is that this is the film they wanted to make with Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. And that's absolutely not true. Um, and the reason I wanted to tackle that is because where I think this movie is successful with indie story in a way that Crystal Skull fails is Crystal Skull wanted to say, this is Indiana Jones getting ready to pass that baton. That was the goal. The goal was they wanted it to do so well that you would be endeared enough to Shia LaBeouf's mutt that you wanted to watch him carry on the fedora and the adventures. It wanted to be the end of Indiana Jones' adventures in a sense of they will go on in a different way. Mm -hmm. And the intention with this one is to have a man who believes all adventures are behind him and that his life has kind of fizzled into something he can no longer engage with. Mm-hmm. be re-engaged by adventure in a way where he's like i recognize what there is for me to still live for here yeah and i recognize how a life lived mm-hmm. uh is valuable mm-hmm. and that is a different that is a different focus of what this story is about for indy than what crystal skull was doing right <sighs> which is the only thing i wanted to uh-huh. get out right out of the gate is that i really right. like that intention like you can make your comparisons like this is what they did with Luke to an extent in, mm-hmm. in Star Wars. And there's some comparable comparisons there or what would they were doing with Willow and Willow and like sure Lucasfilm kind of has had that going, but I think it works in this sense of uh, Indiana Jones. Like if you really uh, like his arc, especially something in the last crusade of being this kind of uh parallelism he doesn't know how to bring himself out of because he feels like he failed the moment that his father ultimately got past in last crusade right because his dad comes out of the last crusade seeing what i found was um enlightenment right Mm -hmm. illumination illumination thank you illumination and the illumination is connecting with my son Mm -hmm. and uh, Indy feels he's failed that yeah, because he did not make that connection before Mutt was gone. Yeah. And I think that like the way that that circle circulates on his brain, uh, you know, look at it in another way. There's the moment in the last crusade where Henry thinks that he lost Indy when he went over the cliff with the tank. Yeah. Right. Indy's living that life now. Right. And th- having that paralleled through another child who he was supposed to be responsible for and also failed because like, what I like about that ending note with Marion where she says, are you back? Is it's not like, are you back to being Indiana Jones? Are you back to being the adventurer? It's like, are you back to engaging? Are you back to being in a life? Yeah. Right. And I think the film does a very good job of illustrating that that's where he's at. And that's the point of this story is to bring him just back to living. Mm-hmm. Here's, this is, I, this, that is a, man, that is a really good. So that's a really broad look at the film. No, I not me saying it, it nails that in every aspect. No, no, no. But like, I, 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 I like that and I respect it. Um, there is a little bit of Last Jedi with this version of Indiana Jones, where you know he is he is retired and like you know, things happen with his family and stuff. And I'm like, I guess just personally, and this isn't this isn't a reflection on on like the, the score of, of the movie or the review of the movie, but it's did I want my last Indiana Jones movie to be where his son is dead and he's estranged from his wife, and then there's they get you know, and it's kind of a sad movie for Indiana Jones. And then, like, they get reconciled at the very end. Whereas, like, again, Kingdom with Chris Skull, however you feel, he ends happily, very happy with his wife and child in front of him next to him. And I'm like, that's not, again, not criticizing the story, but I'm like, 
this, I, is this the last thing I wanted my Indiana Jones to go through? To be sad and like have one last adventure where his kid's dead and like he thinks his wife hates him. And it's just like, it's an interesting choice they wanted to make for this movie. Mm. Um, it is not, again, like it is not just a repeat of Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. But also like I kind of just, I think I, I think maybe this isn't the movie I wanted. And again, I'm not super like maybe I don't know. I'm I'm just I'm just working through this one because again I'm not I'm not totally in love with it. Uh, I'm just not totally in love with the conceit because I'm like, did we need sad Indiana Jones? And like I get you know, it, it allowed Harrison Ford to be really good. He is like really great in this movie. But like, I kind of want it to just be a lighter fun adventure, which I'm glad. That's why we have Feeler Weller Bridge for and stuff. But that's that's just how I'm feeling about it. Well, you bring up a really good point about Kingdom with Crystal Skulls ending, which is that it it does end with Indiana Jones happy married happily married uh connected with a son uh like it ends it's a happy ending quite frankly like looking back on it oh that that is an ending for indy yeah. you know he, he picks up the hat and he's ready to go and that's he's indiana jones and i think that's kind of where i'm kind of with ryan in the sense that like ben mentioned that he was that it was a really exciting movie or something like that you mentioned it made you happy ben yeah, because when I was talking, when I mentioned this to Sparks very briefly, I, I know I'm watching down watching Indiana Jones movie, but this felt more like an Indiana Jones movie to me than Keen of the Crystal Skull did, and I don't. See, that's where I want to finish my I want to finish my thought before you kind of get get any further. Mm -hmm. In there is, I disagree because this made me very sad. I find this film to be my biggest issue with this film is it's very depressing. Um, there's that line where Sala is like, I miss adventure. I miss the desert. I miss Sala, who is Egypt's premier digger, was brought to America during the war, which makes sense. I'm okay. It is now living in New York City, driving a taxi cab. That's very depressing. With a, in a two bedroom house with his entire family, I I find that very stereotypical, very depressing. Um, I it's fine that everyone, almost everyone that Indiana interacts with in this film, uh, first for the franchise gets killed. Um, and I find that, yeah. I find that depressing. It was just yeah. up until the end of the movie where he does reconcile with Marion, which I will say, because I said, I've been pretty negative here. I really like the ending where he does reconcile with Marion. I like that yeah. scene a lot. Um, outside of that, I just, I didn't find this one very fun, very, it didn't make me happy. It made me very sad. Yeah, I, I definitely I, I agree with that to an extent, but I, I did find some joy throughout it, mostly, again, with uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, uh, 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 Helena Shaw, uh, who I really, really like. I think she's I think she's just really fun. I just like that. I just like her in general as, as, as a performer. She's got great energy. I love her and Teddy. Um, uh, if, if there were less of them, I would probably like to be less, but like, so yep. it is so focused on her and Indy. I think they work well together and they are the core of the movie. So, so for me, that is able to carry out through the stuff I dislike. Uh, it, if I can, um, to what Brandon was saying, uh, I think Saul is a good example of, I don't think, I don't find him being in New York city, the way he is as a cab driver, stereotypical. I find that <laughs> representational. That's, that's what happens at that point in time with being in New York of, uh, coming in, immigrating, and like that's the job you get, and that's the situation you're living in. When it comes to that situation, I thought that was that made a lot of sense for putting Sala in the state. Well, um, I'm not and, disagreeing with you, but don't you think he'd have like a lot of money at this point doing what he does? I thought he Sala would be like well off. 
Uh, I mean, my, I mean, my like, partner did know. say, my partner, real quickly to interject on that, but Sparks, real quickly, my partner did say that it's very, it is very realistic to have someone who is very rich and popular in the Middle East and Egypt and coming to America and being very poor. Cool. Right. Okay. There you go. That's yeah. Good I, 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 that, thank you. Because yeah. that was that that was essentially what's it. But what but what I I hear you, and I guess like my read on the end of the film is that it is a happy ending in the sense of like because it is it is indie coming back to this this what this idea like why he almost stays in the past is what do i have to go back for yeah and you're visually shown what he has to go back for like he's given what he has to go back for it's not just marion it's it's wombat sala and wombat and and teddy and like there there is a family there are people and he had chosen to cut himself off in connection um because he tells this story uh, when he's giving that really well done and emotional speech about like what I would do if I could go back in time, I would stop my son from enlisting thing. And he says um, that that I would uh, fail to con- to support Marion and she would be consumed in her grief. But it's kind of a lie. At least it seems to be in the text of the film because he seems to be the one who got consumed in his grief. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it failed her. But like, she doesn't seem to be the one who who like he was unable to help. He was unable to pull himself out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and I, and I, that is sad. That is sad. And I'll admit like, you know, um, there's an amount of uh, like what you're saying, Ryan, like, is this really how we want to leave Indiana Jones, uh, an icon that we all beloved and that kind of thing. And I'm like, I, I'm responding to something in this that feels very real. Yeah. Um, I think. And that feels very like, this is how life goes. I find it actually like, I, I understand the behind the scenes workings of like, and everything, why Shia LaBeouf is not a part of this movie and all yes. that kind of stuff. But I think it's actually very smart, regardless of if they could have gotten him or wanted to get him or whatever, to have had his son die in the war. Sure. It's a very, like, that is something you don't normally have a lead iconic character dealing with of this sense of of just, like, this just happens, and this just, this mm-hmm. just was taken from me. Yeah. Um, and that is just how life plays out sometimes, and that happened to Indy, and I don't think that's a bad choice. I think that the way that that affects him, that that is a driving part of of what who he is in this movie, and how he reconnects to his goddaughter is bringing him back around to what else there is beyond that is a good choice, um, and feels very natural and something yeah. that, like, if I'm being a hundred percent honest, I see a lot of my my late father in it because this was, you know, my dad having an awful, awful relationship with his dad and then fumbling the ball with me for a lot of years and then having to find a way to find his way back. And like, I get kind of like not ending up where you thought you'd be and not having the relationships you'd want to. Yeah. And Indy kind of going through that, I find uh, charming in a way where like, I guess I didn't want um, just another, uh, you know, at this point, Indiana Jones adventure that I don't think this is a, 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 a treating it in the same way of like he's old now but it's not in the same way that Crystal Skull was doing it where it's kind of like just about like physical oh jokes. my bad this yeah. is this is about he's he's lived such a life and, yeah. and the life has had triumphs but it's had sorrows and that weighs on him yeah. and that there's mm-hmm. a real response in the character to how that goes and I'm saying all this just to get across that this is a feeling I have but I don't I don't think a lot of the reads and feelings on this are invalid at all yeah, I, yeah. I get that like 
the movie spoke to me in this way and, and it executes on something that I think works in that broad sense while having a lot of potholes along the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I get how not wanting this for indie. I yeah. do understand that. So mm. th- I, lo- I love, thank you for sharing that. I think that's awesome. Uh, um, the thing, I think I'm just rubbing up like the same thing with Brandon is like, I, I, I love that Indiana Jones wants to be like, wants to be real and stuff, but we've had f- 40 years of Indiana Jones movies being mm-hmm. Indiana Jones movies. Right. Like I can respect this movie wanted to take itself a little more seriously with its, with its themes and, and stuff. But like, again, this is, you know, this is all personal. Like, you know, I, I don't think this is a, 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 I've said it right, but like a negative on the movie. It's just my personal, just like what, what I think, like, I think this movie is a little too dour for, for being the finale in a, pretty light-hearted franchise and again this is like you know the end of the franchise the character is 80 years old but like i just i just i wish there was more smiles than killing off like every side character that we possibly can because they do in this movie they kill off whether they're alive or dead or on screen or off screen there's a lot of death yeah. and it's like that's not like indiana jones kills people sure but it's like in fun it's never we're not just like killing people in the like like aggressively like just like that Nazi killing people uh, uh, like it's just like it's very very dark and it's like dark not in the Temple of Doom dark where it's like fun dark it's just Nazis are murdering let people left and right dark and I'm like it's just not the vibe I'm looking for with this kind of franchise and that's just again like I know people love this movie and I'm not, I don't think it's the worst thing ever it's just like the vibe check for me was a little off right. the whole time. If I could bounce off that, please oh, go ahead. Thank you. Um, first of all, I want to reword the very first thing I said, and it's less that I think this is what they wanted to do with four. I think it's to me, four felt this felt like more of a proper send off and finishing to the story than four did Mm -hmm. because to me, four that's what it was, right? It was shaping the story saying if yeah it was also you know like yeah, yeah. setting up everything right. else um but as far as like just the ending of the character of indiana to me this one felt better mm-hmm. than the crystal skull mm. if that clears up no, yeah, yeah. my sentiment okay and now bouncing off to what actually you were saying um there's a lot of really fun moments in this mm-hmm. There's a lot, the, the almost the entire beginning of the movie, which had some pretty good facial, like, de-aging that, like, I think we're used to seeing more and more. So I think maybe that has a little bit to play into it, that are more used to it, but also it looked good. I think you'd be hard-pressed to find an actor with a larger catalog of film references to be able to yeah. capture it well either. So, yeah. like, y- if you could pull it off with anybody, it's going to be Harrison yes. Ford. Yes, and it, it, looked, it looked good. I think it looks really good most of the time. Yeah. And then sometimes it looks okay. And then sometimes it looks really bad, but importantly, it was never distracting. Right. Yes. Yes. I never told distracting. Um, so the thing with this movie, which is like part of the, the issue I have with it, um, which I'm realizing is very aptly, as you pointed out, how sad it is, is that you have really fun moments marked by just like tragedy mm-hmm that the movie just expects you to get over you have uh, yeah they're getting together they're getting the dial uh you have this really fun intro and then indy sitting over a secretary that's dead shot basically like freaking out going like this is death i'm dealing with from like 
an innocent person. Mm -hmm. And then you get a fucking great chase scene mm -hmm. through a parade, and it's so much fun. Everything with the horse in India, I was like, oh my God, this is great. Mm -hmm. But I'm still hung up on him being destroyed by that woman. <laughs> and then you have the super fun, uh, hey, I have a whip, everyone else has a gun, play to the, the sword fight gun thing. Yeah. Um, and it's like, oh, okay, that's cool. And then a, a super fun chase with a tuk-tuk, which is 100% in recent memory, one of my favorite chase scenes or car scenes mm -hmm. um, with so many great beats, so well done, super, super fun. And then you're dealing with the CIA character I really liked getting shot. Oh, dude. I can't, oh my God. That bummed me out that so much. Bummed, not only bummed me out because I really liked her as a character, yeah. but by this Nazi guy that's like, ha, huh, we were Nazis. Yeah. And, and and that's it. And then you're just like, oh, now I'm hurt by this character death. And then back to more fun and more, you know, jumping around and messing around. And then the death of the divers, which was what pissed me off the most. And, and part yeah. of that is that it affected me personally. So this also like moves into, cause I really love that character. Yeah. It really moves into my dislike <laughs> of, uh, um, Matt, I, I keep going back to, you for names and i'm sorry sure um uh the goddaughter oh helena helena it goes back to some of the problems i have with helena mm -hmm. in that yeah she gets excited afterwards she's anything and indy's like my friend just died oops sorry oh my bad yeah it's like uh there's some tonal whiplash and again there, like yeah. with james mangold is such a good good filmmaker uh but he is he is like not not like like he doesn't make lighthearted movies, right? He makes he makes like more mature movies, and he just brought like a maturity to Indiana Jones. I guess I just again I was to say like me personally, but like the, the, I just didn't feel like I needed like specifically. I think of that scene where where the CIA lady dies, mm -hmm. and those Nazis just kill random civilians just to like to like get the information. I'm like, it's very real and very traumatic in a way that none of these Indiana Jones movies have felt before. And like that's cool if you, this is the vibe you're going for, but like. You also have the regular, really lighthearted Indiana Jones, like tuk-tuk stuff. And then you're just going to kill a major character and you're supposed to have Indiana Jones deal with that, like actually emotionally, consequentially, as opposed to the other movies where it's kind of like lighthearted. And I'm just like, it's, it, this movie's all over the place for me tonally. Yeah. Um, and I, I just wish it would have like stuck with one. Like if you just want to make this, the skyfall of Indiana Jones, do it. You can't have the, the goofy shit the entire way through too, like for me. Very, very quick. Very quick. So many Nazis died at the start of that movie. Oh, yeah. And I was like totally fine with it because yeah. it handled death like every other movie. Explosions, they're goofy. They're well, you know they're Nazis. Yeah. Well, one, you know they're Nazis. Yeah. But like a lot of the deaths were kind of silly. Yeah. You that's, know? that's a regular Indiana Jones, just like, oh, yeah. Nazis blow up, whatever. And it yeah. felt like after that, you're like, okay, cool. We're granted a little bit more realism, who we care about. But it was like, yeah, it's just, it was a lot of total whiplash. Ben. Um, I, wow, I hope this doesn't make me a horrible person because I because I was not feeling the whiplash but when it, when it when it gets to a really sad moment and it goes to the chase scenes because I like Xander said I love the chase scene in New York, the chase yeah. scene in um what was it Algiers? No, it's not Algiers. Um, Morocco. Tangiers. Morocco. 
Tangiers. I know there was a Jeers in there somewhere. The chase scene Tangiers I thought was great. Only reason why I know is because this morning I couldn't get over it. Harrison going, I know Tangiers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that made me laugh. Uh, it's I, I do guy I do hear what you guys are saying. You're right. This is sad, but for some reason when I was watching this, it felt like the, it made sense. Mm-hmm. Like like obviously when the movie first starts, I we knew that Marion was gonna be in the picture wasn't gonna be there for the whole movie. And part of me was like, uh is like like, oh great, did they break up again as much as off doing something? But then when you find out that the reason why him and Marion are having these problems is because Mutt signed up for the Vietnam War, I'm like, oh shit, that makes sense. To me, it makes sense. Yeah. It makes tunnel sense. It makes complete sense of why Indiana would go down a little bit of a spiral, why we see him drinking a lot more. And then when Helena brings him back in, he's slowly but surely getting back. And I do agree with the um, with Xander on the scene with Antonio Banderas because I really like Antonio Banderas. But the one thing I don't agree with is the CIA agent because personally, I think the CIA agent didn't need to be there at all. That's well, the I, problem. I'm kind, of, that's, I'm kind of with him on that. That's the problem no, no. with it. I, I agree with that. Like, I don't think the CIA agent needed to be there, but it really does suck that we killed the black character in, oh, yeah. in a way where it's like, oh, that's no. the problem. Mm-hmm. Really lame. But I'll tell you what's even worse. Um, that she talked about the fact that it was worse and more offensive when she died than this. And she took it to Mangle, and Mangle was like, no, I hear you. We should change that. Um, and so there was a worse, oh, wow. more offensive version to her of this day. I didn't know that. Thank you for telling me that. And, and like the yeah. fact that she had to bring up that script rewrite, it's honestly really upsetting to me that um, she had to act her way through that scene where um, the cab pulls up behind the truck at the parade and she knows the Nazis are going back there to kill two black men mm-hmm. and she has to just look the other way. And I'm like, this just doesn't work. She's a morally bankrupt CIA agent from the beginning just yes. because of all these people getting killed. And I'm like, I can't care for this character because of that. And so it just sucks to have her here. So she shouldn't be in the script. But and I don't understand why, why the CIA, like the, she, she knows that he wants the dial, but she's not a Nazi. She makes that clear. So she's like, so why 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 is they why are they she letting said, him go after the the dial? She said she said the whole reason is because they were just keeping you happy because you know the U.S. government they don't believe these things are really dangerous although they have a whole warehouse dedicated <laughs> to them yeah but they don't believe that these things are dangerous. You, the CIA agent character didn't work yeah. because she's watching too many people die and just letting it happen. Yeah. And especially when it got to like the murder of two black men behind her, I was like, there's no right. world where a black CIA agent woman in nineteen sixty nine. In 19, it, it just wouldn't happen. Yeah, it just, that makes mm-hmm. no sense. There's no way that she would be like, you can't kill the white civilians and then be like, I'm going to look the other way while these two black men get killed. Sorry, that wouldn't happen. It really sucks that they did that. Yeah, the, a lot of the side characters, I'm just like, why did you, why did you do these things? It's interesting. Yeah. I 100% agree. Like, that's... Yeah. She's a completely I mean, really horrendously mishandled character. Like the whole, not even the guy on the crutches, like the CIA guy who was on the crutches, he, when you first meet him, it's like, okay, who this Indiana guy's like, definitely killed, right? Probably. But you see him the first time, and he's totally like, you could tell, he's like, this is a man of importance. This is a guy who's upper ranking. He, that's why he yells at the two Nazi guys. He's like, hey, you guys aren't agents. You can't take care of this. We, this is our turf. And that doesn't show up again. We don't even, I don't even think we get a right. name to be perfectly no, honest. No, that's why, that's why, that's why I said, because the last time we see him, Indiana had just done his bookshelf t- tumble, and he, we see him go, ah, the, the bookshelves fall yeah. on him. I'm like, those are metal bookshelves. That man's dead. But this is also one of those things where, like, this is one of those things where, like, regardless of them being CIA, I kind of don't care because they're, you know, like, this is very much, if we're coming out with 2023 sensibilities, right, you look at them and they're like, you know, 
not not uh getting involved is still like condoning the violence that they're perpetrating yes and like you know what they're doing and you're allowing it to happen so you are also unfortunately bad people so like i i couldn't get on board with her anyway and i couldn't Mm -hmm. get on board with him anyway so it just kind of sucked to have them there you could just cut the cia part and like they're still that's uh mads mickelson's character still the guy who built the rockets that can all still be an exact thing like you don't need that cia stuff yeah Mm -hmm. Hmm. Uh, I will go to uh, agreeing with Xander that I think like a lot of the chase stuff is really fun. Yeah. Um, I really like a lot of the energy. Basically, I love Phoebe Waller-Bridge. I'll get that out right out of the way. I love her. I love Helena. I love Indy's relationship with Helena. I love that she and Teddy are basically Indy and Short Round from Temple of Doom. Yes. That's like the timeline that we're picking up with her at. She's, she's kind of naughty. Point. Right, that's that that point in her adventures and that he is recognizing in her because at that point in time, he was much more about profit than anything else. Yes. And he's recognizing in her that's who she is, but she cares about the kid just like he cared about a kid. And that's the thing that he knows means she's a good person inside. I love all that. And how that's uh, kind of drawn out of her. But again, like it also just goes back to, I think her and Ford play off each other very well. Um, mm-hmm. I think they're, they, they've just got a good energy and rapport with each other. Um, and... I guess it doesn't bother me for Indy to be a bit dour because Phoebe Waller-Bridge is there to be uh, more snappy and more adventurous. And I really like that. And I like her, especially I really like all the gag stuff with her, like uh, the man she was supposed to marry. And like, it's a good, it's a good like reversal of how Mm -hmm. she uses her sexuality versus Indy's um, as this, as this young uh, upstart that she is. And I really like her. I do like her line. Uh, you stole, you stole my ring. It didn't go for as much as I thought it would. Yes. Uh, yeah. 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 I think she's yeah. crushing it. Honestly, I, yeah. like all of her stuff, I think is crushing it. Yeah. I want to, I want to bounce off of that specifically. I have a lot to say actually. Um, but I agree. Actually, I really like Phoebe Waller-Bridge. I don't know if I really like how Helena is handled. I think I kind of had to sit on it a bit longer. I liked it more the second time I watched it because I watched it this morning. Um, I liked, I liked her character more this, this, this time, this, this second time around, but. And I do like the connection, as Sparks said, of the fact that she's very much Indiana from Temple of Doom with Short Round. And I, I think that's effectively there, especially in her background of like, here, we tried to steal this from me. Um, very similar to what happened with Short Round and Indy. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I like her. And I think she brings a lot of good energy to the movie. Um, and Harrison Ford and Phoebe Waller-Bridge clearly are doing well or, or they like each other they're clearly playing off of each other very well yeah i i as i stated on here i love temple of doom just because it's a little uh, and he's a little nastier so well, he's a little more he has a little more profit driven but still has a heart of gold kind of thing so like i really like helena like my favorite secrets in the movie is the morocco stuff where she is trying to auction shit off uh uh and she's like having a conversation with the as she's having an auction with all these criminals um that's all really fun i really i do like i agree with sparks of like her energy and vibe i'm just down for like i really i just like her presence in the movie um and uh, i like like the way she pulls one over on mads on the boat um mm-hmm. you know like well she's giving him all the information but she's like yeah but i left out the key part and like it doesn't matter because they follow them anyway but, yeah, yeah yeah but like yeah. It's, it's it's crafty it's i like the way she puts stuff behind her back i'm like this feels very good this is yes. like this this is oh this the dynamite stuff. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Yes. yeah that yeah. scene was very good yeah i really feel um, i really i really like that scene yeah but i will say when when helena is doing like the whole bit of like translating the um the graphic host and she's like the whole time thing she's probably feeding the wrong information and it kind of it felt like an old indiana jones move like something indy would pull 
on right. like say the Nazis in uh, Raiders of the Lost oh, Ark. It's very it's very thematically similar to the fight that he and Marion have to get the to get the 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 Russian soldier off guard so that Indy can can beat him up and free themselves. Like it's very mm-hmm. similar in kind of idea. Uh, she's disarming them, and honestly, that's to get into one of my other things is that's where Mads is best. I think is in that scene because he's kind of this like giddy little schoolboy being like, Oh, it's in Alexandria. Oh, it's like, he's like excited. Like she's got him and he's like excited to be the student. And that's the frankly only time I liked Mads in this movie. Okay. I will. I want to respond to that because I really like Mads a lot through most of this movie um, because he's got such a, like when he's, when he's moving and he's like taking the dial with him, he's got such a like, He's a little science. energy to him, but like he's I a nerdy think, scientist. I think yeah. he's performing it very well, but I really, I don't know if an indie villain has had a colder line than looking at a a black bellhop. Oh yeah, and saying to him, uh, "Do you feel like you won the war? The war? Do you feel like people appreciate you for winning the war?" Um, as a, as a Nazi, I was like saying that to a black man. <laughs> It's like holy well because shit because like he he was a he's a veteran who served in war and now he's like a bar hopper or right. bartender so yes. like oh are you really did you really win well and he knows like, oh God. and he knows that yeah. how racism is in yeah. in, in the states mm-hmm. and so he's like uh do you feel like you won yeah. um yeah uh i strongly i really i really like matt's performance i don't always like how he's written but i do like his performance yeah uh, i think he's performing very well just to kind of just to kind of clarify i think is is very he's very good mads mikkelsen is very good and he is very good in this and he performs this kind of tweety scientist nazi very fun very funny and very fun but i don't think he's given enough in the script which is weird because we spend more time with him than we have every indiana jones villain outside of elsa mm. and uh, i will i don't I think that I don't really think that he's given a lot here. I want to highlight what I think accentuates how good Mads is, which is when the the in the end of the movie and the the they're on the plane and everything has gone wrong and like there's no line given to Mads about this, but you see him just like grabbing his the side of his head and pushing his hair up as like he he has lost his ability to deal with the situation. Anymore. I can't be here. And and while I think it's absolutely nuts and I don't understand it, why Boyd Holbrook's character is just like I'm gonna fire out the window of this plane and not care that it's going. <laughs> yeah, down what is he doing? And not grab a parachute or anything. I 100% believe why Mads' character is doing that because yeah. his whole his whole thing has just crumbled apart in front his of his entire life. And he he's playing that so well visually that he is just like completely lost. Yeah. So so you mm-hmm. pretty much hit kind of what I was gonna say. Uh is that I like his character the most in both that hotel scene. Yeah. And at the very end. Yeah. Where he's I, lost it. I feel like he loses me throughout the film. Yeah. It's not that he's bad or no. like a bad character. It's just I feel like there's not as much there to hold on to. Yes. Whereas the other two have such poignant scenes with like, you know, his his actual ideals and then like him going full blow Nazi. Yeah. And it, it gives him something to work with. He, he definitely starts really strong and ends really strong. But the middle, he's kind of just like generic villain yeah and like he loses some of the the tweety nerdy personality uh it shows up but it is kind of like oh now i'm just for an hour of this movie i'm just nazi man 
I'm like, yeah, you you lose. Like, I wish he was kind of like the nerdy scientist guy throughout more of the movie. Like, mm. he, like he is not a fighter. He's a scientist. That'd be fun. To, to, see. to be honest with you, I feel like he he's just not given enough dialogue opportunities yeah. for it. And part of that is because like he shares, I think, too much space with Boyd Holbrook, who is you know a talent in his own. Chewing and it like, up. it's nice to have both, but the fact that they have to be together so much of the time, right? It doesn't true. give. A, other yeah. than when it's when Indy's not there or Helena's not there, right? When it's just the Two of them, I'm like, that's fine because then they're playing off each other. But, um, you know, opportunities for dialogue against Indy and Helena is taken away from him that's because true. you have these other talents in the room. And I think that that hurts his ability to get lines. Yeah. That being said, what I wanted to cover is that I really love his motivation, which is I could do it better. Yeah. I need to kill yes. Hitler and do it better. And yes. I think that's yeah. so, it's such a good, like, uh, you know, the general, like, I would go back in time and kill Hitler, like, response. And he's yeah. like, yes, I want to go back in time and kill Hitler to do a better job. Yeah. <laughs> and that was, I wasn't expecting it. I really, I was like, oh, it's the classic, go back in time, win the war. I was worried. I was really worried we were just going to go back to, like, 1945 and it's just going to be reliving yeah. the hits. Like, like Avengers Endgame style. And I'm like, yeah, that's what I was really scared about. And luckily it wasn't that. It was yeah. so good. It was so good to see kind of that twist where it's like, no, I'm going to be in charge. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, this is so well done. And again, it gives him more character to work with. Mm -hmm. You know, I just, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's weird. He's a weird character for me to say that I really liked because it's uneven. It's uneven. Yeah. Because I have these moments that I'm like, this is great. And then a lot of kind of like, eh. which again is kind of how I feel about Helena. I, yeah. there's there's like some moments that she has the one with the dynamite um you know some of her interactions with indy all constantly constantly thirsting constantly thirsting <laughs> all of her interactions um with uh teddy, teddy. teddy. all of them i, I love think teddy man they they've i'm like wow it, this is so good the little like pull you know it's like hey are you calling the shots anymore it's like, no, of course I'm in charge. Come over here. Oh, yeah, one sec. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, it's, there's a lot of humor there. It's very funny. I'm like, yes, this is great. And there's other stuff about her character that I'm a little like, I don't know. I feel like the idea of her being more like Indy and, and the stuff that you kind of covered, to me, is having to have something else do some lifting that isn't in the film itself. I have seen, and I don't know if I totally agree with this because there is a lot of that because Harrison Ford is, is really is as old as he is. He can't be the main focus of the action anymore, and that mm. is true. But but to say that he does no action in this movie, I think is is a disservice to the movie. I think that's true. I think yes. I think he yeah. is driving enough. I think he does get enough fights. Now he is not as doing as much action as he was in the other movies. That's for sure. Yeah. But like he's 80 he's, he's also 80, 80. <laughs> and like he does like he does still get into fights and he's not like 40 kicking ass yeah. he's 80 he's also like and he he gets like two he, solid right hooks yeah three he three. knocks void on his ass three times yeah and you'd think that boy would learn he gets <laughs> no yeah he's pissed Indy. about it like there's a guy yeah. there's a guy in the in the in the auction that lands in front of him and Andy has no reason to do this because this dude just flew on his ass got hit got punched by some other dude landed in front of him and indy has a moment where i know that's probably just like kind of messy choreography but what it looks like is he indy sees the guy thinks about it turns back to the guy and just slugs him in the face and then runs away and it's just some dude that did nothing to indiana jones 
Which also, like, honestly, in that kind of chaotic scene, that feels very Jones. Who do I fight? Just like, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, so uh, I, I, I think that that the advantage you have. I think that the advantage you have, what was smart about the attempt to do this story with Indy kind of being in this place where he has to be brought out of it, is that it allows Helena to not feel like she's just copying the energy of Indiana Jones. Mm -hmm. cool. Nor do I feel like they're trying to make her exactly like young Indy, but they yeah, are yeah. trying to capture some of the spiritualness of it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't feel like you have just someone being in his shadow, which is sometimes what it felt like Mutt was doing in yeah. Crystal mm -hmm. Skull. Mm -hmm. And like, because Indy's in a different place and being a fully realized character in a different place, she's allowed to kind of occupy some of that energy and dynamic yeah. that Indy isn't. So here's here's my problem with that. It's weird to say I have a problem with it because you make sense. Okay. <laughs> sure. But I like Helena's character more after discussing and recontextualizing some stuff than I did when I first saw it. Mm -hmm. But there's still a reason I didn't like her character a lot when I saw her mm -hmm. in the movie. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like both of these points have validity. Like, I'm I'm way more Team Helena now right. than I was... Pre-conversation. Pre-conversation. Yeah, yeah. You know, because I'm like, yeah, no, a lot of the points you're saying make sense. But my experience with it, I didn't gather any of that. Yeah, yeah. You know, and on some point, that might have to be with either, you know, like, how my, my recency of watching the other Indiana Jones movies, it's been a couple years for me. Sure. Um, or, you know, really delving into the character. But, like... There's certain stuff like um, I was talking to you about it before. Um, her going to auction off the dial, or mm -hmm. I'm like, why'd it have to be the dial? I agree with Xander that I don't really get what this beat is, um, only because she knows. To me, it's confusing because she knows she's being pursued by the Nazis, mm -hmm. and I'm like, why is the instinct to take the thing your father is obsessed with and that you memorized his journals about and sell it when you know the Nazis are after it? I, I, that's a little strange i just I, don't know yeah. what the beat was i to be. thought it was a thing of because she has the information she doesn't think she needs it all so she'll get rid of it to stop the tracking so, so they'll try, someone else will get tracked maybe yeah but it's only, getting yeah but it's only half the dial so she would ultimately need that half back again yeah. right and if any of this was the case i'd rather it be at least shown yeah oh yeah sure yeah you know and yeah. and stuff like that you know like Again, a, a, the other scene that bothered me with her, you know, joking a bit and then Indy being like, my friend just died. Mm -hmm. It's like, I would have rather her address that. Yeah. You know, bring something to it. And, and well, I guess she's not as, you know, maybe emotionally present for him because they, they're they still rocky at that point with each other. Yeah. You know, but it... Maybe maybe I'm being too generous sure. on the read of that. and um, I, And I'll admit that. But like, I, I think part of the point is that she didn't know the guy. Right. And to her, it doesn't hold that. Like, she's just excited that she pulled this off yeah. right. and that they got away. And Indy grounds her. It's not like she ignores what he says after that. Mm. She, you know, she... They're just on different ways. She brings herself right. back down. But, like, you know, it's it's important to have Indy say that line. I don't think that's done thoughtlessly. Like, Indy says that line after she's so excited about something because it's supposed to kind of reconnect her and recalibrate her mm. to like what's emotionally at stake that these things are real mm. like lives are lost in the balance of this indy's used to that she isn't yeah right so just to kind of like wrap up my arc of hating helena <laughs> um 
the last thing that really gets me is that once they are in starts with the th tangiers tangiers or just a t <laughs> um silent h you're right it's in there somewhere um you know they're she has the moment with teddy they have their oh who's really in charge thing and i feel like the moment that she gets with indy in the tomb where they find everything didn't really have enough for me to make that bridge of her having her issues with him and then her caring so deeply for him sure. and wanting him to come back and not stay in the past and it's like they're both they both make sense both those spaces make sense yeah. i understand the feelings behind them i understand the you know the context i just i really wanted something that felt like there's this connection there's this spot that i didn't really get sure. between um, those spaces may i real quick and then i want to shut up because i want brandon brandon to talk more about the movie but um <laughs> i i uh, thank you i just thank vindication uh, uh. <laughs> tangier is a very nerd thing um uh in in relation to just the beat we were talking about right mm -hmm. um she doesn't recognize the significance of the fact that Antonio Banderas just died. Um, right. And she Great. has been, she has been bonding with Indy on the boat. I think the moment where there is a big turn, it's very clear on Helena's faces when he tells the story. That's very emotional. Made me cry in the theater about he would go back and stop his son from enlisting in the war. Right. Um, yes. When she starts to connect to that, the thing that makes her deeply connect and care about Indy is Indy gets shot. And she knows that that, shot could kill him and they're going to take him and he's saying get out of here because he's making the choice that she's more important yes that right and so if you want to call it like it's subtext in the film rather than they're making it completely overt for the first time someone she has now connected to whether she was intending to or not right is now in danger right and she knows what that means it's her awakening so i saw the scene where he tells her about his son yeah to me as indy opening up right and have the because they both have walls against each other mm -hmm. and that's his his is crumbling and i hadn't really seen hers and that moment where that happens right and no i think you're right i think that gunshot is that moment and i think that when i saw it i just didn't read it as that because mm -hmm. it's like that's when it becomes real to helena right. in a direct way that she connects with because she is a walled off person right I think she also views him like, again, like she's not him since she was a child, that he's like this legendary guy, like this legendary Indiana Jones. Right. And he just got and shot he, in front and of he her. Can't, and he can't get hurt. Yeah. Like other mm. people will get hurt, but no one else, he's not yeah. going to get hurt. The wildest part about all of this is that I think after this, if I watch it again, I'm going to like it so much more. Yeah. Um, See, you're not like, I, I have heard other people say like they didn't really connect with Helena. So like, I, you're, I don't think like, not that you didn't, but like other people have had problems with her too. It's not like like people think she's perfect. So like, you know, you're, you're sub valid too. And other people just hate women. So it's also true. Uh, I've never spoken to her. <laughs> ben, throw out anything you got about Helena. Uh, honestly, I love Helena. I Hell thought yeah. she, I thought that she was a great. Um, she was. I don't want to say that she was a replacement for my. Obviously not, but obviously she was like the, the character where Indy is like, oh, I where Indy realizes that he screwed up because the whole time when we like when we first meet her, she's like this prim proper, like just graduated from Oxford. She's an archaeologist. She's just 
like what I love how the trailers kind of give you the misdirect of you think that she's on she's on her father's um she's just completing her father's work. Nope, she's this criminal. She likes stealing things, she's going for profit. She's just like you said. I love how there's a big misdirect for that. And for her, it's just like all these artifacts, all this stuff for her is just big dollar signs in her mm-hmm. eyes. And Actually, one of the scenes I really want to talk about is the end scene where they're in Syracuse in the past where they meet Archimedes. And can we wait? We can wait. Can we wait to talk about that? Because I feel like that deserves like a big moment. Okay, sure. we can we can wait. Okay, but, then hold off on that. All right, put a pin in that. Um, we really are variants. But really, <laughs> but really for, for Helena, it was just like, this is where Indy failed kind of i don't want to say where indy failed as a dad but where he failed as a father figure and <laughs> helena can be his redemption whereas like the scene in the boat where he talks about his son whereas like i wanted to tell him and i didn't have that time with him now he has this time with helena and he could maybe not 100 percent fix it but at least he can do something right at least he could put her on a better path Yep. Right. To your point, Ben, like it's something I'll acknowledge. I, I do wish that the script of the film was doing a little bit more work on is that, you know, they mention it, it's there, but the direct parallelism between her and his son and like his connection to them um, is, I don't think directly addressed on Indy's front in the way that I wish it was um, because I really like the bit in the tuck tuck chase where she says like, he's like how did you even become this way and she's like oh yeah if only there was someone whose job it was to look after me after my father was gone what is a godfather anyway like (laughs) i i like that it's very much calling him out on like this Mm -hmm. thing and and dredging it up um in in his way of kind of failing her too it Uh, is funny that he has the same mark as han solo that's all i'm saying and i and i just don't i don't think that the script fully resolves on on that in a direct way that I kind of wish it did mm-hmm. for him. Yeah. Um, but I'm glad that it at least broaches the subject that it's there. Yeah. And yeah. and just on another note, I also really like that, you know, another person that we're given for Indy's failure in here, it's, it's one of the reasons I really like that we do the secondary flashback, which is to when he takes the dial from her father mm-hmm. is, uh, is that he treats him, even worse in a way, but the same way that he was treating his dad pre last crusade, right? This is an obsession and I don't understand it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and like that line, I really do like the exchange where later he's like, your father was a genius. And she's like, yeah, yeah. I know. And like Indy didn't appreciate that. And like, it's, it's this kind of thing where like, Indy's a great hero, but he's always been like a human and he's always been fallible and he's yeah. made mistakes. And there are deep mm-hmm. emotional mistakes here that mm-hmm. he's dealing with. Yeah. Yeah, one more thing I want to say before we move on to something else, and this is just a me criticism. Um, I'm kind of, I'm just a little bit upset they didn't mention short round, like the scene yeah, where no, they're, yeah, on the, they're on the, yeah, they're on the bridge, and they're like, yeah, Cobb tries. So I was like, mention, say, just say his name, just say his name, just give me some form of closure I, that short round is doing okay and nothing. I'm like, damn it, you had a chance and you missed it. I, I agree because like there's also this idea of like we're seeing the parallelism in her taking care of this kid. And it's like what about the kid, the other other kid you left behind, Indy? Um, Just a mention. And to me, it was a thing where I'm like, man, like it's such a shame that like they obviously of their own volition weren't thinking of Kiyo Kwan at all. Yeah. Because Antonio Banderas is cool. Love seeing him. There's no reason the friend that he contacts for help getting the boat arranged couldn't have been short round. Yeah. 
which would have made just a semblance of sense. I wouldn't have wanted him to get shot. Yeah. I'm sure that if it was short round, they wouldn't have. But like, uh, mm. but but the thing is, like, wouldn't that have made a deeper, like, and added to what the arc of these, like, their relationships with protecting kids and yeah. connecting with uh, other people who they've watched struggle is? And like, mm -hmm. they just went for Antonio Banderas, who's great. I love him. He's a great character. He's a great performer. I'm really glad he's there. That's fun. It could have been short round. Actually, got yeah. to play a Spaniard for once, even though he's in Greece. Right, Greek re representation, love it. I'm glad they didn't try to make him a Greek. Yeah. <laughs> you guys are mentioning the action sequences quite a bit. I want to go back there if that's if um, unless you guys want to talk more about Helena, because I don't really have much more to add than what you guys already said. No, I think we covered her pretty well. Yeah, I'm. I've moved on. I disagree with the action sequences. I actually don't think the two chase sequences are very good. Um, the one through New York and then the one through Tangier. Um, I think they are fine, um, but there is just a way that Mangold shoots them. And look, I'm sorry to do this. Mangold is not Spielberg. I get it. But this is an Indiana Jones film and there is a visual language to Indiana Jones that I was that sometimes you can see Mangold copying in the action sequences, specifically in the Tangiers chase, which was released as a clip, which is when they they round the corner and then the camera swoops in from the other corner and follows them. But then after that, it's close up, medium shot, close up, uh, blurry backgrounds on CGI motions. And I'm like, this is kind of they're fine. I I don't mean to say this is like a they're 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 terrible. I don't think so. Yeah. I I just they're just weren't as dynamic as I wish they would be. No, yeah, I I I, I like the action scenes, but I do agree with you. Like, there's uh, I retweeted something that like I've I've never seen this put into words uh, like so perfectly. It's like movies used to look more real before technology existed that made things look real. Hmm. Before CGI existed, practical effects they look good because they're real. Whether it's a monster, whether it's a set, whatever, like it that's actually there. So no matter how good your CGI is, whether they is, went and filmed the thing that's actually put on the green screen, yes, and then just put it there. Yeah, whether volume or not, yeah, absolutely. Like like old school filmmaking will always always look better than modern filmmaking when you're dealing with big special effects because just computer generated things, just like and especially this movie, which is like one of the most expensive movies ever made. This should look better. This should just look better, to be honest. And so what's so interesting about this is to call back to another James Mangold film, because I think he's a very diverse filmmaker, honestly. I think Ford v. Ferrari and Logan, very different movies. Um, Night and Day, very funny. Not 310 to Yuma movie. rules. Yeah, 310 to Yuma. Like, there, there are he can clearly balance between different genres um, and different tones. And I think here... And and he can film chase sequences dynamically. I think the Ford v Ferrari sequences, the race sequences, are beautiful and filmed very excitingly. And I didn't feel that about these. Sure. Uh, which is a bummer because I, you know, some of the best action sequences in cinema are Indiana Jones sequences, and I don't think yeah. this continues the legacy. I think of the minecart sequence in Temple, and I'm oh. like, shit, man, yeah. incredible shit. Uh, miniatures, real people, real sets, all that shit. And then, like, again, even though I like these scenes, like, there are times where I'm like, yeah, that's definitely green screen. Like, I know that. And that's, again, that's like, that's, I wish, like, in, I wish a movie like this could just be a practical movie, but that's not the world we live in. It's not to true. throw a positive in there, just before, before, because, like, I do think some se sequences within the chase sequences are fun. Like, when Indiana jumps from one track to the next and the train's right behind him. I think that's very funny. Um, and then there's the, uh, there's the, how he gets rid of the, the, 
the dude's car when he like driving in uh, thinner and thinner uh, yeah. hallways mm-hmm. and then the car. I think that's very fun. So there, right, right, right. there are sequences within the chase sequences that I quite like and find very fun. But overall, I just kind of found them fine. Hold my horse. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's good. Subway's faster. Uh, yeah. The the thing with me with that first, I had no idea how expensive this movie was to make. Oh, Three hundred million. I had I had no idea because yeah. it did not look like three hundred million. Yeah, it didn't. Yeah. Um. So you know that does put in a point of perspective. <laughs> I'll grant that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. As far as the chase scenes, and I think here's a reason I enjoy them so much, is because to me. After what after what you said, Brandon, to me, yes, they're not as good as the best of Indiana Jones chase scenes. Uh, they're not. I, I don't really. I can't really argue that. They still feel better than most other chase scenes, mm-hmm. at least in anything I've seen recent memory. Sure. So that's why I tried to like. That's why I didn't. That's why I tried to pivot away from comparing these to. to past indiana jones chase sequences because that that's a tough bar right this is not a spielberg indiana jones directed film it's a tough bar to hit it's a tough uh visual language to recreate uh evidently and what we uh, so i tried to be like well go to mangold's previous film just the film he did before he filmed this for the ferrari very dynamic chase uh it's not a chase it's a race like not necessarily the same kind of visual language but it's very dynamically filmed which is why i was so surprised going into this one being like oh but i've seen you do better i don't know why you didn't okay i do i do i think they talk talk uh tuk 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 say both the tuk tuk uh race um (laughs) i did I did find the speed to be like I did. It did seem they're going really fast, especially when they're turning corners. Those things are going like, and I'm like, that, man, that it looks like they're going really fast. Uh, so like, I the sense of speed for that chase, I really really liked. Because um, uh, we're talking about like just the the production quality, visual look of the film, I do have to admit that I think this is the Disney produced live action movie that has finally broken me. Um, in terms of, yeah. uh, I can't, I can't take this look anymore yeah um and it's it's gonna be tough for me when we get around to haunted mansion because i'm certainly gonna see haunted mansion and i'm gonna be like well here we are i think um because going from the trailers i think it looks it does look a little better no i don't think so i think we're so here's at least the colors are different they're different because it's dark but it's the same (laughs) bright blues of the spirits are not as bright as they should be no you're right things like that you're right the point being like kind of seeing this and little mermaid at the same time. And then having recently seen the original trilogy, Indiana Jones films. Yeah. Like it's very clear how director of photography and lighting designers and all that for the original trilogy gave it such a look, such a distinct depth of shadow and light. And this looks exactly the same as little mermaid in color and Thor love and thunder and all of that, and I've kind of accepted that the MCU just kind of looks a certain way, but the rest of Disney live action, it's like they apply what's called a LUT in editing, and what it does is it basically limits how bright your colors can get and how high up your lighting can get and how low it can get. And so it just has to stay in this range, and it's like they put this on every single live action movie they do now, and with this one, I was like, boy, this bums me out. Yeah. Um, Because I feel like that's not mangled. Um, that's not Mangold's fault. 
it's not his call. This is a Disney problem. It is a very specific Disney look that they're all kind of trapped into this visual range of like, we all look like this now. And it sucks to see an Indiana Jones movie put into that. James Gunn just left too. <laughs> the the thing that I, I, I want to uh, bounce off of that, because I agree sparks with that. Um, it, it didn't bother me as much in the daytime sequences, though I did notice it. It is noticeable. It's the nighttime sequences where I think Secret Invasion broke me, if I'm honest. If I'm thinking back on my Secret Invasion review, admitting that like I'm kind of tired of natural lighting being used in nighttime sequences because it's just black on black. It's just dark. Yeah. The nighttime sequences in Indiana Jones, both in the beginning, at the very beginning, and uh, uh, during the uh, when the plane with the plane sequence, it, um, no more natural lighting, please. Let's 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 make these let's light our nighttime sequences. Like let's, let's do look this like again. Movies again. Yeah, let's look like movies again. Yeah, yeah. Do let's, anybody? Let's, let's, <laughs> right. And so, like, let's please can we can we can we get away from this natural lighting for 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 film, especially at nighttime sequences? Because like, you look at like like there's a choice like nope to look the way it does, and then there's this which is well we didn't put a flood lamp because that's not natural well and it's not just but it's not just that it's this color filtration thing that's definitely happening in post and it's something where like it's it's definitely a studio decision because you're right like things can be filmed differently and they can they can change the lighting and how things would look in filming but there's something definitely happening in post here because this is happening all the time it's literally like you are pasting this type of filter Again, it's like an Instagram filter over all of these studios' movies to make them look consistently the same. And I don't get why, because yeah. we're not doing Kingdom Hearts one day. Yeah. So like I don't know why they all have to look the Could same. Could you imagine? Some somewhere somewhere in some studio executive or like, you know, assistant or whatever, there is somebody that wrote down that specific color choice as a studio note. And then kept giving the same note over and over again to every single production. So they just made a filter for it. Yeah. It, it, it's one of those things where um, the trailer for Haunted Mansion played for this. And it said from the studio that brought you Pride of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl. And I sat there after thinking about Dial Destiny and how it looked. And I'm like, I can't believe that Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl that came out as 20 years ago like that it did ago. is more vibrantly colorful and of a visual dynamic range in line with the Indiana Jones trilogy than this Indiana Jones movie That's, that they made. Dude, uh, uh, Indiana Jones, uh, 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 Pirates of the Caribbean, that is another big blockbuster with like pr like production value, passion, like actual, like, yep. that's like, can, let's go do that again. Let's do that again. Come on. And obviously Mangold is passionate about doing this type of movie. Look, for better or worse, this is, for the most part, the movie he wanted to make. Uh, this is yeah. like he, this is a James Mangold Indiana Jones film through and through. I feel, um, and for better or worse, uh, yeah. it, it, there is definitely a studio interference happening. As Sparks is saying, like when we get to the edit for these to look uniform, and that's that that's creating an issue because you're you're satur you're saturating your filmmaker's voice, right. Right. And we've seen that we've seen great filmmakers come along, and this happened to them too. In a lot, yeah. uh, in all the, a lot of other studio productions that they're making, and it's like, why does it keep turning into this? 
awful. I'm, I, it makes me so curious about his Star Wars movie because I wonder if this was, again, like, all right, you make the Indiana Jones movie that we want and then you can make your Star Wars movie. I hope it's something like that because if this is... I don't want another potential, like, James Mangold studio movie because, uh, like, Logan is, feels a little different than, than this does. Right now. Yeah. Um, I want to... Before we go on to the finale of the the film, I kind of want to get uh, Ben in on this and and talk about like you know it's a rather long section of the movie, um, the opening, um, and just mm-hmm. what they did with it. And I was just about to go there. Uh, yeah, I, I I really like it overall. Like we already talked about like the de aging, and and I agree with what Xander said, which is that it, you know it never really ended up distracting to me, and sometimes it it was damn impressive. Um, and I really I really like the the energy of it in terms of like classic indiana jones stuff that you're getting like with the wearing the uniform and they see the the bullet hole which Mm -hmm. is how they know that he's sneaking around and all that kind of stuff i i really like his uh dynamics with toby jones and some of the train on top of the train stuff and traveling through the cars bits are all really solid i i had fun with it um and uh i i think it maybe goes a little long but i do think like it's valuable for um the relationship uh, of Helena and Indy, like retroactively established via his connection to her father, like it really does cement that mm-hmm. as as something solid for this movie to take off from. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. overall, I think this movie is too long, um, and I think this opening I is agree. also a little too long. Um, but I do agree with Sparks in a lot of places here. I think the opening is a lot of fun. It's very, it does. You know, Mangold said this is my attempt to make a, a classic Indiana Jones adventure, and I think for the most part he 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 does. He kind of yeah. he kind of nails it. I don't think visually it looks as good as it should, um, and this is just something that I would notice. But it's it's clear when this is a joke. This is a joke. Um, it's clear that when he's um, when he's the stuntman because he doesn't run like Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford has a very specific run. Yes. Yes. Um, I definitely know it's from like that's not Harrison. Do you guys Ford. know who um other than like the big stunts who the body double was for Harrison for most no. of this? It's the guy from Age of Adeline who played the young version oh, of him. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah. Who oh. got like famous for doing the impressions of him oh, and looking funny. like him. He is the body double anytime it's not a severe stunt. So yeah, so sometimes physically it definitely you can tell it's not him. Uh, but most of the time it works. I will say yeah. for me. Uh, his voice never worked. I knew it was an 80-year-old man the entire time. Uh, it, it, it was, wow, you know, and you're, he's supposed to be like in his 40s. I'm like, okay. Someone someone definitely put, pointed this out really well. I didn't have a problem with that anymore because I've seen the alternative, and that's AI. Yeah. I recorded dialogue, and I'm like, you know what? I'm okay. I just, I, I don't know. I figured they could have done something. I like. I thought, I thought he was helped out by the fact that Harrison's always been a little gruff. Mm. Um, and it didn't. It didn't most of the time. Really, I didn't hear the age. I heard more gruffness sure. in it than you usually would. But I didn't hear it to like the point of this is age. I think an, an amount of that is just kind of knowing that it is. I think there's a couple I, lines specifically. Sorry, Ben, real quick. A couple lines that are just a really. He sounds like he's eighty. Not every line. Some are really, really bad. I would agree. I would. I would agree with Ryan. I heard the age. Um, honestly, it didn't really bother me all that much because because uh, just. I like rated. I would rather have the real Harrison Ford talk instead of an AI duplicate. Um, I do. I will say I'll meet you on the fact that yes, the opening is long, but it's not a boring long. It's not like right. too big. Honestly, this whole opening sequence to me felt like Last Crusade in a way, where it's like you get a younger ver. I mean, in, in this case, concerns how he's eighty the rest of the movie, you get a younger version of Indiana Jones. I was 
laughing a whole lot with uh, when they bring out the Spear of Longinus for a hot second, only to realize it's a fake, especially since the, that was last week's book club. Yeah, I was about uh, to bring that up. I thought that was kind of fun. That's kind of a fun <laughs> parallel that, that just yeah, happened. Yeah, that was. I thought that was great, but also just the whole train scene with Indy just going through, getting in one mess after another. I thought I was like, this is like, this is Indiana Jones Murphy's Law, where if something can go happen, well, like I love how when the anti-air gun just falls on the side and just shoots a bunch of the train oh, that was cars. radical. That I, was I cool. do, I do like the kind of setup that he's not there looking for, not specifically the spear. But like these artifacts in general need to be right. need to not be taken by the Nazis. Yeah. Right. But it also turns and, out that most of them were fake anyway. No, they're all the they're all real except for the spear. The spear is fake. And didn't know that the dial was there mm-hmm. uh, until he has his expert friend find it out. Oh, um, yeah. And I like them kind of like coming towards each other as points on on the map. It, it, it's true. Like, I think I'm thinking of, like, the length of the movie. I don't think that this section necessarily needs to be cut down. I, I really rather like it. Um, so, oh, go ahead if you want to say more. Uh, Mads Mikkelsen needed more of a clear head injury on his face. For Mads sure. gets yes. hit smack in the face. With a I thought he was <laughs> dead. Yeah, I, dead. I definitely thought because we were doing time travel stuff, that was a match from like the future or something. Because I, I, bar- I didn't even notice it until like halfway through the movie. I was like, oh right, that dude should be have like half his head removed. It's because oh, yeah. he gets he gets smacked. There was the the person the person next to me the second time I saw it was was uh because his partner went to the bathroom and came back and he said the dude got hit by the train is alive. What? What? Yeah. Um, <laughs> he was flying. He was flying. So um, I think it's very funny that Indiana Jones teams up with Arnim Zola to fight Baron von Strucker. It's true. Yeah, sure. The second I was like, man, that guy just plays every bad German in every movie. The yeah. thing is, like, I kept I kept trying to think about like I guess the I guess really the only two things I know this guy from are the Captain from King Kong and Strucker from Age of Ultron. Right. Yeah. I'm sure he's done a bunch of other stuff, but we don't see it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, so yeah, I, I do like, I do like the, the opening intro. I think it's, I think it is fun. I think that it kind of, it kind of exemplifies, oh, go ahead. Sorry, just while we're, I, I really wanted to highlight this. Um, when the Paramount logo came up and then went away, I was like, oh damn, they're not going to do it. Ugh. And then it was the Lucasfilm logo and it turns into a lock. And I was like, very cheeky, very I cheeky. Didn't, I, I didn't want it. <laughs> No, we have, now, wanted, we, now we have an un, now we have four out of five Paramount logos, and the last yeah, one. Yeah, I'm oh. glad they still did a logo into a thing. Sure, I'm I'm glad they still did a logo into a thing. I wasn't gonna bring this up, but since you brought it up, um, I'm glad they still did a logo into a uh, the a thing into a logo. I think that logo into a thing, whatever. Um, I think that's that's fun, but this is an association with Paramount Pictures, and Paramount Pictures has their logo just before that, and I'm like. You missed it. You missed your opportunity to do that. I do. I do understand it. I just. I. I also get why they didn't do it. Is. Is you know Paramount has so little to do with this movie. I get at this it. Point. It's. It's buying five trades of a comic book, and the fifth trade has different lettering, so it looks different. That's what mm, this is. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, you just you could have just done the nice thing and just did what everyone else did to make it like cool. But like, I get it. I get it, Lucasfilm. You got to be special. I get it. I. The, I will use this to kind of bounce into another issue I have, which is the pacing of this film, because I think the, I think the middle especially drags this movie down. Yeah. And mm-hmm. Mangold talked about his 
influence like Spielberg told him with an Indiana Jones film, always be moving. And you look at the Indiana Jones films, they're all fast paced adventures and, and under two hours, uh, a little over two hours sometimes. Um, but they're around two hours. This one is two and a half. And I think the pacing, I think it slows down too much um, in quite a few places. And I kind of wish that we had ramped up the pacing a bit more or slowed it down. If you wanted to be a more meditative Indiana Jones, maybe don't go the half measure and just slow it down more. But yeah. I don't know if I would want that, honestly. See, the thing is, is like, I think if we didn't have an almost 30 minute of prologue sequence, this it wouldn't be a problem. But like, that is an almost like, it's a 25 minute opening sequence. That's that's like a third of a regular movie almost. You know what I mean? So like, you still have another two hours of movie. So like, I personally don't even think I have a problem with the middle part if I still, if I didn't have just watched 30 minutes of another movie, basically. So like I don't I personally don't have a lot of issues that but like just knowing that there was 30 minutes is like it's just a long movie but I don't think any of it's like I don't have any pacing issues it's just a long movie that like I could have I didn't I didn't love the opening as much as you guys but I liked it but I'm like that's a long that's almost 30 minutes y'all that's crazy. Yeah. I want to also say there's a there's a line in the middle that I want to just quickly mention that I liked which is when they're about to dive and they're like, what are and Helena points in the water? And like, what are those sharks? No eels, eels. They look like snakes. And then he just turns around. No, they don't. No, they don't. No, they yeah. don't. Uh, it's a good bit. It's a really good way to bring the snake thing back and not feel like this is another thing. I think the movie's very good at not, not giving into like nostalgia shit for nostalgia sake. I feel like every, every little nod, every little thing that does come up that is like, you know, recapturing an indie joke or a reference or something like that. It all belongs in this. It wasn't story. overly. It doesn't, it doesn't feel like it's just done there to yeah. be done there. There's one reference in this movie that I actually really liked to the Last Crusade, which is when yeah. Helena first meets Indy, and and Indy says, "Why would you want to chase the thing that drove your father crazy?" And Helena says, "Like, what, wouldn't you?" you? Yeah, and right. calling back to Last Crusade, where he yeah. does he does go after the Grail. Like, oh, that's actually a really good callback to that movie. And then the Blood of Kali bit is fun too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, ben, take mm -hmm. us to Syracuse. Time fissure, time fissure, oh, and, 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 and very last because I didn't mention anything about this, mm -hmm. and I wasn't a part at all about this part of the conversation. Oh, and that's deliberate <laughs> because sure the movie maybe might have been long. I would have changed nothing about the opening. Yeah, I wouldn't have shortened it. Yeah, it was my favorite part of the movie. Oh yeah, and really well done. And I just I had I have no actual comments about it except hey i really liked that yeah so i just I, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna close it with that i love it cool so the scene in syracuse obviously is i want to talk about is the part where indy is he's shot he's bleeding out he looks at archimedes and he's begging helena to let him go and just to stay in syracuse and witness history the more i reflect on that scene the more i feel like indy has become his dad in a weird sense. And I'm trying to find some sort of correlation between his dad in last crusade where, you know, his dad says, no, let go, like, let go of the grail. But at the same time, Indy is still like, he has like a moment, like where his dad was like, I'm witnessing history. I've studied about this my entire life. And here I am witnessing firsthand. This is the best thing ever. And Helena is kind of like the Indy rules. Like we got to get, we got to get going. But I just, First, I'm trying to figure out why I feel I feel that like Indy became his dad for a hot second, and it be and it's a bit of a full circle moment for Indy where where um, Helena finally punches him out and brings him back to the to the, to his because, time. Because to be honest with you, Ben, it it's kind of Indy 
starting to fail the test again, right? Mm-hmm. Helena has to be his dad from the last crusade. He's reaching for the grail when he shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Like he's going to stay in history and there's no nobody needs him in history. In fact, history really needs him to not stay. Yeah. But uh he's convinced that there's nobody who needs him anymore in the in and like he doesn't see what change has happened in Helena right now. Yeah. That she needs him. Yeah. Which is the thing that she's struggling to say. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the main point I'm trying to get at is I absolutely love that scene. I think Harrison is bringing it. I think Helena is um, Helena is bringing it. Um, I I just like the guy who's playing Archimedes because he's just standing there going, I don't know what's going on here. I'm just meeting these two people from the future. This is pretty cool. But the scene, but the the big emotional beat for Indiana Jones is like, I'm just I'm just done. Where mm-hmm. he just feels like he is done, and Helena is bringing it back yeah there's two things specifically that i want to bring up that you were that you were talking about which is one is a very good parallel to the beginning when he's teaching because we see that he still loves teaching which is really nice like he he's excited to talk about this especially when helena starts answering his questions back like he's just like right and how do we know about this and what do we what do we do here like look at this stuff i i wanted to actually reference that later but like um, you brought it up now so like i what i like in the teaching thing is that he isn't 100% there anymore like he still loves history right but he doesn't have the mojo to connect with the kids anymore like that's part of the point is the kids aren't engaging with him because he's not making it as engaging as as he would back in the day yeah right like he's he's kind of just going through it because he feels like again he's kind of like that's the that's the grander scope of the like putting it with the moon landing thing right like he feels like he has no place in this anymore he's kind of given up but you're right about helena once she starts responding to it 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 brings him back it's it's what starts bringing him back into it he loves history he loves talking about history but he hasn't had anybody like wanting to connect with him and he's kind of shut himself down yeah inside of it he's going through the motions and what i like about that is the parallel when he when we see here's the thing I love the ending. If not for just the fact that it's really wild and I'm glad they took the swing. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm because like, yeah, okay. He goes to, he goes back in time, which for some reason feels like a larger step than anything we've seen here and probably is thematically, but it, it just, it, it works for me because I kind of would rather you go for it than not. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I like the, I like the moment where he's just kind of like, this is the st- this is what I am. I am history. I've I learned history. I I teach history. This is me being able to experience history. This is this is where I belong now. And Helena has to tell him like, no, it's not. You you still belong back home. Yeah. Uh, please. So the issues I've had with the movie are in the middle. I the opening of the movie I really like. Mm-hmm. The ending of the movie. I really like. Yeah. I have almost nothing at the end of the movie where I'm like, oh, I don't know, maybe this, maybe that. Yeah, and yeah. In, in in general, I'm like, it's super good. My only issue with the ending is them saying that the dial was always meant to bring them there. Oh no, I so love that. that. No, that's, that's oh no, so I love that. No, no, yeah, right, right. And the thing is, like, here's here's the 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 thing. I understand why you love it. And I'm sure you're going to tell me as well. But for me, I loved the idea of Indy being like, you're not accounting for continental drift. You're not accounting for 
this, this, and this, and have, and there's that moment where the guy's like, no, stop, stop, no, he's yeah. right. Yeah. St we can't, and still go through it. And I'm like, oh, and what a, what a great poetic moment it was for them to end up right at that war, bring it full circle from the beginning where he's teaching about that moment. And it, to me, it just felt really good for for the character. It felt kind of like another indie figuring, putting something together that no one else did. Um, like it, the whole thing made sense to me thematically. Yeah. And to me, regardless of, of what greater arc there may be to it always being meant for him to go there, to me, it felt like them trying to give an explanation for coincidence because they think the audience will believe it more than just, oh, they happen to end up right at that moment. So you're, I get what you're saying, especially when you're talking about him figuring out that Archimedes wouldn't have accounted for continental drift and his coordinates. That said, because I kind of, I like that too. And I kind of, and I kind of, I'm kind of with you on that as well. But that said, all the Indiana Jones artifacts have a cost. Uh, uh, something that the legends never say the holy mm -hmm. grail grants you uh, grants you a more eternal life as long as you stay within the temple if you leave the temple you are no longer immortal um the ark of the covenant is a powerful artifact that will kill anyone who looks in it um it's not a, it's not a power that can be wielded. the crystal mm -hmm. skull can grant you any wish but it will kill you and destroy the city around it um so like including this kind of price within the dial that this legend has sprung up around the dial that it can take you anywhere in time that these they can find you these fissures but having it be very localized to archimedes needed help and he thought this would bring it and that that becomes very indiana jones for me yeah he yeah. he said it better than I could have, which is it is essentially totally that true. it does feel exactly like the 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 part of the Grail, and I don't think that having that reveal of like the dial can only come back here because he was trying to get help undercuts uh, Indy having thought of continental drift right. and making uh, Mads Mikkelsen's character doubt himself. Yeah. Right, and I mean, and that's fair. And again, it's not that I hate that. Or it's not that I'm like, I didn't like it. It was just my only sort of like half gripe with that ending. Yeah. Because it felt like if we're doing the thing where everything has a price, everything has a cost, those reveals were very impactful to their scene. Word. And this reveal felt more like just a quick realization we moved on from right away. Like something we don't linger on, sure, sure. Right. It felt... I think that was maybe my major issue with it is that it just felt like a thrown in explanation, sure. which in the greater scheme of things totally still fits into what you guys are saying. It still fits into that whole, everything has a cost. I'm with you on that. I just, I wish it had been presented in with maybe the same gravitas that those others were. Yeah. Sure. I'll, I, I'll tell you the problem I have with the scene and it's none of that. It has nothing to do with our heroes. It's with our villains. In all the Indiana Jones movies, our villains, almost all of them, they get taken out in explosive, creative ways. And at the end of this movie, they just crash a plane. They just crash a plane. Mm. And then this Mads is just dead on a beach. And then, yeah, he's gross, but like every movie we see the main bad guy like get his due and we just see him crash. I stand by that. I still yeah. think that's fine for Mads because I do like his performance of he just kind of crumbles apart inside the plane yeah. and can't do anything. But I will agree with you about Boyd. 
Boyd should have gone differently because Boyd, again, it doesn't make sense that he doesn't try to escape the plane. Yeah. That he just stands mm-hmm. there shooting a gun out the window makes no sense. Yeah. Remember um, the dude that gets hit, that gets skewered with a spear who's at the window? What a, mm-hmm. what great aim just launches yeah, that yeah. dude out of there. Oh, mm-hmm. the super, the biggest dude who's ever been in an Indiana Jones movie uh, just gets like, gets beat by a kid underwater. I'm like, that's, it that's a fun subversion. That felt dark. That was a fun. cuffed underwater. Yeah, that's a that fun subversion. so dark when, out of all the deaths that happened, that's the one that hit me the hardest. Yeah, that dude mm-hmm. is slowly suffocating. Yeah, but he's like, also a oh Nazi. So I mean, like, yeah, like I, I didn't feel as bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's just you like know, the way in which he dies to me was like, oh, holy that's shit. a rough way to go. Yeah. Something I thought was funny was when after Harrison Ford gets shot, after Indiana Jones gets shot, they're taking him to the airfield and uh, they take him out of the thing. The two Nazis pick him up and then one person puts his hat on. Yes. And I was like, that's cute. That's well done. Yeah. <laughs> way to respect the hat, dude. Dude. Mm-hmm. I say, so like. Uh, before I saw the movie, that like you know, uh, I heard that the ending is divisive, and like again, I thought it was going to be we're gonna go back in time to old Indiana Jones adventures, and we can't like mess with like you know like generic thing. But like this was so much more fun, and again, it tied it tied to to what was going on at the beginning. And it's like oh, it was always the time fissure was always gonna bring you here no matter what. So like whether you wanted to or not, this was on Archimedes. Like I just wanted help. Thank you for coming, Dragon. Uh, I think it just really it is very Indiana Jones and like this like. Even though it is time travel, is it really any crazier than like a box opening and eating your soul? No. Your soul? No. Like, you know, like an immortal grail? Like all this shit is nonsense, really. I mean, like it, so like I, I thought it was fun. It wasn't over the top in the way I thought it was going to be. So like I was pretty like like uh, subdued for how wild it is. I think that's also one of the reasons why I like this movie a whole lot is because the Dial of Destiny is just like that famous artifact, like the Ark of the Covenant, the stones and the the Holy Grail. It's like these these objects that can do amazing things. But like Brand said, they all have a cost. And like um, the Dial is like you always go to the to the Siege of Syracuse and whatever BC to meet Archimedes because he just need the dude just needs help. And to me, I just felt like. I don't know why it felt more at home having an item like this where we get a dash of supernatural, but it's not really supernatural. And also I like how it's not really explained all that much. I really enjoy it. Like uh, when I was a kid, I first saw Raiders lost Ark. I didn't understand why you open the box. You see the dust and everyone dies. If you look at it now, as an adult, like it, the dust, you just, the, the dust is the tablets. Yeah. Like, the 10 commandments. The 10 commandments are just, are the, they're, they're, they're just now. Yeah. But at the same time, when would now I'm watching this as an adult. I'm like, you just don't look at the box. You just don't look at the Ten Commandments. Some things are not meant for human eyes, and some things, like even Indy says in the movie, I have seen some crazy things. I can't understand it all, but I just roll with it. There's something that's interesting about this about this MacGuffin that I that I noted that I just thought about, which is that it's not. Mads always says it's not supernatural. It's mathematics, and. Mm-hmm. The dial doesn't make time fissures; it finds them, which means yeah. that time fissures are naturally occurring in our world. They're yes. not supernatural, um, yeah. and this dial can find them. And I, I, that's that's an interesting place to be in when it comes to an Indiana Jones MacGuffin. It's science. Um, it's science. And and so and so in that sense, I guess it is kind of different because it's not like. It, it's in more it's more in line with the crystal skulls, right? Because the crystal skulls are from a real a real scientific thing, not like yeah, super really thing. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, just a thought. No, right, yeah, you know, it is different. Yeah. Bouncing off of that, because it's something I've been wanting to 
get at a little bit of a of a of a side tangent they got the dial back with them right mm -hmm. yeah you see, so it on there, the, you see it on the nightstand right is there anything stopping anyone else from using the dial to go back to that same no. point in time no no like can you just go back to the siege yes yeah. yes yes you will just consistently keep going to the back to that point. And then, like, do you see a plane arrive when you do? Like, I don't know. It's just one of those things where, like, everything else felt like, you know, it's like it's its thing. It does its thing. And it's, like, contained in some way. In in theory, because it paradoxes itself, because that's why we see the propellers and the watch and everything on Archimedes' tomb. Yes. Um, then if anyone else ever did do it, you would have seen them already in the scene, which oh, means that fair. they successfully keep the dial from ever, yeah. from ever doing that again. again. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. Granted. That's okay. And I even, just, I was, it was in my head. We had to work to chop it. Yeah. And even prior to that, Archimedes, they, they speculate that Archimedes used the dial, but he didn't, he made the dial then split it in two. He never used it. And therefore nobody used it for 2 million for 2000 years. Yeah. Um, I do want to just highlight some fun things real quick. Uh, the guy who's in the plane that Teddy pilots, who just gets it pulled in, you took my plane, that and he's just watching, and he's like, what is happening? Helping out the whole time, though. Classic that dude. I kind of pulled into the adventure, like... <laughs> that dude is so funny to me, because he just wakes up, and he's... He's he's Italian. And he's so scared. And he's like, "What are you? What are we doing? What, what's going on?" That dude went to bed in his plane and woke up in two fourteen BC. Yeah, he woke up in a storm <laughs> that dumped him into two fourteen BC, and he's like, "Oh, craziest snap of his life!" And, and like, some kid is just yelling at him in a language he doesn't understand. He's like, "I get we're going there. You gotta land to go get my friends." And he's like, <laughs> <laughs> "It's very good." Again, um, and then you got Boyd just shooting out the plane. Yeah. I I don't know why. I don't I get it. He breaks the front window yeah. and yeah. starts yeah. shooting. And I'm like, what's going on? What are you doing? Just Jesus starts you know, shooting at Roman centurions for some reason. He's a white American boy who decided he needed to join up with the Nazis. He's not exactly meant to be the brightest bulb. It's true. So mm -hmm. I'll give him that. Uh, the one other little fun thing I want to highlight is I just really like when they enter the um, cavern. Uh, the This is earlier in the film. And um, they're like, we need to find where the sound is loudest. And they do the ba 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 ba. Oh, yeah. Uh, I just think that's really good. Yeah. I think between the two of them, should have stayed really out of Poland. Um, <laughs> that's a good line. Yeah. I think we're I think we're good to just talk about the ending and wrap this up. Yeah. Um I'll go and say that um the way that they did the Marion thing and where doesn't it hurt after saying mm. everything hurts and I understand that in reference to like Mutt being gone and, and like yeah. what they've been through and bring back around all the way to Raiders and their romantic moment in there which was like this promise of their relationship that wasn't fulfilled on in that moment visually on screen because he falls asleep and bring it all the way back to this and close that circle made me cry like a baby. <laughs> it is. It was really nice. It was really when, when Marion, when Marion shows up, I was, I, I, I had to, I like stalked myself because I forgot that she was, she wasn't confirmed to be in the movie until the poster came out and she, her credits were in the name. Uh, so I like, I, instinctively knew that she was in it but i like i wasn't prepared for her to walk through that door and i was just like oh yeah. shit because like i mentioned it when i talked about crystal skull like marion and indy are an important relationship mm -hmm. to me like i i really like them together I like I, their theme song is one of my favorites in the franchise um so to have that be broken up in the beginning 
was really difficult for me to get over. Yeah. And it still kind of is, I'll be honest, but I'm mm. more on board with it because where where it ends, because I like that they are back together at the end. I I, I agree. I, I still like it still bumps me out to see like we open this movie, I'm like, yeah, my kid's dead and I'm divorced. I'm like, that's a bummer. But it is nice that like through hardship you can you can still find love. So like well, that is nice. And like I like that it's about, you know, it's not just uh, again, it's not just about getting married and like you find the people who you are connected with and the people who you want to be the ones holding your hand when mm. you're reaching the end of your life. And yeah. it's, and it's Marion, but it's also, it's, it's Wombat, which is cute, by the way, we, the, the Wombat nickname. Yeah. Um, it's, it's Helena. It's Teddy. It's, it's not short round. It's Sala. Maybe it is. Maybe he calls short round after this, who knows? Um, but like, it's, it's, it's these people and they're the people, you know, it's, it's in these little found families. Yeah. And uh, I think that that note, the way they do that, I think the execution of that ending is really, really beautiful. And I will say also that Sala's appearance in this, I told Ryan, this made me all the more angry that he's not in place of the dumb piece of Max. crap, Max, Max in Max. uh whatever mac in uh kingdom of the crystal skull because that would have movie would have been 10 times better if it had just been solid not pulling spy trader shit but yeah. just going on the adventure also like that's how he got to america and he's that's like his first adventure right. movie. yeah uh sala i want to mention that i did mention in the beginning because you brought up sala that i don't really like how his story has played out and i stand by that i i it does not work for me um the way they the way they decide to play a story out but i do like his inclusion in the movie um and it's nice to see john reese davies just in a movie because it's been a while yeah. um and him returning as sala is really sweet i do like their scenes together especially when he saves indy like at the beginning and he's just like i'm sorry i'm late and they mm. like run to the yeah. thing i think he's he's very fun i, I do i do really like him i also way. specifically like that we get like a moment that is you know him and looking at karen allen and harrison ford the three of them all at once. If we, if we could take British a moment. Car. Yeah. If we could take a moment. Um, I mean, I just really don't like Marianne. And I just. <laughs> <laughs> is, this a, is this an alternate universe thing? Yeah, this is a bit. Then, <laughs> <laughs> any thoughts on the ending here? Oh, I love it. I, I To me, it's like when Marianne walked through the door, I was like, I was hoping it was going to happen. I was like, the second when I saw the separation papers and thing, I'm like, she's going to walk through the door at the end of the movie. It's going to pull up my heartstrings and the second she does and when they do the whole like sparks you said the romantic bit from raiders bring that full circle i was like yes yes and they have like this sweet tender moment of two of them just like like we said it's a couple who's went through a tremendous horrible loss a loss that no parent should ever go through but during the 1960s unfortunately a lot of parents did and even though these are two fictional characters, they are coming back together and they are trying to build something forward. I mean, true, nothing will ever be the same again, but some things won't change. And like when Indy always grabs his hat, like when he grabbed his hat out of the thing at the very, well, before the shot closed in, but I just loved how Helena, Sala and the kids, they just let them have their moment. They're going off They're. I just thought to me, this was a great ending i mean i liked crystal skull's ending i will not lie i really enjoyed how crystal skull ended with indeed mary and happily ever after taking the hat off shia labeouf's head at the last second but this one just to me felt more i don't want to say complete but it does give me a more complete feeling that indeed has lived a full life yeah. indeed has lived through the entirety of the up and downs he's been on so many adventures and his last one he finally realized that 
there is life worth living even after all the trial and tribulations he's been through and being with Marion and just living their life and being there for Helena from here on out, I think is a fantastic ending for this amazing hero. I will say that metatextually, I find it very funny to kill Shia LaBeouf's character. Um, Cause this character, cause he'll never return. He burned his bridge with Spielberg after Crystal Skull. And it's, and it, I think it's, I, it's funny to me. They didn't just like, he's at college yeah. and they're having marital issues. It was now he's dead. Yeah. Well, because it's it's a more important choice. You know, we kind of said it before, but like this this means something, especially like of this time period. It means something to Indy, and like just putting him like off screen for for X Y Z reason, and like oh they're having marital problems. That would have felt unfulfilling to me. Yeah. Like the whole Marion thing wouldn't have meant anything to me if it was just like yeah they're just not getting along because we just didn't want her in this movie very much. Yeah, you kind of need the whole package of it. Yeah. You made it into this whole substance thing, and I will say like to me. I talked very recently with my good friend Travis about just like talking about this sense of, you know, being a dad and having a kid and this kind of ever present, no matter how small it gets and it will sometimes be very small fear that something will happen to them. And like, who are you after that? And I don't think a lot of movies have done with lead characters, the story that is after the story of losing the kid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, where it's just kind of like, how do you, how how do you Ask like us. everything? Yeah. How do you yeah. do everything? Yeah. How do you do everything else in your life that is not about the kid being gone, but about everything else in your life now? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What that world is like, and like even to the point of what you're bringing up with The Last of Us, that's there, but like it is about just kind of doing getting the kid again, mm-hmm. and this is not about that. This is about everything else that wasn't that. Right. It's no, about I, learning I, to love again. Yeah, right. That's, it is. Yeah. Yes. No, I I really like I like I mentioned, I loved the ending. That includes the very final, you know, bit with them, you know, getting together and him waking up and, and all of that. It it had this weird like sense of comfort for me. Mm-hmm. Where it was like it's not just them being together, but like the whole like where doesn't it hurt thing and you know we touched on it a little bit aside from it kind of you know completing that that journey and that circle it just like i feel like we we don't get a lot of like really tender moments like that Mm -hmm. it just doesn't happen yeah a movie doesn't either allow for it or give the space for that to happen and it, it just, it felt so genuine. Especially with our older characters. Yeah. yeah, especially with our older characters. And it just, it was so genuine and it was so just like enthralling. You know, I I, I legit started tearing up there mm-hmm. and it, it was just because I was like, I believe that they want to stay together. Yeah. I believe that they were both grieving and that this is the start of them healing together. And it like, it's it says so much about not just those characters that we've seen for so long, um, but the actors themselves that they're able to, in a moment like that, just physically be able to express all of that, mm-hmm. and that you sit there and you're like, wow, ah, uh, oh, oh. <laughs> 
Yeah. And it's been it's been forty years, so like that feels real. Yeah, it like, does. Yeah. Like we've seen we've yeah. seen their entire life together almost. Like it's crazy. Like I said, I only I only find the the, the death of Shia funny in a metatextual way um, right. because the the idea of uh, killing off, clearly the, the mutt as I said will never return um, now for sure um, especially because like you know you look at Shia's career and he had tried to make this comeback with Honey Boy which admittedly is a good movie yeah. and then he completely tanked it by saying it was completely made up and <laughs> that talking. really hurt his comeback and so you're just kind of like yeah maybe we don't need mutt yeah um okay shall we thoughts and rate yeah final thoughts and rate um uh, i'll go well, first okay go for it uh, yeah uh i i think that overall um the movie has problems but i think like where execution will like dip and then rise up and dip in in points of doing the story i think the story at its core of what it's doing is really unique to this type of icon and hero story and i i really appreciate it i think a lot of the energy of it works through most of the time and i find it i find it fun and engaging and sad and very very representative i think of of a point in our lives that we don't always see on film very much but does come for us all uh and i i really appreciate it for that and i think i'm only going to appreciate it more uh as i age sure um but i i really i i think this wasn't a complete fumble of the ball i think there are things that could have been done better but um and we've gone over a lot of it uh so i'm not going to reiterate all of it here but i i just think um the the general thrust of of telling a story that's about indie at this point in his life was was pretty good and i enjoyed a lot of it and i would give it an eight mm -hmm. I, I'm definitely a little hotter on it than, than initially coming out, uh, but I'm still not in love with it. Uh, I will give it a 7.5. Um, I think there's a lot of good stuff, but, um, you know, I don't, I don't know where I'd cut it, but like, I, this movie is too long for me. Um, but like, I, like, uh, uh, but like, I don't, I would never give up any of the Helena Andy stuff. Cause like, we probably won't ever see Helena again either as much as I would like to, like, I would, I would totally watch a Helena Teddy show movie, whatever, but like. Uh, I this movie is good enough for me. Like I would watch it again for for her and Indy. So I'll give it. A, I'll give it a seven point five. Xander, why don't we finish off your screen? Mm. Mm. Um, the three of you, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it is a good movie that unfortunately cannot help but be compared to its predecessors. Mm -hmm. That feels like a modern version or modern attempt at those movies be that good or bad so with all of that with everything i think it still is able to stand on its own as a film um everything aside to, to me it's a solid seven ben i give it an 8.5 I still think that, granted, this movie does have some issues. Maybe on a second viewing, I would find some more of those issues. But as of right now, when I walked out of there, I thought this was a great ending for a hero that I've grew up with, essentially. Uh, maybe not, obviously, didn't grow up in theaters, but grew up loving Indiana Jones, wanting to go on adventures. And to me, this was a bit of a return. This film was a bit of a return to form to that adventure. 
it's like let's go on a grand adventure but now there's there's some stakes there's a little bit more we have to think about our heroes aren't as infallible as we think they are and i still think i think that this is a great movie and a great ending like a true ending because obviously i don't think we're gonna get any more indiana jones films after this especially not starring harrison ford but i think with this note to end on i think it's a great note to end on sure okay so it's so ben 8.5 ryan what were you again 7.5 7.5 sparks is eight and xander is seven got a got a full thing here um i this film does a thing that legacy sequels have to work very hard for me to appreciate because fundamentally i do not like the trope of your hero is in a worse place than when we saw them 15 years ago and we need to build them back up Mm -hmm. that's kingdom of the crystal skull I often talk about it as a legacy sequel before the rules of a legacy sequel were set down because it doesn't do this. Um, it picks up with Harris. It picks up with Indiana Jones more or less where we left him. Honestly, he's just um, older. He's just a little older. And Dial of Destiny does this trope, and I don't think it really, for me, justifies it. Um, looking back on it, as Ben said, you know, this is the Indi- this is the ending to Indiana Jones that he was grateful to have looking back on it. I think I already had that with Chris Gull. I think Chris Gull gave me the only ending I needed in hindsight. Um, And I'm, that's not to say I didn't like this movie. I did. It's fine, but I guess I didn't need it as much as I thought I did. It's kind of where I'm coming to terms with like, maybe as much as I've been looking forward to this movie, as much as I wanted this movie after Chris Gull, maybe I didn't need it. Um, that said, Harrison Ford is very good. Yeah. And it's very good to see him perform like this in this movie. He's very vulnerable. He's very fun. Uh, he's cle- He clearly cares. And that's really great to see. Yeah. That is um, nice, too. Because, like, you know, I haven't seen all of Harrison Ford's, like, recent work. I know he was in Shrinking. But, like, there is a period where he was doing a lot of, like, movies like Firewall. And movies <laughs> that are, like... I'm, I need a new pool this weekend. And I'm like, no, Harrison, you're so good. In the 80s and 90s, you were like the king of Hollywood. Um, so like, he's he still got it. Like, he is really, really good. Um, yeah. And he has great chemistry with everyone in this movie. So like, I'm glad we got to have, at least we have that, yeah. So I would save it, uh, all that said, I would give it a 6.5. Yep. Um, I like it. It's fine. I wish I liked it more. It's too long. That's where I'm in. Yeah completely could change next week who knows i hated fallen kingdom and i love that movie now (laughs) um all right shall we get into our book club let's do it yeah um i however i'm going to dip he didn't read the book club it's okay as uh yeah uh again a last minute sort of addition here uh yeah no thanks for having me This this is a lot of fun it's been it's it's always great to talk about movies and talk about all the context surrounding them especially from another universe especially from another especially universe from another universe we have uh your at hockey in the box tab down there um at jack in the box yep. uh, do you want to elaborate on where they can look for you yeah of course um yes yeah, so you can find me um at jack in the box uh j-a-q-u-e in the box uh primarily uh on twitch um soon to be also on kick 
you can probably type that into Google and find me in a couple other places, but I'm not as active. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Thank you, sir. It was great. Yeah. No, this is always a pleasure. Always glad to be on. Okay. Well, it is Sparks' turn for the book club this week, but he has revived uh, Sparks. I've revived everyone. <laughs> Take it away. Um, Y'all, we're talking about more Indiana Jones, and of course it is Indiana Jones and the Fate of Atlantis. This is written by, um, let me see here, because it changes issue by issue. Um, so the story is by Hal Barwood and Noah Falstein, and it's a written adaptation by William Messner Loeb's on issue number one. Um, issue number two is written by Dan Barry and and William Messer Loeb's, um, and then they pull up issue three. Sorry, friends, that's all. Issue three is also Dan Barry with uh, Loeb's, and Mike Richardson uh, steps in for Dan Barry on issue four. Um, so that's how the writing broke down, and uh, you got pencils by uh, Dan Barry and ink by Carl Kessel. Um, and this is an adventure that was a video game and then adapted into this comic book story. I uh, played two hours of the video game today. The video game was very well regarded, and they, so they made this comic out of it. And um, it's all about uh, this quest to find Atlantis and in competition with the Nazis and uh, all this uh, really wonderful stuff. And to be honest with you guys, after last week, when I started reading this, I was like, oh my God, I'm so happy that we're reading a different Indiana Jones comic because I'll just, I'll, I'll play my stuff out right now that uh, I love this. I thought this was great. I thought all the notes that we said didn't work in the previous one, to me, uh, are great here. I hear Indiana Jones in most of this writing. Um, I really like the art throughout. Um, I like the characterizations. I like the relationship dynamics. This feels like an Indiana Jones adventure. I feel like I can see the movie here. Mm -hmm. um, I took so many photos, I too. Uh, honestly too many, because I feel like they captured so many great uh, ideas and moments. I love that Marcus is such a present part of the story. Yeah. Um, I think that really helps a lot. I like our Nazi villains. Yep. I like our female um, companion, especially because she's not overly sexualized by Jones. Sophie Hopgood. Yeah. Um, and I, I like her part in the story uh, and her history with Indy. I think it all works. So um, I just want to hear what you guys have to say about this. I'm just going to bounce off you because I'm right next to you. I also love this. Um, uh, it, it's... I hear Harrison Ford, Harrison Ford. I hear Indiana Jones in every single panel. Yeah. Um, I think the art is awesome. And it's, even though it's different artists, like it's consistent, it's consistently good. Um, it really feels like just a classic, like this just could have been the, four, like this movie could have came out in like, you know, 1993 and it's just the next adventure. Um, and I really, really like Sophie as a character. Yes. I think she has a lot of Helena energy, to be honest. I feel I felt a lot of Dial of Destiny kind of too. kind of from like this a little bit. I'm like this is like a soft like the soft idea. Um, I think it's great. It inspired me to play the game. I played two hours of it, and it's uh, very much the same thing. Um, just like a, a point and click adventure by the Monkey Island team, LucasArts. Um, yeah, this is this is this is really good. This is just a lot of fun. Ben, I'm pretty much gonna echo almost everything the Sparks and Ryan are saying because this was this felt like the Indiana Jones comic book we should have read last week. This. Well, I felt. wanted to pick it, but he wouldn't let me. <laughs> I called dibs. 
you know, you would think that Indiana Jones, like with all the movies that, I mean, okay, we only have five, but you would think Atlantis would be a very easy Indiana Jones thing to do. Like Indiana Jones finding the lost city of Atlantis. It's, you know, it's Atlantis. It's that fabled city and that fabled continent. But I love what this book does. And I also, I don't know if it's just because like, you know, even though the Disney film Atlantis Lost Empire, we see Atlantis as this great ancient high civilization that had technology beyond us. I was while I was reading this book and I was seeing like the little like the Oriculum or Orchulum or however the hell you pronounce it. Or Calcum. Because that's how they said it. Game. Okay. <laughs> but when you have those like little devices, I'm just like, this is just like this get this reminds me so much of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom with the ancient Zonai devices and everything. Oh, 100%, 100%. Yeah, and as I'm reading this, I'm like, this is like, yeah, I hear Harrison Ford. I also, I love the companion, how she's like a con lady, how she used to be an archaeologist as well, and she went to conning people because she's a woman, and women aren't really respected in the field. Mm-hmm. And just like you guys said, she's not like Indiana Jones, unlike, um, what's her name, in Temple of Doom? Willie. Willie, thank you. Uh, like Willie, Indiana Jones isn't trying to get in her pants. She's he's just like, hey, this is my colleague. We're just going on an adventure together. Shit's gonna happen. He definitely tries to get in Willie's pants. No, no, no. He's saying in Unlike. this, she's not. In this one, oh, he's I not. See. Oh, I see. It's fine. Um, I liked it more than last week's. Um, I think the writing is quicker. I think. I get a little lost in some of the paneling as it skips around uh, quite a bit. I'm not, I don't a hundred percent agree that I hear Harrison Ford a lot here. I sometimes it's, but it's more here than it was in the previous book, um, which I will acknowledge. There's just too many terms of the time that we never hear Indiana say in the movies that he says in this book makes me feel like they don't really have a grasp of Indiana Jones and just are just kind of making action hero of the 1930s. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll just, I, I grant that like there are times when he's using those specific terms you're referring to. And I'm like, oh, I don't really feel it here, but like uh, the majority of the time I was mm-hmm. vibing it. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, I certainly enjoyed the story. I think this could very well... I, I get why this could have made a very good game. It feels like a condensed version of a video game. Um, but yeah, for the most part, I, I found it uh, fine. I think it opens very strongly with him in, in the, uh, the him teaching, and he has Mr. Travis, who is like a recurring character who I quite like too. Uh, but he does like the the arrowhead thing of like, tell me which one's, you know, the oldest one. And he's like, oh, it's this one. He's like, ha-ha, this one is actually from 1911. Ha-ha, fuck you, Travis. And this, like, one, this one I made this morning. Yeah, and yeah. I'm like, that's really, that that, that felt like, like an Indiana Jones thing to me. I really, I, I do want to say, I want, I want to add that I do like the art a lot. Um, and the first issue is kind of when I was most interested in this in the book. I think the first mm-hmm. issue is really well written, and then after that, the book starts to lose me. Sure, I really like Jerry, uh, the student, as an addition. I really love when uh, he comes in and uh, uh, saves Miss uh, Doctor Jones from getting shot, and uh, and he's like, "Jerry, what are you doing here?" And he's like, "I had to talk to you about my grades." He's like, "Congratulations, kid, you're past." Yeah, um, Jerry constantly <laughs> showing up again is so good. Yeah. Uh, I just I just like that as a it, like adding to his professor dynamic. I really enjoy. Um, it's a really good donkey. <laughs> it's a really good donkey. 
uh, I think in general, like the art paneling, the coloring is is very striking and strong. They do this thing that's re that's really awesome. Um, and it's like they use the color blue. It's uh, of course green screen, but there's specific panelings when characters are talking about or Calcum or talking about Atlantis stuff, or they're being really interpersonal, where the paneling is blue, and it's just like an, it's just an artistic touch that happens every so often. I'm like. That's like that's like a nice little touch that like that no one's really gonna pay attention. I thought that was great. Like I thought the, the this feels like like high production. Like they put a lot of effort into this one. I think the art is good throughout. Um, I love the Atlantis designs. And again, we talked about in 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 all the Indiana Jones Indiana Jones movies, they all have like a cost of it. And like Atlantis was trying to make gods, make people, and it, they turned into mutants and it destroyed their civilization because they were trying to play God. And I'm like, that's that's awesome idea. That even people with advanced advanced technology, they're still people. They'll still make mistakes. Uh, I thought all that Atlantis stuff. The the, the Zonai robot band. Oh, I love it. He crushed. He crushed the Nazis. Love it. Here we go. Not, only, got it. not only that, what I also oh, love terrible. is like like you. <laughs> yeah, that was great. <laughs> uh, but also, what I love is like you said, everything has a cost. Where the Nazi scientist guy who was trying to find a way to make the atom bomb that because he thought, oh, I could be a god and use this um, auriculum to or that thing to it's make a, an explosion. And then he turns into it's like while well, I'm watching this, it's like this reminds me so much of the end of Raiders and Crusade, where yes. he turns into a horrible monster and then his face just completely melts off. And I'm just like, yeah, that's what you get, Nazi scum. That's what you that's get. That's what I wanted from Dial of Destiny. I wanted some goopy monster stuff. Um, I really love bits like Indy caught in the geyser and he's like, pull, pull me out, <laughs> pull harder. I thought that that's very uh, classic Jones. I love Marcus getting hit on by, um, oh, the, by the lady yes. who's like, I have so much say, love to give. <laughs> I have so much love to give and Marcus just being like, oh, oh dear. <laughs> this is felt like a very good Marcus comedy. Um, there's a guy who works with them for a second, this uh, this guy. Yes. Um, and uh, uh, he puts them on a hot air balloon and as they're rising up, He's like, wait, you forgot something in India. And it's like, my wallet. And he's like, not to worry. I just took a small service fee. Bon voyage. And I'm like, that felt like that felt like classic Indiana Jones moment. Like he has a cool companion, but you know, he has to hustle him. Like uh, a lot of great little side character stuff. Again, uh, Sophie is so fun. I love her, her being like her being like a famous psychic when she used to well, be and like, like and when she really like deeply connects with the necklace she's like i am to be the vessel of this god and, yeah. and like and gets obsessed with it and needs to get separated from it but like that's why where the psychic connection has been coming from this whole time thought that was a really good reveal yeah um they tie in the idea that the labyrinth of the minotaur is attached to this atlantis <laughs> thing and i thought that was very good like a really cool little like indiana jones mythology exploration yep, yep. thing um the german doctor at one point oh. refers to him as dr illinois jones and oh. i thought that was funny i took it yeah dr chillinay joins jones i'll wager good stuff yeah i i <gasps> oh i got this um he, this is Indiana Jones talking to our bad guy. You're a snake, Kerner, popping out of the dark hole, sneaking, sneaking up on your prey. Anyone can tell you, I hate snakes. Love it. I thought that was a good way to reference the snake stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I just, uh, it, it could be also just like having had the the one we did last week and then looking at this and, and like two different Indiana Jones comics. And I'm like, this is far more in the vein of what I wanted. Um, and I, I think the adventure is there. I think the mythology is there. The exploration, the humor, um, the action is all playing for me and the character beats. And I think the art is gorgeous. Yeah, I really do. For the time period, especially, I think like it's just very striking, very beautiful. I, I really like the final panel. Um, it, it's it's back home and in trap uh, Mr. Travis the college guy he just won a football game and Sophie's like don't worry my psychic days are behind me 
And then uh, Travis brings her the game-winning ball. For you, Miss Hart, uh, Hapgood, the game ball. Gosh, how do you know they were going to make that play? And he's like, Sophie. Yeah. It's like, because she rigged the game, basically. I'm like, that's that's fun. That's uh, fun. Also, there's this bit where um, they're leaving on the one side, and he wants to make sure that the Nazis can't follow them. So he uh, sends the whip through the doorway and wraps it around the mouthpiece so that he can break it. And I thought, that's a really cool use of Indy's whip. Yeah. I really, really appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. That's just a fun, oh. different thing than just, like, whipping people. This is just beautiful paneling. Just, like, I think it's yeah. great. Just a great... Great yeah, work. doing the history story of what uh, Atlantis did. Somebody gets Shasaf shadow work in this And car. And yeah. again, like, I think the art is, oh my god, and it's so bloody when, like, they put the the Orica Kalaman to um, robot. the robot thing that just, like, crushes, like, four Nazis all together at once and, like, their blood all spurts out. I'm like, oh my god. Um, yeah, the graphic art on both uh, Nazi people thinking, like, especially the second guy who's like, if I'm wearing the necklace, it'll be different for me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think it's all just very, very striking, very good. Uh, I like the look of I it. I love the ooey-gooeys. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I felt very solid about it. I had a good time. I agree. Right, cool. Okay. Anything else from anyone? Nope. Uh, Indiana Jones. I think, unless we have... Oh, you guys have more Indiana Jones to do. Never mind. I was going to say, Indiana Jones is over, but we got more. No, yeah, That's we do. We... Uh, I, was, I was leaving it open for Ben if you wanted to add anything more, because he... Okay. Um, well, it is... Ben's book club next week. So Ben, do you know what it is? Yes, I do. It is going to be Secret Invasion by Brian Michael Bendis and uh, Lanil Francis U. <laughs> okay, there you go. Secret Invasion yeah. to tie into the currently running Secret Invasion TV series. Um, nice. So we'll be one up on the creators of that show because they didn't read the comic either. <laughs> they didn't need um, to. <laughs> didn't, didn't the showrunner say that, admit that at one point he did? Even though they told him not to. Oh, I read that. Oh, I don't it doesn't know. matter. It doesn't matter. I was. It was just a joke. Um, uh, okay, so that does it. But as Ryan alluded to, that the Indiana Jones fun is actually not going to stop because there are uh, there are a few other Indiana Jones things we're going to do. As I said, we're going to finish up the miscellaneous episodes, um, talking about the next three MacGuffins, uh, including the Dial of Destiny, the uh, Antikythera, and. Um, and then real score, real score. There's going to be a real a few real score episodes on Indiana Jones, so there will be more Indiana Jones to come. Stay tuned. I want to do ten episodes on Dune. Okay, <laughs> okay. Let's do it. I just, I just want to. I'm just. It's just going to be me going Dune. <laughs> Dune ten hour chapter. <laughs> yeah, dude. Hey man, I'm up for anything. You want to do whatever? Let's do it. I can't. Um, I can't afford ten. I can only do one. <laughs> next week however we will be returning to the mission impossible franchise with mission impossible rogue nation and mission impossible fallout i don't know uh, why but rogue nation is one of the movies i'm very excited to see that was good that's why not fallout fallout's good no. they're both no, good. no I, i'm excited to see Fallout, but for some reason i'm like oh yeah i don't know why but just the title of rogue nation like Ooh, oh sure that's spicy. That cool it's cool yeah man. it does sound really cool can't fight the friction of course, the previous Mission Impossible discussions are available in our cinephiles if you want to go check them out. The third and fourth discussion being in our description right now. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for watching the Rewind, the live show. We love it. Thank you. Check out, like this video, subscribe to this channel. Ben, is there somebody sick on your end of the of this? No, that's just my fiance blowing her nose. Rouge Nation. Mission Impossible. Uh, Rogue Nation. I think he's talking I think he's talking about rogues.
Uh, he is. But Rogue Nation. Rouge yeah. Nation. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, cool. So, guys, like this video, subscribe to this channel. You can check out all sorts of shows, such as Conversation. I am behind on Conversation. I'm so sorry. Um, it was a rough week, so I didn't get the latest episode out. But it will be out this week, uh, and it will be with Rachel Strange from the Narrative Labyrinth podcast. Um, so stay tuned for that. That'll be a lot of fun. Thank you. Uh, check out. What was that? That was my phone. Oh, okay. Uh, check out Fickner's Watch. There's plenty of other Fickner's plenty of Fickner's Watch episodes you can check out, such as our currently going Star Trek: Strange New Worlds season two, newest newest episode in the description below. Basement Arcade has two parts for the Steam Next Fest, where you guys talk about a bunch of things. You want to talk about those again? It's um, a bunch of demos for a bunch of demos. Bunch of indie I, I, demos. I think it's a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't. There's no game in that that I didn't think seemed cool. So like worth checking out if you're interested. Um, stop on by. Go check them. Video goms. I don't think I brought this up at the beginning. I think I forgot to mention that the Fake Nerd Book Club episode that I recorded with Travis Alexander uh, for Star Trek Discovery Aftermath is yes. in the description below. Uh, Fake Nerd Book Club is kind of back. It's just me doing some Star Trek comic books with some friends. Um, we did the kind of proto proof of concept comic book that would later become Strange New Worlds. Um, interesting book. That's linked below. Um, Animation Station, The Real Score, and Miscellaneous. You can also check out on this channel. Miscellaneous newly in video, so you can actually check it out on this channel if you're watching this on the video for, on the video feed. Of course, Miscellaneous latest episode, The Sankara Stones, is in the description below. New episodes coming soon. You can find us on Patreon and TeePublic if you like to get if you like to support us financially. We greatly appreciate all the help. Uh, where you can find all the things that I've listed on our website, which is also linked below at fictorpodcast.com. Check it out. New website. My blog is updated. I'm working on Ben's blog, so you know, keep going back. It, it keeps updating. Uh, uh, I also want to shout out just everybody here for like you know we've been working on a lot of stuff, uh, and I just want to highlight that we successfully put out at least one episode from every show that is an animation station or the real score in the last two weeks, sometimes more than a single episode. So, you know, good on everybody. Great job. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, Grayson live. Thanks so much for the show. Have a great fourth. You too, mm -hmm. sir. Uh, no mag today. Interesting. It Live, is one living, living life. Oh, but normally he's here in the beginning. Then we lose him later. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, anyway, uh, Thank you to everyone who listens to the show. Thank you to everyone who watches the show. And thank you to everyone who watches the live show. We greatly appreciate all of your support. Thank you to Jeremy Bellucci, who did the music, that you, who did all the music you heard here tonight, as well as all the music for every single one of our shows, including our new, the real, nope, including our new miscellaneous intro. Uh, and you can find him hosting the real score. Uh, new, new episodes coming soon. You can find him on Instagram at Jeremy Bellucci underscore wreck of time which is his band you can find his podcast suburban proctologist on instagram at subproc podcast or facebook.com slash suburban proctologist official thank you to mike patola who has a new who has we've archived the episode in the description below where he did the mike's impossible trivia challenge for raiders of the lost ark mm -hmm. check out there is plenty of mike patola stuff you want to check out please do he's a cool guy um, he, he's helped us with some logos and he has collaborated with us many times. You can find him at TikTok and Instagram at Mike Matola. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Well, Twitter, kind of on Fickner Podcast at all the social medias. Fickner at gmail.com. If you like to get in touch with us personally, I'm at BT McClure on Instagram and Twitter. I also write for CBR.com where there's plenty of articles you can find. Atomicgeekdom.com 
and kaijuramamedia.com, where I'm also the editor, the website editor. Ben, where can people find you? Well, on Tuesday during a certain federal holiday, you can find me relaxing at a friend's pool at BenMaga27, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. And you can also find me Ryan for Fusion Gaming Magazine, GoNintendo.com, Old School Gamer Magazine, and playing Mary Frankenstein in Dean Dark. The newest episode should be coming out this Wednesday. I'm 90% sure that's going to happen, but I will. But if it's there, sweet. If not, give it a little time. We'll we'll put it up. Don't worry. Sparks, where can people find you? Uh, you you can find me um playing the part of friend in the friends pool statement that ben said before <laughs> at sparks witty on instagram twitter sprkz witty ryan hey you could find me getting home to my own party late because i work every holiday that's not christmas or thanksgiving at dj tony snark 616 but i'm happy that you'll be coming over and i can see you anyway so it's gonna be great Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music and Podcast, and Pandora. Write and review. Just like us and, you know, all your, pod- your podcatcher of choice. Find us, subscribe to us, rate us, rate and review wherever you get us. Greatly appreciate it. Like this video, subscribe to this channel. Like some- really do that. Like, like this video, subscribe to this channel. It helps a lot. Hey, subscriber cramps back on the creep up. I saw it. That's true. Uh, until next time we see us, guys, stay fake, nerds. Bye.